This is the Criterion Creeps Podcast. I'm Jared Duncan. RJ Bailock. And we're just two guys who have no other choice now but to creep our way through the Criterion Collection one spine number at a time in order of release. This week, we're men on the run as we watch Spine 45 in the Criterion Laserdisc Collection. Huh? <gasps> Alfred Hitchcock's North by Northwest from 1959. But first, RJ, mm. it's yeah. episode 375. What does that mean? It means every 25 episodes of this goddamn anchor we put around our own necks, mm-hmm. we get to bust out and we get to do a laser disc. And you know what? This is the first time ever, ever, that we're being joined by a member of Creepsville. What? That's right. What do you, what do you mean? What do, what do I mean? Well, uh, as as alluded to last week at the end of the last episode, RJ, mm-hmm. we're being joined by the uh, one time described by me as enigmatic, mm-hmm. who uh, an individual who uh, was only known to us via Facebook Photoshop images, and it's like mm-hmm. I don't I don't know who this is. They're not on Letterbox. They're they're a total mystery and X factor. Well, they're here, and we can now put a, a face to a name. At least we can. Um, we can. But, but here we are, joined by the one and only Rob Eagle. Crocky. <laughs> what? It's, it's, it's Oliver Granger. From Australia. It's Oliver Granger. He's back. He snuck in once again somehow. Well, that's – I was kidding you guys. That That's not really what I sound like. Um, oh. I don't sound like RJ's impression of an English person. <laughs> oh, you don't want to sound like that. That's too real for some. But thank you very much, guys, for um, letting me on the show. I've been looking forward to this with anticipation and some trepidation, I have to say. Mm-hmm. It's kind of <laughs> it's kind of like a first date. It is, and it'll end in, the, in a similar way. Disappointment. <laughs> in, in tears. Tears, tears, and disappointment. Uh, And for everyone, not just one person, everybody will feel like that. mm Because if there's one thing we try to do here, Rob, it's make everyone feel bad. (laughs) Well, I'm just hoping you boys will be gentle with me. And we treat all our all our fans with utmost respect. We're we're, we're... fans. See, I would say friends of the show because that's a little bit more political. But, uh, you know, Jarrett's got the, this. He's uh, his ego's up here. You know, episodes 375. It's a whole new ballgame. <laughs> that's right. The, the fans, the only fans. The fans. I've noticed that you guys treat all your guests with such respect. And let's talk about how wonderful England is, RJ. <laughs> oh, that gray marsh of a land with, uh, as Jarrett would put, zero sexuality. Sen- sensuality. <laughs> Unerotic. Un- un- Unerotic. Unerotic. Yep. Oh, I, I have lots to say about England, but we'll mm-hmm. get there. Mm-hmm. We'll get there. I'm thinking I've... maybe for tonight, RJ and I should have a safe word. Um, it's got to be something that doesn't come up naturally. Like it could be quirkle. Or, uh, you know, banana. Know. <laughs> Whatever you don't use normally, because it's got to it's gotta stand out, you know what I mean? I'll let you decide. Okay. Very good. Very good. But, uh, no, we, uh, we, we, we too are uh, happy to have you on. Uh, the man uh, behind the memes, some would say. Uh, some of the most infamous and uh, problematic to, to troubling <laughs> memes we've ever got. Uh, there is one of Jarrett that I have still yet to post. Uh, I, I will post it one day one day but uh I, I i haven't found that i'm comfortable with myself yet to post that one so uh 
So um, the man of the I memes. Think I know the one that you mean. You, <laughs> yeah, I, my... you, I, I don't even know this one. Oh, you teased, I think... uh, RJ teased it um, a couple of weeks ago, and I yeah. thought he's going to go for it. Why? Well, I, I maybe now will be the time. Right after we do this, uh, it's uh, it's it's one that Rob made of uh, some of my greatest fears. Um, <laughs> So I will. I'll post that at some point. But uh, like uh, like our other friends from Ohio, Rob also smokes in the house, which is just wonderful for me to see. And I, I saw he had a, a tall can there, so he's fitting in just right. Look at that. It's beautiful, <laughs> beautiful. Um, but yeah, the man of the many means. We've waited a long time to have you on. A lot of aliases too. Rob Eagle, Roger English, uh, Robert. Altman, I believe, is one of your other ones. There are many, many different monikers. So it's nice to have you on here, Rob, as scary as it may be. Well, um, once again, let me say I'm pleased. You mentioned the tall guy. I've got my... Yo, what do you can. got there? I've got, look what it's got. Oh, my... <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> a nice little koozie on that. Uh, hey, that yes. was, a, that was a, a custom-made job. I don't know if you know, but only about six of these koozies exist in the world. So... Mm-hmm. Because uh, some, for some reason, trying to get podcast merch in Canada is um, almost impossible. Pro- prohibitively expensive. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We could do it. It's just no one would buy the stuff. No one yeah. wants to pay $18 Canadian for a, a drink koozie. So. Or uh, like $70 for a t-shirt. For a t-shirt. Yeah. And that's not even us marking it up. We wouldn't even make money on that. That's just how much it would cost to and, make and, it. And, and to get it to it. somebody. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and to it's get it to crazy. someone. So. But uh, I'm glad uh, I'm glad you're using it. Does it keep your your drink cold and your hand warm? Well, the the cans don't usually last long enough for the mm-hmm. um, for the, for the effect to be noticeable because yep. they're, they're normally down straight from the fridge. I myself, like you, RJ, mm-hmm. will take two cans from the fridge. I'm a two can guy. Two can guy. I yes. I, I mean I appreciate it. It's because. I had this guy uh, I went to school with at one point, and he said, if you ain't going to have two, don't have one. And he applied that to all of his stuff. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that could probably get you in trouble some places, but uh, I, uh, that always kind of stuck with me. If you're not going to have two, don't have one. I went, okay, okay. But I'm with you, too. I don't, I'm don't. i not a koozie man myself because I usually drink them so fast that uh, I would just be wasting time putting koozies on. Sometimes. Well, <laughs> very good, very good. And do you, Jarrett? I see your. Uh, I have, do you I'm, have pants I'm, on? Uh, I I do have st- uh, leggings on. Okay. Yeah. I I had to check because I didn't know if for for the special occasion if you. Well, be with RJ, I mean, <laughs> I mean, with all the introductions, we've yet to uh, mention the weather, which is uh, here in uh, Creepsville, extremely cold. Uh, not as cold as yesterday, but I think we're How sitting at something. How cold is it? Uh, minus twenty four Celsius. Um, so yeah. I, I believe in uh, Borkshire today. Uh, I checked. It looks like it's it's rainy. It's very rainy and it's like a uh, twelve degrees or something, which might feel a lot colder. Uh, you know, with that that being right by the water. But uh, yeah, how, is is it is that true? Is is the internet to be believed, Rob? It's actually not too terrible today. It's quite mild. It is very muggy, as we call it, mm-hmm. and it's fun. It's foggy, which I like. I love it when it's foggy. It doesn't happen very often, but it makes me think of, you know, old misty movies, that sort of thing. I was checking the internet for the weather, and it's, what, minus 31 over there? Is that correct? It, it was this morning. Yeah. It's a little bit warmer now, but uh, the last the three days... The sun is out. 
yeah, the sun's out now. But uh, yeah, the last three days it's been. I think the lowest <laughs> it got was minus thirty six at one point or yeah. so. And uh, that's just us. Like I think they're the coldest point in our province was minus fifty two days. Dear ago. Lord. <laughs> I mean, we, yeah. we 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 mourn over here when it's well, pussy temperatures you call them. We had a wow, Jared we, might. <laughs> okay, well, we had a storm in the UK um, about two or three weeks ago, mm. and I thought about mentioning it in an email, and I stopped because it wasn't wonderful news anyway. But then I realised they're going to think, my God, this guy's bitching about a tree falling over. We, this is like normal stuff for us. Yeah. I mean, yes and no. I mean, that is, uh, people don't listen to this podcast for movie reviews. They listen to it for the weather of a small Alberta town. And food. And, uh, and f- yeah. uh, we, we would have taken it. We would have taken it. But yeah, it's real cold. Real cold. Yeah. Right, Chair? That's right. And uh, actually, just before, um, we, we started recording, uh, RJ and I both uh, were commiserating over our experience of getting our, our booster shots of mm-hmm. uh, some some good old uh, Moderna, uh, I think, and uh, feeling like like a big shit the next day. So yeah, that, that, that's so yeah, it, it actually was pretty good for me because it allowed me to just like watch movies the entire yes. day. So that was fantastic. See, I'm actually I'm different from you though, Jared. I'm part of the Pfizer clan. We have different mutagens. If you're a Moderna boy, right? So I'm I'm part of the Pfizer clan. But yeah, yeah. I, I and as always, I couldn't tell. Am I hungover or is it the vaccine? And I, I wasn't quite sure. So it's one or the other, you know. But the uh, first two goes uh, pretty good, and this this third one, I uh, I definitely felt it a little bit more. But you know, no reason to shy away from it. Just do it. Enjoy a day off. Sit on the couch, you know. Plan accordingly. what? RJ was patient zero, weren't you? Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> we, uh, we, some people would know me as that. I think I've mentioned actually people I like work with and people in town, like sometimes they approach me and they're like, weren't you the first one? Weren't you patient zero? And I'm like, how the fuck did you, like people just found out. <laughs> Aren't you that, are you that guy? Well, they'll listen to the podcast. Yeah. Well, they're like, are you the guy who ruined it for everyone? And I go, yeah, but that's for a different reason. You know what I mean? It wasn't for that. It was just because you were of ruining things long behavior. beforehand. Yeah, I've been ruining stuff for people for years. Yeah. And then uh, the world goes in a pandemic and suddenly I'm the number one concern. But yeah, yeah, it happens. But yeah, strangers sometimes bring that up to me and I go, oh, cool. <laughs> Did, did the world did the world get round? Uh, yeah, well, actually, um, a place of business, I won't say which one, but they uh, they actually released some private information that they weren't supposed to during that early, early days. And uh, people figured it out. People that uh, I hadn't talked to in a long time were like, hey, is this you? And I went, oh, that's good. So, uh, yeah, yeah, a place of business. Uh, uh, our health services here said that they uh, violated our personal information. So we got that in our back pocket. So they may have a lawsuit on their hands, is what you're saying. I mean, I think so. I don't know what the statute of limitations is. I know it's going to coming up on two years in the next like three, four months here. So mm-hmm. might have to move on that. We'll see. I was very impressed. I have to say, I mentioned this in a, in a message to to RJ because mm-hmm. you you a year later mm-hmm. you came out of the closet and said, actually, I was infected with the vaccine, but you went through yep. an entire year without mentioning it without putting your own personal stuff onto the onto the show and i thought that that goes to character i thought 
Uh, well, I mean, you're you're speaking a little too kindly. It was mostly out of my own selfishness that I didn't uh, <laughs> I didn't do it. But uh, no, it's uh, it's it's funny. People talk about that now, and it's um, we've come so far into it. I uh, sometimes I got to remind people. It's like it was a two years ago. It was a lot different. Uh, and, uh, it was one of those things is like, I didn't want to tell anyone that. Cause I mean, now people have somewhat got used to it, but, uh, for a while there, Rob, I was being hunted in uh, our hometown and <laughs> Jarrett could speak to this. Yeah. Like people were trying to find me. So I was, yeah. this I was, person. they were trying to find this person, this person. Yeah. 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 Who is this masked man? Yeah. <laughs> they, they, there were, it was like people, got, Facebook comments. We, we should get, find them. Yeah. We should get them. And then what? <laughs> Stay and, yeah. stay away. <laughs> That's what I would say. It's like, what, what would they do? Is outside in the house. Uh, yeah, and it's like, like come on in. Movie. That's, uh, that's how it felt for a very long time, uh, especially those early days. So uh, I honestly, I just didn't want to tell anyone about it because uh, I didn't want people to come get me. <laughs> they, st- they still might. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> they still might. They, they might. They might. Yeah. Oh, well. Oh well. What so, else you got, Jarrett? Well, I mean, uh, so Rob, how how's the queen doing? I've, I've heard mm-hmm. I've heard some things on Twitter that uh, they faked her they faked her being alive, um, just, just to get us through the holidays so they wouldn't have to give people time off because uh, because truth. because people are insane. Uh, uh, but I see that she reappeared uh, via uh, broadcast. So uh, how did that make you feel? I mean, I know how everyone loves the queen there. Mm-hmm. Well, we, we, we actually do. Um, I thought when the, I was talking a little, remember when the Duke of Edinburgh, her husband died yep. two or three months ago, and it was, well, he was very, very desperately ill and, and in hospital and nobody knew anything. And the Harry and Meghan interview was going to come out. Yep. And I said to people, the Oprah thing, and I said to people, I think this guy died and I think they're going to bring it out, the news of it, the day after the Harry and Meghan thing, just to suck all the oxygen out of the out of the news story. Right. That makes sense. But I only told a couple of people because I thought it was a shameful thing to say. And, of course, now I've broadcasted it nationally. <laughs> so everybody's going to realize what a cynical, horrid person I am. <laughs> I think it just speaks to your sleuthing skills. Uh, I, I know you're a big murder she wrote guy, so. I am a sleuth. Mm-hmm. I once solved a real, genuine real life murder and actually real life murder it's going to take too long to tell you on the podcast it's going to be boring boring <laughs> but i will um tell you in other oh, by other means i'm not going to take okay. up yeah. time now you you know it solving the murder doesn't count if you're the one who committed the murder as well or does oh, it damn i would have got away with it too if it wasn't for you pesky canadians that's true we we ruin a lot of stuff Damn. for podcasters people ruining, worldwide. ruining the world. Mm-hmm. Hmm. What? What? So so Rob, uh, I guess as a as a uh, as an introduction to you, maybe to to new listeners who are tuning in to listen to us talk about North by Northwest, and this is the only time they'll ever listen because they want to hear the definitive discussion about Alfred Hitchcock, which will come, I'm sure, two hours from now. But yes. um, but uh, so Rob, how did how did you come across our podcast? Mm-hmm. It was the Silence of the Lambs. Okay, I'd watched the movie for the upteenth time. And I thought, oh, I'll, like you do, you think you'll check the reviews. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> I went to YouTube, 
and I came across these two guys chatting away about the movie, and I thought, yeah, I kind of liked the sound of them. They weren't pretentious and horrible, and they weren't, like, mm-hmm. totally movie brats or whatever. And I remember, because it's a, it was a 40 or 50-minute thing on, on YouTube, which was great because mm-hmm. I was enjoying it. Yeah. But after about 25 minutes, and you know, your attention kind of strays. Mm-hmm. And, I re- and I remember distinctly, this is the truth, my finger think, hovering over the mouse. And I was about to click off. And I thought, I like the sound of this guy's voice, this RJ guy. Oh. I thought it sounds like a gigantic 12-year-old who <laughs> yeah. knows a little bit about movies. And I oh, thought, wow. I'll stick with this. And then I, that, so I, I stuck with that. And then I found out the other YouTube things of other movies that you that you like that I like. And I'll I listen to them. And then you mentioned you had a Facebook thing, and you, I could get the actual shows. And I, I sent a couple of things to Facebook, a couple of pictures. And then, much to my surprise, further down the road, um, Jared said, mentioned this guy called Rob Eagle. And <laughs> RJ totally, of course, had no idea who this Rob, Rob Eagle was. That's, uh, yeah, that's common. <laughs> so that gave me a little bit of encouragement. So I kind of said a little bit more in, and then that, that was how it came off. And I sent a couple of pics. I, I did the first pick. Was involved some RJ cyber stalking. A little bit, <laughs> potentially. That was because RJ, of course, is obsessed by the thought that he looks exactly like Jake Gyllenhaal. Hey, I'm not saying that. That's what other people say. Okay, it's not me. That's what, it's, <clears throat> yeah. that's what other people. RJ just looks like a lot of people. Apparently, people people bring their 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 own desires to the table, I guess, and he just he's just the canvas to which people uh, project onto. Tabula he's rasa, a... man, blank slate. Mm. Oh damn! God damn it! I was going to say that very thing a <laughs> nanosecond before you said it. Dear Lord, I'm very miffed at you, RJ. I have to say. Hey, you gotta you gotta be quick to roll with the big dogs. You gotta be quick. This this wit, this charm, it's it's not easy. The, the legendary <laughs> Balog wit. Yeah, Sam, it's, it threw Sam Sanchez for quite a loop. He did. Yeah. He wasn't sure how to handle. He, he was shook. There was a lot of crying in that episode that we had to edit out because he mm-hmm. had to, a lot of moments he had to pause. He said, "I just I don't know if I can talk to you any longer." <laughs> I went, "Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm getting a little overcome myself, RJ." I have that effect on people, but sorry, continue. <laughs> no, that was that, that was it. That's how I found you guys, and um, yep. that's how I got um, sucked into the world of the creeps. Oh, and what a mire it is! It is. Um. So, uh, like, did you? I mean, Criterion only really came to the UK like a few years ago. So, like, did you have any knowledge of the Criterion Collection? beforehand i knew that there was something called the criterion collection right. and i was aware when i saw the 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 title of your youtube thing yep. uh, that um, that there was there was a there was that but i i hadn't gone into it i had the impression as i suppose lots of people do that it was kind of up market and and it is you got to say apart from occasional like Armageddon, of course, and there are other right. um, other examples, but it wasn't something that I 
really delved into because I I wouldn't really be wanting to. I don't buy DVDs to have them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Neither do I. Well, I used to. I, I don't. I don't amass stuff as much anymore. Just other useless things is what I buy now. But uh, yeah, I uh, I didn't like. I, I collected them for a while, but uh, eventually it kind of wore off for me. Jarrett's not not as much as you used to, but you still you still get a lot, hey, Jarrett? Well, yeah, I mean, I'll drop uh, $500 here or there on a Black Friday sale, but but, but not. I haven't bought like, a Criterion for a while. It's, uh, it's buying all yeah. the, the, the vinegar syndrome uh, smut and trash because uh, mm-hmm. they... they uh, they, they nailed the look of those things, like like fine work, uh, those slip covers. And it's like, come on, Criterion, why, why aren't you on that boat? But mm. nonetheless, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's um, I I, I kind of wish I never gotten sucked into the buying of physical media. There is definitely times where it's great to have that stuff available to you, but when you realize everything's kind of just available one way or another, uh, via the the World Wide Web, uh, through streaming or other means. Uh, you don't, it's like, oh, I have all these, these things that I, I have forever or until they wind up, uh, getting dumped off in a garbage bag at a value village, uh, for, mm. for like dollars at a time. And then some new collector will be like, oh man, I'm cleaning up pretty good. And then the cycle continues. But you've got a sort of a, a collecting, you've got the collecting and the hoarding bug, haven't you, Jared? You you, you don't mm-hmm. like throwing things away very I, much. I don't, and it's like because I often wind up regretting it after a time. Uh, there is definitely things I've just gotten rid of and then just never thought about it again. But it often just comes, <laughs> it always comes down back to um, being like, you think I'll never want this ever again. I get rid of it. And then 15 years later, I still remember that and go, why did I get rid of that? And then you look it up and you go, well, either you feel good about it. Cause you look it up and oh, to replace it would cost $3. And then other times you find out it would cost hundreds of dollars to replace it. And you go, Oh, and so you just kind of keep everything, I guess. <laughs> mm-hmm. But you try to curate well, it. You, you try to pick your, uh, your battles and, uh, try to, but of course when you have a, uh, a wide ranging number of tastes that like just like oh I'm interested in this all of a sudden um, like for instance as we'll talk about uh, later I never watched any uh, Basil Rathbone Sherlock Holmes but of course <laughs> after watching a couple on YouTube I was like well I should uh, maybe take a look at how much is it to get a Blu-ray set of all fourteen of them oh, and, and oh, I start these, I these, are the, these are the things you do and you're just like mm. what, what am I doing what, what's wrong with me yeah. some days I'm I'm going to use my powers for good and not for evil <laughs> it's a it's a real problem though it's kind of like when i gave away that peeping tom and jared was like did you know that thing was like over 150 dollars i was like no <laughs> just a like, person who's never listened to the podcast yeah no never listen they follow our instagram account though so okay well maybe they listen they've never written in yeah. well they, ne- they i noticed they never did post a uh a, no, a they thanks. said they would they said they would they said they would but uh I, I mean, that person actually got it, though, whereas uh, I've sent, I think, two or three other ones, and uh, they all just got sent back. Like, I, think, I think people give us fake addresses or something. I don't I don't know what it is. Like, Kegamusha came back. And, yes, uh, you said that. One other one did. I think, it was just, I think it was just the one. Just Kegamusha? Yeah. All right. Well, that one came back. And then, uh, oh, I tried to send a package to that Bulgarian person who sent us a bunch of stuff, and the that one got returned to sender, so... If that person's still listening, I tried. 
You tried a couple of times with that one, didn't you? I did, I did, because uh, they sent us all that candy, and um, yeah, uh, one of the Gorky guys uh, was mm-hmm. what she was, and uh, I, I sent her some Canadian candy too, and uh, it uh, made its way back to us, and so I went, oh, maybe they never really existed. Maybe uh, they don't. They don't want that kind of candy. It'll. Uh, it was a coffee crisp. <laughs> it'll kick in an off. Bar. That that sounds like democracy to me, aren't? <laughs> Yeah, I guess. <laughs> Sounds like tastes like freedom. Yeah. <laughs> oh well. I, I was pleased and heartily encouraged to see that um, Jared had not thrown out Mister oh, no, CM Punk. No, 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 no. no. He's you can't he's, throw something. He's, like he's that right where he belongs. Or mm. He's a, he's like the the third member on a regular basis of the podcast. It's not <laughs> like he di- disappears uh, when no one's looking and sits in a corner over here for. Months on end until the person who sent it uh, is coming on. I'm like, well, I better have him reappear. I, I mean, there was a he. CM Punk has been in most of these. I would say most, kind of like Data. And uh, yeah. as you can see now, Rob, uh, as your special guest appearance, I don't know if you noticed, but there's the Bane statue right here. I haven't seen the Bane statue. I, I can't see I that. Um, I see the oh, it's, it's probably too narrow, the, but you can definitely see, see Data the with, the, with the with the glare cutting down on his face. But uh, there's yeah. here's Bane. This is the Bane that Jarrett made me buy. So made. this is uh, this is what uh, you as a special guest can see is that I have a Bane statue. He's this costs quite, real money. He's quite a fellow, isn't he? He's quite, he's quite a fellow. I paid real money for that, too. So interesting stuff and yeah my data is there it's just his uh there's a little bit of a glare on him I, I can see data i can see data. <laughs> it's, like yeah. these christmas, it's like these christmas presents that you you've got to bring out when the relatives return and mm-hmm. they yeah. give you something horrid mm-hmm. yeah i mean it's all part of the charm it's all part of the charm no did you get any nice christmas presents boys garrett i did i did um i got some some gaming cards I will refer to them as Yu-Gi-Oh <laughs> cards. Or what? Uh, yes, yeah, I got Yu-Gi-Oh cards. Some very, really nice. Okay. Yu-Gi- I got some very nice Yu-Gi-Oh cards. Interesting. Yeah, Interesting. I, yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to delve into uh, my, the things I do off podcast, RJ. It's probably mm-hmm. porn related. Yeah, it's definitely definitely porn related. Um, probably porn extre- related. Extremely porn related. So we'll just uh-huh. we'll just leave that uh, alone. Uh, some fudge. And Ooh, uh, some, Duncan. some pseudo Skittles. What do you like, mean by that? There are sour Skittles, but they're homemade ones. Like, not, not by the giver, but by the candy shop because they did not have sour Skittles. Um, mm-hmm. they, they, the thing, they, they definitely nailed the flavor and the texture, but they lacked the chew of Skittles. Mm. So it was like it's like two thirds of the way there. So those were too bad. I have not gotten. To, I haven't gotten to the fudge yet. Um. But yeah, no, it was uh, it's pretty good. I, I like I like my toys, and uh, mm-hmm. and Santa delivered. Ooh, maybe those homemade Skittles were just gum, and you just chewed it, and then they dissolved. It was just really <laughs> just, little pieces just, of gum. Did they just? Yeah, oh yeah, it was like nothing. It was just like you're eating just like sour, which is fine by me. I like I like sour candy. But what about you, RJ? Uh, I think I, I, I let slip last week, but uh, Andrea bought me a t- uh, got us a new TV. So that that was uh, our big present over here. The TV we had, it was like started getting like pixel lines <laughs> down it. And we were like, uh oh. So uh, she got us a new TV. And Jared, I, I didn't mention, but you'll be happy to know it's 4K. 
Yeah, you, it is. I think that's so, the only uh, choice you got. Now you got to get a four, we'll, but now you have to get a four K player. Yeah, I looked into that, but uh, a lot of uh, allegedly some of the streaming sites have four K streams, so I'll well, be good. Uh, in, in the you, I, I think you got to pay for that. Uh, that good, that good internet though to be able to bust into that. Uh, or I think you have to pay. We do have the good internet here. Well, okay, so but I think you have to pay. Pr- sorry, maybe it's more. You have to pay premium for like if you want four K Netflix, you have to pay mm-hmm. more to get four K Netflix. Uh, it's uh, some real bullshit. The whole thing. Okay. Yeah. Well. Okay. Well, never mind that then. Um, but, uh, yeah, she, she got TV some, you know, some small stuff too, which is cool. But, uh, no, that, that was the big one. So happy with that. And uh, what about you, uh, Rob, you get you, Santa nice to you this year or Santa's, yeah, Santa's always nice to me. Did, did Jared, I've got to ask you, did you get that parcel that I sent, um, for RJ? I, I did not. not oh, mind. cause mm. I felt guilty last year. I sent, um, I sent Jared that. That wonderful mm-hmm. um, CM Punk picture. D- d- damn man. Yeah. Right. Yep. And then to make it worse, RJ, totally out of the blue, sent me that lovely koozie, which arrived yeah. a couple of weeks later. So I was racked, racked with guilt. So I sent, um, I said, it obviously hasn't arrived. I can, mm-hmm. since Christmas is over now, I can tell you what it was. <clears throat> every year, every year I get, um, under, like RJ, I get underwear, Ooh. and I usually get them in a pack of seven boxes. So for RJ, I decide I've sent him a pack of a dozen. The seven Ooh. boxes are for, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I send mm-hmm. RJ a pack of a dozen for January, February, March, April, May. Oh. Beautiful. Knowing how, knowing how you. <laughs> I, I mean, I do have a lot of issues down there. Now, I, I appreciate this a, mu- uh, a lot. I do have to ask, though, are these are these new or used? Or gently used, I should say. I, I, I kind of put a, I, I kind of put a mixture in. They're a pick, okay. and, a pick and mix. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, so every every third or fourth, there, there could be a used one. There's in there. a lovely well, surprise waiting for yeah. you in that parcel, RJ. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know Rob is well, fond of eBay, so, I mean, you kind of get what you pay for uh, on that platform. Uh, sometimes they send you <laughs> headphones and microphones that just don't work. They did. Mm. And I'm really eventually. missed about that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, my first, um, my first cam, total bust. Nothing, nothing, nothing. And then the microphone I sent for, we tried that a couple of days ago. That didn't work. And I got the headphones I bought from um, Big big Somebody, Big Mervin, I think it was, <laughs> that guy who insulted my English snaggle teeth. So I'm not going to buy from that guy again, I can tell you. Those didn't work. Well, actually, I'm telling you lies to do. But um, the um, we got there. We got there. A little bit of Heath Robinson stuff, and we got where we need to be. Excellent. Well, that's uh, that's the motto of this podcast. It might not be efficient, but we'll get where we need to go that's eventually. Right. Yes. yes, eventually. Oh, well, that's nice. Nice and to. I got I got go another ahead. question for you, Rob. Um, so I, I think you've responded to this in email at one point, but just to ask again, so what do you think RJ and I's most egregious film uh, review has been, or uh, take on a movie? The one that you just completely just like off, like. just off, off base. 
I actually, I'm not sure that was me. Um, okay, I, 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 I'm trying to remember. Some people did, and then, but maybe not. You, usually, people have one that they're just like, no, <laughs> like, you are not okay. This, this one was not good, and we go, yeah, we know, we know. Well, RJ's well-known love for um, back in the Sister Act Two. Mm-hmm. Oh yes, that's not the sort of. Mo- I've got to tell you, I haven't seen that movie, so I, I can't comment. But I saw Sister Act One, I think. Um, and I, I didn't think that was the most wonderful piece of cinematic art that I've ever witnessed. So that I think, well, I mean, probably. That's that's fair, but I, I I do gotta say I think if you give Sister Act two back in the habit a chance, it might turn around the whole franchise for you, and then you too, Rob, could maybe be back in the habit. In the fold. Liking, in the fold of liking fine artisan filmmaking. So. <laughs> Well, I think that I, one will work. I'm, I can tell you, RJ, I'm definitely going to do that. I'm definitely going to definitely, check that out. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's. I'll take you at your word. I, 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 mm-hmm. I can't wait to hear about it. And Ghost Dad. And that seems to be the oh, one that uh, well, our RJ, like a Ghost Dad, appears in comments of my lists and and, and messages about Ghost Dad. It's just like it just it just won't go away. I mean, it was for a while, but Ghost Dad is slightly problematic now. So that, that, even like slightly, even two months ago. Who who brought up Ghost Dad two months ago? Did you, I? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's only it's only turned another leaf uh, here in the last two months, though. Now it's no not okay. <laughs> well, Ghost I mean, Dad. I still think you should watch it. Yeah. Any regardless, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you've probably noticed, Rob, and as Jared is all too well aware, but uh, I usually forget what I, I things even I say within this time that we're talking, like immediately. So I don't even remember when, when we started talking. I just know that we've been here for a while, a couple minutes at least. I don't even know what I'm talking about now. So I'm just going to Yes, talk. You, you do tend to forget because you have you totally forgotten that speculating about my sexual moves, I remember. <laughs> And, yeah, this is news to me too. Well, I mentioned this in an email, and he said, "What? I d- I never said that." <laughs> Jarrett said, "Yes, you did. Yes, you did." Uh yeah. I mean, that was probably the character I play for the podcast. It probably right. wasn't my opinion. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was. Uh, yeah, this is a uh, characters for podcasts, not us, not our personal okay. opinions. Yeah, yeah. Right, Jer. That's right. Well, you know, Zorge, you know from from the land of Borkshire. We've now had... Yeah. I, I noticed, I was looking it up, Rob, and I noticed that uh, the Wikipedia has some mistakes because I noticed under, like, famous people from Borkshire that mm. uh, you're not on there. Uh, mm-hmm. But I, they did get, they did mention Eric Idle and uh, one Ridley Scott. Ridley Scott, Ooh. yes, that's true. He's a Borksman? I didn't know that. No. <clears throat> Uh, yeah, so yeah. does does is everyone does he come back ever and everyone has like Ridley Scott Day and uh, <laughs> has a little parade? I I don't think anybody except <laughs> film filmy people know this. He he is apparently born in in my town, uh, Southfields, and you can tell when he's talking to the to the yeah you can <clears throat> get hints of a Shields accent. You really truly can. Hmm. Um, so the, there's no doubt he's from 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 my neck of the woods. It's right. a very specific accent. It's strange because America and Canada are so vast, and you can mm-hmm. imagine people getting different accents. But you you can we're used to here 
we can tell a different accent from, say, South Shields or to nearby Sunderland or to nearby Newcastle. And it's very, very specific. And I don't know quite how that works. And there must be some sociological explanation for that. But uh, Yeah, you know, it is. Yeah, I remember watching like a couple of years ago a video on youtube just like the variety of like irish accents depending on which part you're from and i mean i've just you know from watching uh british television uh you just like pick up it's like these accents don't quite sound the same even in the same city and then you start going out to the rest of the country and it's like there's such a, a variety but um uh, when you live there you can pick it out immediately i don't know if it's there's an equivalent to it in canada um there's definitely some pretty deep accents that RJ sometimes uh, dips into. Uh, like uh, Quebecois? <laughs> oh, yes, oh, of, of oui. course. That's, mm. Yeah. Quebecois is one. Newfoundland. Uh, I won't even try to uh, try to hit you guys with that one, but we got a few. We got a few. We got a couple, but it's over in a great expanse. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A, a vast not, not, not like city to city or even just like yeah. social class to social class. There's those flips there, too. Mm-hmm. So you guys mentioned Ridley, but what about Tony? Is he from? Uh, I think he. I think. Scott the, the, from there his, too? I think I, I looked that up, and it looks like his parents moved and uh, oh. birthed him down the road, kind of thing. Interesting. Well, clearly that's the reason that he he ended it all. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's not from Borkshire. He was, he was yeah, about it. that would that would do it. <laughs> No, that fits in right with what Jarrett uh, usually. You should just make sure that you state that this is a character for yeah. a podcast, okay? Yeah, just make can. sure you you set up some liability for yourself, all right? Yeah, you can. Well, you I've can, got you... so many aliases, so they'd, they'd have a hell of a problem tracing me. Really yeah, you cool. say it's Roger English. No. Yes. Yeah. He's a yeah, very he's bad a... guy. I met <laughs> him. He's, he's just run down the road after him quickly. Yeah. yeah, extremely bad guy. Yeah, yeah, we got it. We got it. Yeah, that's like, yeah, Ooh. I wonder what the. The life expectancy is of people from Tyne Mouth. <laughs> Pretty damn high. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, mm-hmm. you look around. You walk around our town. It's um, it's wall to wall crumblies. I tell you. Mm-hmm. Wall to wall crumblies. I'm not sure what that means, and I'm not going to follow up with it. Well, I'm going like, to take it I, as it is. All, all I know is that they they don't like blow everything up like we do. Where we we don't let buildings last longer than twenty years, and we're just demolishing mm-hmm. them, so it, everything always looks perpetually like a big box, like uh, crumbly, like well, just like shit. Just, ah, I yeah, see. Yeah, not a deterioration of a fallen empire. Mm. Interesting. Well, Interesting. I'll, I'll take that in the well-meaning spirit that it's meant, Jared. I, I love it. I mm. I like I love it. <laughs> where yeah, what. Mm. <laughs> Because we guys were talking about underwear, I was like, "Oh yeah, that's like one of the things I remember mentioning at some point on the show was uh, British style ginch." Because it seems like there's this era of of uh, British cinema where it's like Malcolm McDowell is like often just wearing around like this like the worst underwear you've ever seen. <laughs> just just uh, and it's just abounds in, te- in television in the just like either Bob Hoskins oh. is wearing it or Malcolm yeah. McDowell just uh, you know in Faulty Towers or Monty Python. You're just like, oh. Just hideous, hideous. But RJ, I maybe thought... I'm not sure if that's coming your way. But it sounds like boxers are uh, on the menu. Not sure. Well, when I'm, it's funny you should say that because I'd always thought, and I may, I may be totally wrong because I've got only British perspective to go for. Yeah. But I do notice that in the '80s, underwear took a quantum leap in um, styleability. Yeah. 
is that not true for the rest of the world? <laughs> I, I think did, maybe maybe it did. And so, to my eyes, when when you look back in in the cinema, uh, you, you're just aghast at some of the things mm. that you see. Well, also, Jarrett has infamously not not purchased underwear or worn them for uh, 15, 20 years. So it's, he's 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 way out of the RJ, it's a scam. I've been telling you. You gotta follow Undo- my, underwear. You gotta follow my blog and podcast. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. He, yeah. I got no, nothing. no looms. No. Looms. Are you an under- Jared? Are you an underwear truther? I am. Yeah. Yeah. I'm. I'm the opposite of a never nude. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's all about. It's all about protection, man. You need a little. You just need that extra layer of protection, just in case. Just in case. Just in case. Catch a yeah, snake you know or I mean? something. No. You, well, you, just in case. Just I have to say, I'm falling on the obvious side of the equation here. Wow. Yeah. How, how often really does that it. happen? People don't agree with me much. You can check out the YouTube comments to uh, to uh, get uh, clarification on that. Uh, I, I was saying to Jared when we were doing the, the test yesterday, mm-hmm. uh-huh. um, I've discovered through listening to the podcast that, sadly for both of us, um, I'm a lot. I would like to be a lot more like RJ, but unfortunately, I'm a lot more like Jared. Yeah, well, I mean, it's a uh, the the monument that is me as a person is yeah. hard to achieve sometimes. A lot of people want it, but a lot of people don't want to put in the work for it. And yeah. I mean, it's a lot of you got to eat a lot of chili. You got to blow through a lot of underpants, and uh, you genuinely have to make a lot of people uncomfortable. Not in the way that Jared does. Just in your general presence is uncomfortable for people, yeah. and uh, that takes a lot to do because, you know, people usually give you the benefit of the doubt. But I can work through that. I can. Work. Once you scale the heights of Mount RJ, the world looks different. Things pale in comparison. Yes. It's, uh, it's sad. You see a whole broader horizon, don't you? Uh, people would want to, but. Uh, not the case. Not the Once case. you dipped your toe into Lake RJ, dry land never feels the same again. I've, I've heard other euphemisms. That one's, that one's up there. That one seems okay. kind. That one's up there. That one seems kind enough. Yeah, that one's kind. I've heard, I've heard other things that are <laughs> less kind. But uh, you know, that's a story for a different day. Well, gentlemen. Um, yes. We've got at this moment one email. One. One. Now I was thinking about this. I put I put out a call saying, "Hey, folks, yes, you did. We're, we're yes, recording you did. a couple hours earlier, and uh, get those emails in if you if you wanna." So we got our the, the our uh, our go to guy, the, the machine, mm-hmm. Justin Peterson, in there. But I was also th- like, re- realized too, I'm like, well, it is the end of the year. People are between things. If I recall correctly, uh, Sam Love Machine is uh, probably on his way to Montreal. If if he was still ah. if he's still doing that. Yeah, and I actually I hope you bought a coat. And thinking about weather, uh, things aren't too bad there, RJ. It seems like we're we're taking on the burden uh, to make Montreal a little bit more hospitable for our, our, our young friend. But uh, so I think maybe, maybe I maybe, give him some bad intel then. Hey, uh, I've I've heard similar, and it it, it could go mm-hmm. either way. All it takes is a, a wind to change, and suddenly uh, he's saying thank you, sir for telling me to get a nice coat. But it might be really cold there, too, just because, again, they are right by that river. Mm-hmm. 
But well, who knows? I mean, well, over the next like you know few hours of us recording, we might get some more emails from people that uh, did not get the notification, and uh, maybe we can st- maybe we can still read those um, and and do some some move some uh, editing podcast magic. I mean, we can do that for sure. We can do that for sure. Uh, before we get to that, do you want to hear of a weird exchange I had today? Oh, absolutely. Uh, today I had a couple. Yeah, t- today. Uh, so I, a delivery man came to the door okay. this morning. Okay, I was wondering. I'm like, where, where, where you go yeah. somewhere before recording? No, no. no I, the, I del- the exchange came to you. Yeah, yeah, to me, to me. So like, I, I, I said this to Andrea, and she was like, "No, that doesn't seem that weird." But I was kind of like, oh, "It was weird to me." Um, so doorbell rang, ding, ding, ding. Like, and usually if you, it's one more, more than one doorbell, I'm usually a little put off by it automatically. So I was like, "All right." Uh, so I was like, put, it was early in the morning. So I was putting my house coat on and stuff. And then, uh, then he starts knocking on the door too. And I was like, Jesus, I was like, I'm getting there. Hold on. And I opened the door and he looked at me and he went, I was about to leave. <laughs> that's all he said. That's all he said to me was I was about to leave. Well, thanks. Bud. And then, uh, he handed me the package and I went, uh, okay, thank you. <laughs> uh, but it, that, that's weird, right? <laughs> So was he about yeah. to leave the package there, or was he going to take it with him? I think he was going to take it with him. I think he was going to take it with him, but, like, he he was upset. I, I took it as that he was annoyed that I didn't get to the door fast enough because he rang the doorbell a couple times, and then he knocked. And, like, uh, you you know, Jared, in the morning, I'm, I'm pretty raw, so I was trying to – I was just trying to put my house coat on. Like, it wasn't that long of a gap. It was maybe 20 seconds, like, you at gotta, most. And you got to make sure the, the cats are away. Yeah, I gotta make sure no one's by the door or anything like that. So, and yeah, I opened the door. I was like, "Hello," and he just just looked at me and just very slow. I was about to leave, and that's all I said. And I was like, "That's a strange way to uh, to talk to a person." I think that's very grumpy. Yeah, not acceptable. I have to say. I, I I'm glad that you uh, you feel that way because no, well really, I mean I'm not being sarcastic I yeah I no I, I am yeah I I I think so too or, or I mean I didn't think you were being sarcastic yeah um but yeah no like and so I I said to Andrea and like she wasn't like she was like nah he wasn't like that she was just like oh yeah she's like that's probably weird but she she's not as like petty and dead as I am so I think uh, <laughs> I think she was kind of like well you know whatever he's maybe he's having a long day and I was like it's the fucking start of his day probably. It's probably the first stop. <laughs> Anyways, I, I just had to interrupt your emails with that for a second, Jared. So you're, uh, if you want to fire away, you uh, do whatever feels right. Uh, can you tell us what was in the package? Uh, well, that's none of your damn business, and uh, I thank you for staying on my personal did the ship, affairs, did the ship, uh, did, the, did the vendor assure you it would be sent in a plain sealed wrapper? Um, well, they did say it was going to be discreet. Uh, it wasn't as discreet. Like there was some pretty questionable wording on the side of that package. But, uh, you know, that guy clearly wasn't looking at it. It wasn't packed did, great either. So did, the, did the wording say final medical proof? This actually works. In six weeks, you will be. I, it said that, but more importantly, it said uh, live organic material consume oh. immediately. And I went, uh, yeah, I better better get right after that. Actually, you guys want to hear about another one? Just since we're yes. on emails. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I was at the grocery store the other day. We're Jared. up to two emails. Oh, see? My it's, biting it, for time it, has it, worked. It, it, <laughs> and, 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 and of all things, uh, it's uh, from our Montreal bound boy. Oh wow! What, what, what magic! Yeah. Magic! 
wow. Okay, so <laughs> yeah, this, here's another one for you. Here's a classic Creepsville story for you, Rob. Uh, so I pull up to the grocery store, that, uh, and I get, I'm out of the car in the parking lot, and I'm walking up, and I see this older guy come out, and he's like, I don't know, like 60 maybe, like not super old, but he was older than I am. And uh, all he had was uh, a jug of cream, like heavy cream, and then a bag of deli ham. So like, uh, like you know when you get the sandwich sliced deli stuff, they get the ham. And uh, he was walking out of the grocery store, and he was opening up that ham, and he was just, he just, before he was even at his car, he was piling that ham into his mouth, <laughs> which I, I, I told this to Andrew and she's like, oh yeah, is that ghost of Christmas future for you or what? And I was like, <laughs> I was like, no, because I was like, I would never eat something without washing my hands first because ha- germs. So this is the ham man. This is the ham man. S- slamming ham. I, I really, I really admire this guy's, uh, his his presence he's just like i'm gonna eat this ham right here in the parking lot what tenacity i know but i i kind of admire it i would never do it because grocery stores i i feel are they're always icky to me because uh, i don't like germs but um mm-hmm. this guy he was living his best life and i i admire it that's i admire it wow do you ever uh rob eagle do you ever uh pile into the ham a little bit before you get home or uh what's your preferred I, method i think it's not good form to eat in the street mm-hmm. Although I do, yeah. But generally, uh, Jared, do you agree? Do you would you never eat in the streets? Yeah, no. Well, I mean, yeah, unless like you're you're drunk you're and eating like bench, you're eating like weird. Yeah, you're eating like street I don't know, meat? like street meat at late at night um, after a bar, kebabs or something. Um, yeah. uh, or is it sm- what's, what's the what was the hot dog thing, RJ? Spankies, spankies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're eating like bar. Uh, uh, Bar hot dogs. Well, yeah. In Cre- in but, Creepsville, we had like four bars, or like we have more than that. But four like going out like club kind of bars. And there was this old lady. Her name was Fran, and she had a little cart, and it was just called Spankies, and it was hot dogs for you after the bar. And I mean, you would never eat there when you were sober, but uh, at two a.m., it was pretty good. It's a fine cuisine. Yeah, uh, fine but cuisine. but yeah, I mean, as far as like eating outside though, too. Uh, in Creepsville, it is prohibitive to eat outdoors because it is always windy here so yeah. i i don't understand like even like patio eating is just not not a you great can. idea because you're sitting there and you're, most of the time you're stressing out about like oh i gotta make sure i keep enough uh fork and knives on these napkins before they blow away as soon as you lift them they're just flying across your food uh, down onto the pavement you're just like oh cool and then like they have those little uh like a little plastic ounce cups where you, they put ketchup and stuff like that. And as you empty those, they just start blowing away on you. And you're like, I'm, uh. I'm, I'm living my best life here dealing with mm. just that. Um, and I, I have heard, um, I, apparently, uh, in some quarters in uh, England, that it's, it's more of an issue of birds <laughs> in some places. Oh, gosh, yes. Um, <laughs> in, I live in a coastal town. It's seaside. Yep. And... <clears throat> these seagulls are vicious. You can get, you can be walking down the street and we see it. It's a regular thing. This is not an unusual occurrence. People walking down the street with a, with a, a burger or a, or a sandwich mm-hmm. and they get swooped. They get dive bombed by the seagull mm-hmm. who doesn't care. And, oh yeah, carnage often happens in our streets. <laughs> I remember oh. this lady, p- um, pigeons too, this elderly lady and her daughter came up to me, the daughter had a hold of a pigeon that had got wrapped up in maybe a cellophane or some wire or plastic bag or something. 
and she came running up to me. I don't know why she chose me. Maybe I look gullible. But she mm. said, just, can you hold this pigeon while I, while I unwrap the, the, the wire? And I says, no. And walked off. <laughs> Silly woman. What the fuck? Uh, I'm with you. If someone came up to me holding a pigeon, I would get out of there pretty fast. <laughs> yeah. Do I, I look like Dr. fucking Doolittle? No. Fuck off. Well, uh, the Eddie Murphy version a little bit. A little bit. You got similar eyebrows. That's similar really. eyebrows. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I've never seen one of those, but uh, I, I'll tell you guys one story quick uh, that might make you think less of me. Uh, so you guys are both anti Okay, nothing could possibly make me think less of you. <laughs> Good. Let me dig that hole a little deeper then. Mm-hmm. Um, so one time, and this was years and years ago, pr- before COVID and stuff, uh, uh, our mall got a pretzel shop. And this was big news because our mall doesn't have a ton of stuff there. So when they got this new pretzel stand, people were like, ooh, we got to go get these pretzels. Right by the theater. <laughs> yeah, right by the theater. So uh, I went and I got one of these one time and I was like, oh, yeah. I was like, I, I, was like, I really want to eat this pretzel. And I was looking around and there was nowhere to like sit down. There was no benches or anything. So I was like, all right. I was like, I, I guess I'll just eat this on my way out. So I was eating it and it was really messy. And I was like, well, I don't want to get it in the car. I don't want to eat it in the car and get the pretzel mess everywhere. So I just ate it over the garbage can outside, like over the communal garbage can. Mm -hmm. And I was real deep into this pretzel, and I just heard, Jesus, RJ, come (laughs) on. And I didn't know who it was. I was looking around. It was uh, a cousin of mine. (laughs) But he was just like, oh, my God. He's like, like, you couldn't have went to your car at least? And I was like, it was too messy. (laughs) So I had to eat. I ate it over the garbage can. I felt pretty bad about myself, and then uh, I, and then I went home. The shame. shame. Yeah, I felt pretty shit. I, I haven't seen. Uh, well, I, I, I've seen them since, but uh, yeah, just, and that, just but... you know, when you're when you're doing something shameful like that, and you just hear your name, jeez, RJ. Do you think that's just and... his mental image of you now? He thinks oh. of RJ, and, and there he is, just yeah, you, geez. just in slow motion, just eating, ripping into that pretzel over the garbage can at the mall. I, I guarantee it. And I guarantee if he was a, uh, cause we have a, even our cousins are pretty close. I guarantee if someone was like, when's the last time you saw him? I'd be like, yeah, I was <laughs> he was eating out of the yes. garbage can. Yeah. Last time, last, I was going to say that <laughs> your reputation is toast now. Well, hey, it wasn't in the, the garbage family. though. It wasn't in the garbage. It wasn't Sam Loveland style where it was pristine on a plate. With a bite out like, of it. You know, with a bite out of it. It was mine. I paid for it. I was just eating it over top of the garbage. You know what I mean? I, I hear you. <laughs> Anyways. How many emails we got now, Jarrett? Uh, we're, we're still at two. But uh, that's okay. That's okay. We can proceed. Yeah, we can proceed. Good. We got we got some but we got some discussion pre email discussion about food, which is great. Ooh, yes. That's very Always. Uh, on brand. Always. Yes. Outstanding. So Justin Peterson writes in with an email title, a very special Criterion Laserdisc episode indeed. Uh, actually, right before we were uh, starting, uh, Justin did email in saying, is Rob Eagle on Letterboxd? And I was, no, <laughs> to my, not to my, unfortunately, not, no. not to my knowledge. Mm. So, Ro- Rob, so, and Rob, have you ever been... Um, enticed to join the letterbox community in the rest of uh creepsville uh which apparently just lives on letterbox i only knew about letterbox from you guys okay. i had no idea what it was i don't know anything about reddit i don't know anything about twitter i don't know anything about anything else except facebook 
Instagram, and that Instagram's only because of you guys. <laughs> I was on, I was on Instagram years ago, but mm-hmm. then I couldn't work out how to put pictures on, so I thought, oh, I can't be bothered with that. I only discovered that you got that. That's through you guys. Letterboxd. You've, I love writing. Oh, actually, no, not writing. If I see a movie, and I think. I kind of like that movie or I don't like that movie. If I've got a spare moment, I'll kind of write a review in my head about it. Or if I'm maybe wanting to get off to sleep, one way to get off to sleep, weird, is to construct a a review for a movie. And you're looking at me like I'm some fucking weirdo. No, I get it. I was just saying, it's like, well, you know, on Letterboxd, you can write these things in your head on, onto a uh, onto <laughs> your little review. You get a little, you get a little space. You can put whatever you want in there for all the world no, to read. And then no one will like it, and you'll go terrific. Yeah, exactly. Well, well, that was kind of my point. I do like the idea of writing movie reviews. Like, for example, um, The Sixth Sense. Now, that's a movie that's. I suppose difficult to review because there's something that you don't want to be telling them about the mm-hmm. plot. So I, because I, I do, I write a lot of emails to people. I write to people. I, I do enjoy the, the the written word, and that, I thought of a way to write a review for that particular movie without going into spoilerific details. Mm. And if I'd known about this was years ago, of course. If I'd known about Letterbox, then I would have maybe done that. Actually, I've just remembered from about 15 years ago, there are a couple of my reviews of movies on IMDb. Okay. But Justin Peterson, don't bother trying to track them down because they're not under Rob Eagle. So, ha! I've got you. I just found a, a Rob Eagle on IMDb, director, director of a, a movie called 69. Is that you, Rob? Oh, no. Once again, I've been caught. Found out. Uh, this I says... Was, uh, I was both the six and the nine. Well, it says, founded in 1965, the 69 Club is Europe's oldest social group for gay leather men. The club's lasting surviving members take us through home movies, tales of debauchery, love, and friendship. Uh, that's, a, that's, actually sounds... too, that's actually too near the truth to be funny. Yeah, from the U- UK even. So uh, this this could be you, Rob Eagle. Could be you. Mm-hmm. The other one is a movie called Lee and Wanda. Uh, <coughs> touching personal portrait of uh, two older lesbian entertainers in later life. Still together 58 years as a couple. That's sweet. All right, okay. These sound like sweet films. I wonder well, if they're walkable on Letterboxd. I'm going to have to check it out. I'm sure they are. Mike. Well, I'm sure my friends who are listening to this now will be heartily encouraged to hear that I've been <laughs> spotted as a gay as a gay leather dude. Leather, we call those leather daddies in Canada, and uh, they are welcome as a. We do, uh, we do here actually too. Leather daddies, that's the best. There's nothing. There's nothing that gets it across more kind of plainly. It's like, what's your deal? I'm a leather daddy, and then it goes. Well, Good. Let's put it this way, guys. I spent a lot of time deciding what outfit I was going to wear for this. Ah. Do you, are you wearing leather pants by chance? RJ, I'm going to tease you and say maybe. 
<laughs> oh, maybe. I like that. I like that. We know Jarrett's not wearing any, so yeah. that, that works. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Always nudes. Oh, he's always nude. Justin Peterson, right? Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't even remember what we were talking about, but okay. Uh, the, the biggest daddy we know, Justin Peterson. With his, yes, with, yes, with, indeed. With, with three boys. Hey, Jared, RJ, and long-awaited guest host, Rob Eagle. What's happening? With this being the end of the year, I thought it would be fun to dive into some letterbox stats. Total Ooh. movies for the year. Right now, it is 429 for me. First film of the year, surprisingly, it was The Shallows. Percentage of new watches, 61%. Most mm-hmm. watch star, Mel Blanc, followed by Wallace Shawn. Interesting. Wallace Shawn? Yeah. Huh. Weird. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and most obscure, Josh Blue's comedy special, Broccoli. Broccoli? Yeah. What does he mean by that? Uh, that's the name of the comedy special, Broccoli. Broccoli. I don't know who Josh Blue is. RJ, I think you're more of a comedies man than me. Josh Blue? I don't know. Let me look here. Rob, how many uh, how many movies do you think you've watched this year? Me? Yeah. I'm sorry. Um, let me think. 30 or 40, I'm thinking. Okay. Actually, so, no. So you're actually, like a you're like a regular like you're like a real life person who doesn't like watch like all the people that like that seem to write in. Um, we all have problems. Um, I was I'm sneaking up on nearly three hundred and twenty five, which is uh, a, which is much much less than uh, other years have been because I didn't watch mm-hmm. movies at all for like the first eight nine months of the year because uh, I was painting those mini figs. Uh, courtesy of our friends from uh, also from England, uh, Games Workshop, and uh, but now I'm up to 324. So if if I somehow only watch movies for the next three days, I could hit uh, 365 possibly. 40 films in what four days? That's possible. That's humanly possible, right? Right. Well, this for you, Jared. I know. For the rest of the world. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it's possible, but so, is it? I'd have to watch as many movies as Rob might have watched this year in the next three days. I don't think I'm going to do that, but. Uh, just putting it out there. Um, yeah, so I'm at 324, RJ. I think I saw you were at 200 and something. Uh, I am at 205. Okay. I think last year I was, I was actually, last year I think I was at like 340 or so, but last year was COVID year too, where Mm -hmm. there was a lot of, we had like three, four lockdowns. I had a lot of time. Um, but I'm at, yeah, I'm at 205, which is a okay with me. I don't, uh, I don't need to break any records. I've been watching a lot of TV too, which uh, I found, especially in the last year or two, is uh, a lot more easily digestible. You know, what I, I mean? agree. I've been watching a lot more TV. I watch a lot more television than I do movies yep. nowadays. And I tell myself and I tell people that I love movies. And mm-hmm. I've actually thought about this this last year or two. Actually, for somebody who claims to be a film buff, you're not much of a film buff because you guys talk about movies and that I haven't or directors and specific people that I don't know about at all. And it's not obscure stuff. It's people that um, mm-hmm. people other people do know about. Right. I think what it is for us, too, it's not even that, like, things that are obscure. It's just we, we dabble in so many different things that it, they just pop up. But for me, especially, like, TV lately is because – uh, as we've mentioned a lot, the curse of doing this podcast is I know I have to watch a movie a week always. And sometimes, especially when that movie's like three, like three hour long, like 
silent film and I'm just like, ah, I don't want to watch any mo- other <laughs> movies that week. Uh, TV's just easier because I don't have to think. And more more than anything, I don't have to make a decision about what to watch. If we're watching a show already, it's like, oh, we'll just keep watching what we're watching. It's easy. It makes the decision for me. That's that's what it is more than anything, I, I think. Yeah, but, I agree. But, you know, it is what it is. But, yeah, I'm at uh, 205, Jarrett. That's not bad. Not bad. No, I've um, not bad. years ago. I mean, I, I've gone through phases where I, I don't want to watch movies at all, and I'll just watch television series, and uh, that's all mm-hmm. I watch. Because I especially like at points during the uh, the two thousands, which uh, people always talk about as like the golden age of uh, kind of television, which is more like prestige television when like HBO mm-hmm. was just like hitting their stride and just putting out like you know top shelf stuff all the time then everybody I mean that's what I was watching and then you're trying to like you run out of those and you're like well maybe all these other sh- like shows being out by like the networks and stuff like that will be just as good because they're also trying to appeal to that new mm-hmm. audience and like binge watching before Netflix came along and I would just watch that all the time but now I'm, I haven't got, really done that much with TV lately because mm-hmm. a lot of stuff sometimes does feel very um formulaic because they're, they're almost like oh co- yeah they're like just copying one another and this one thing too that oh that uh the new season of dexter i mean i never was a dexter fan but yeah. i've seen i've seen screenshots people have shared on twitter about just like how bad digital video looks and how everything mm. is just like green and gray everything like there's no color at all and this mm-hmm. became really apparent um I was clicking through some music videos uh, for support. Was it John Mouse? I was, was this, I was watching some John Mouse like songs, and okay. someone had edited together a video or a trailer or a trailer, uh, a music video using footage from Cool as Ice, the Vanilla Ice movie, and I was like watching these this footage, and I've never seen the movie, but like every single shot in this movie looks amazing. And I'm like, okay, like there's color. It looks great. And then, of course, I found out, oh, this guy went on to become uh, Steven Spielberg's cinematographer since, mm. like, 2002. He's shot every single thing. You're like, okay, so this guy really knew what he was doing back then. And he was making a movie, like a vanilla ice movie, look great. Because mm. they still were, like, thinking about color. And now everything is just, like, digital and blah. <laughs> it looks, like, trash. And also there's, like, that impact that a lot of TV shows have had on movies where now that seems to be where a lot of movies look like TV shows. And I don't think that should be where we're at. I've talked about this before though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah. Want to hear? I've been, I watched the, um, I've, I, have you been watching the Dexter show? The latest one? No, I, I, I haven't. I don't know if uh, RJ. No. no, we, we never finished the Dexter actual show. Not uh, I know I know it's very popular. We just it, we weren't into it. So no, I remember <clears throat> you said RJ that mm-hmm. uh, you'd started it and you thought you it didn't grab you. You didn't like it. Neither you mm-hmm. neither you nor Andy liked it. I <clears throat> and looking back, well, I loved it when it was when it came out. I thought it was mm-hmm. really really good. Um, but I went back to it a few months ago. And maybe because I was binge watching it, I thought yeah, I saw the flaws that you pointed out that I hadn't noticed when I watched it. There were a couple of things that I can't remember quite, but you felt it was repetitive and the same tropes were being done, yeah. and you spotted that when you were watching it. I didn't, but yeah. looking back, I do see it now. 
coming back to the 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 new Dexter, I totally agree about the the color palette. It's obviously determinedly monotone almost. Yeah, and that I suppose is because of the snowy environment that they that they have. Right. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. different from like being in Miami, like in the first series, where it's very. A colorful, colorful. Place. but I've always like yeah. I, I always wonder if uh, I've never been a big fan of the movie Scarface, and I'm like wondering like do I just not like the way that Miami looks, or at least the way that they shoot these things? But I don't know if that's true because uh, no, you I, like I, Miami I thought, Connection, I thought, and I liked uh, uh, Beach Bum. <laughs> I thought that movie looked yeah. ama- that movie looked amazing. I don't think the problem is Miami for you, man. I think it's uh, something else. But yeah. uh, Scarface, yeah, not being that Sc- great. Well, yeah, I mean, it is. Scarface is like the, the Fight Club guys, but the macho guy version of that, you know, where it's like the guys who try to embody that, I think. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I think I think for Dexter, I think it's just dated, right? Like, I think it's one of those things, like, if you watched it when it was fresh and new, probably would have got a lot more out of it. Going back to it now, 20 years later, it's just, I don't know. I think there's so much stuff that is similar that it just might not be the same hit the same but i don't know yes i think you're right could be something like that yeah you know so now now that we have a, a real english person on the, the show project, <laughs> i can i can ask rob too uh so one thing i've noticed on our, our youtube channel is one of the reviews that seems to like piss some guys off is our <laughs> like being like okay on the movie long good friday which someone is always coming around to hmm. explain what how we're missing <laughs> the point of it uh um, yes are, are, are you a fan at all of that movie um yes okay so like when i the first time I ever watched that movie, I mean, even the first couple times I watched it, I thought that movie was like absolutely amazing. Like I, I thought the the, the ending is still really great. But then when mm-hmm. we watched it for the show, it, it had been a few years since seeing it, and I was kind of like, no, oh, yeah, this is good. But I mean, this isn't this perfect movie that I remember it being. But boy, oh boy, these uh some these knobs that show up on this like <laughs> on the thread sometimes you're just like what like they're, they get very aggressive and i'm like because mm-hmm. I, I think i don't know i'm not sure what that's about but well i i remember watching the long good friday when it first came out and me and me pals used to get it on on on, on video and watch it and love it absolutely love it it was for the time very hard hitting. Yep. It was, I suppose, what? Um, oh God, what's the guy that married Madonna? The oh, uh, guy, uh, Richie, guy Richie, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like Ray Richie movies, and I haven't watched many of them. But I get the vibe that he's going for the sort mm-hmm. of rough, go blimey, I'm going to slash you, rah, 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 sort of thing. And this was pre Guy Richie. Yeah. And I think Guy Richie was probably going for a Long Good Friday vibe with his um, go blimey governor snatch and mm-hmm. lock stock movies. And yes, I think I'm sure he was emulating that. Now, I've never seen those movies. I don't know why. I think I decided for some reason <laughs> I didn't like Guy Ritchie. Not because of the Madonna thing, just I didn't like him. I thought he was a, a fake and a phony and that was just a decision I made, so I've never seen those films. But coming back to The Long Good Friday, when it was released, it was very brutal for the time. It was kind of like Get Carter, which had happened a decade before, yep. and nobody 
did any movies like that. It wasn't like today when you get a hit movie and people then you next year you've got a dozen knockoffs. Get Carter, the Michael Caine one, which was filmed incidentally in Newcastle. Ah. And a lot of those locations are exactly the same as they were. Anyway, I'm digressing. But the thing is, it was very hard hitting at the time. And I think it was I think it's a good movie. I think it is a good movie. I well, like it. Yeah, I mean I have uh, yeah, I never. I, it's so strange because, like, on the podcast, we don't talk about it being like a bad movie. I was just kind of like watching it yeah. again. It was just kind of like, oh man, this is nowhere near as good as I remembered it being. Uh, and I don't know what that was, but man, some people got mad about it. Like, it's still like, I mean, Bob Hoskins and Helen Mirren are very good in that movie, and uh, it's got that tone because um, it's got the, uh, the the IRA stuff backdrop in there, and um, yeah. But yeah, there was seen there came afterwards that point where Guy Ritchie kind of kind of repopularized the British gangster stuff quite a lot. And then everyone started doing British gangster stuff left in, because I guess mostly him. He's <laughs> just like looking like rock and roll. But then there was also a, King Arthur. Uh, oh, of course, King Arthur, uh, but yeah, <laughs> la- 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 layer cake and uh, sexy mm-hmm. beast. Yep. Those as well. <clears throat> yeah. There he's trying to convince people that British people are sexy, right? Well, I mean, look, is look, look, look at uh, uh, well, Ray, look at Ray, there, Ray yes, Winstone. <laughs> well, Audrey, yeah. just look at Rob. Look at the guy you're looking at, and yeah. my case is made. Yeah, I, I mean, it makes sense. It makes yeah. total sense to the, me. The, the original sexy beast. The original well, sexy beast. Yeah. I do remember you guys telling. I'm digressing again, but you're welcome your to the podcast. Is, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, your comments about. English people not being very sensual. <laughs> yeah. Although, to be fair, last time I was down on my knees on a Saturday night, I was cleaning my oven. Mm-hmm. As you do. As you do, yeah. Oh, God, you guys really know how to kill a guy, don't you? <laughs> you really fucking do. Hey, uh, I tried this. I, I ran, RJ, I ran yeah. a couple of gags past Jarrett two days ago when we did the recording uh-huh. and the only thing missing was the crickets or the church bell clanging in the background or the tumbleweed groaning across the screen. Totally well, no fucking response. Well, you got to remember Canadian and Canadians uh-huh. are infamously boring. Look at Jim Carrey. Look at Mike Myers. Look at... Uh, I see what you're doing here. Who, who, else, who else do we got there? Uh, but well, I, actually, deeper is you got to remember. Fucking Shay. As part of the Commonwealth, we have deep, deep hatred towards, uh, or not even hatred. Deep hatred towards the monarchy. Because, <laughs> <laughs> because it's it's everywhere here. And some guy in the prairies in Alberta goes, "Who the hell is the queen?" And they go, "I don't know. We're gonna pay her though." Actually, I don't know if that's any true truth to that, but. Well, that may be true, but comedy should respect no boundaries, and I totally fell on my ass with Jarrett two days ago, and I totally even worse fell on my ass with you, both of you, together today. we got to remember, he's infamously hard to impress. I mean, this is this is the goal of this podcast, is five years of trying to impress Jarrett. Lower my bar. Weak. Yeah, to lower his bar. Well, I think, and, uh, I think Rob's punching at a higher level. 
Yeah, you got to remember, uh, as a lot of the YouTube commenters would point out, I'm a, I am a Chad bro that is very dull and doesn't understand metaphors. So you might have to dumb down your jokes a little bit for me because that's clearly all that I can understand is, is what people say. So, <laughs> I bring, it, bring it down a level. I don't think I was pitching it too high. I think I was going right for the lowest common denominator. Oh, boy. I think I'm going to have to start pitching it higher now. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I mean, maybe you never know. I just say lower your bar with us because we uh, we're very simple, simple folk. Plain okay, folk off the prairies. Plain folk off the prairie. Should I do a couple of knock knock jokes and maybe that will work? Oh, whoa, whoa, slow down. <laughs> slow, slow. We we don't do well with interactive jokes. That uh, giving us okay. a job it makes things even harder. Uh. Oh dear lord. Oh dear lord. Okay, have I got time to take a break and go to the kitchen and bake a couple of custard pies? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And smash them in my face? Yep. Yeah, if you need to. Whatever you need to do. Well, Whatever you okay. need to do. You, do. you get to that, and I'll get to uh, Justin's GOAT movie question of the week. Favorite Jamie Lee Curtis performances? How about her dancing scene in True Lies? A scene I will never forget since my mom caught me watching it as a kid and was not pleased. <laughs> I so like a few weeks ago, maybe like it's like well, maybe longer on Twitter. There was I, I, did I talk about this before? No. So there's this guy on Twitter. He's kind of like a I don't know provincial Twitter personality, and he was complaining mm. about that his. 13-year-old school teacher had given them homework for a film class. And what this was, was watching James Cameron movies. Mm -hmm. So this included True Lies, Aliens, Avatar, the the, the gamut. But there was a lot of people like, oh, I don't know. Uh, True Lies, it's like, I don't know if that movie's even PG-13. Am I? Is it, is it, is it, I don't know, there's they're, they're a lot of, like, hand-wringing. But I'm like, I saw True Lies with my parents in, mm -hmm. I don't know, grade five or in something theater. like that in theater. And I was yeah. like, it was like, no big deal. I don't know. I, I didn't think anything of it. I was just kind of like, it's like, mm. this movie's sweet. I mean, probably the more uh, weird stuff is like, um, oh, what's his name? Uh, who plays the terrorist, the the, the Muslim In man. True Lies? Yes. The, the, but it's like Cliff. uh, uh. Oh, um, Cliff Curtis. Let me see. Who's, who's, Cliff Curtis. Yeah, Cliff yeah. Curtis, who's just a man who can play any race, I guess. Sure. Um, he's in there, and so it's like that stuff's probably more like kind of like ugh, uh, cringier than that. But the people get hung up on this, uh, the the sensuality of Jamie Lee Curtis dancing around in her underwear. Mm. I mean, I can't, I can't get on board with that. Not the sensuality, the people being opposed to true lies right yeah i'm gonna say true lies i like true lies i'll go with that one or trading places both good yeah yeah what about you jer me well let's take a yes, look yes you <clears throat> i know you're a big freaky friday guy oh of course one of the biggest what, what about her performance in escape from new york i mean is she in? Is she in that movie? Apparently, she's got a. She, she comes up on my list of movies I've watched with her, and it's like Escape from New York. Mm. And I'm like, is she in that? I think it's her voice, maybe. Mm. But for movies that she's in, mm. Mm. how about? 
I don't know. Oh, well, this seems appropriate. How about A Fish Called Wanda? I thought she was great in that. Yeah, there you go. Is that movie British? It is. Yes, <laughs> of course. You cannot. I don't think I've seen A Fish Called Wanda. It's it's art, but it's got uh, half of the people from Monty Python. So RJ is uh, uh, going to be uh, greatly offended. Well, you know, you know how it is. Old people no, stuff. That is a great. I think A Fish Called Wanda is a great movie. It's got setups and it's got payoffs and it's got farce, which I love. Mm. I love it when people on the screen don't know what the audience knows, and it, I think that's hilarious. I think farce is the best. The funniest thing in the world. And she's really good. She doesn't overplay it. She doesn't sell the joke. She does it completely straight. Mm. And I think she's great in that. And she's very she's a she's a she's a friggin' glamorous woman. Yeah. She's a yeah. good looking lady. She sure is. I thought I thought so. She's she's a fox. She's not even English. Or maybe. No. Right, You're good, RJ. You're good. Okay, gotcha. There we go. There's some answers. Mm-hmm. Foodie question of the week. Rob, I would be curious to hear all about the worst foods you have encountered while living in the UK. Well, I'm trying to read between the lines here, but he's being so devilishly subtle. However, will I get his point? <laughs> it's hard to say. Well, let me tell you about my latest haul from, you'll remember, guys, I've been telling you, I I go every every morning at 8 o'clock to my local supermarket, which is like 10 minutes up the road, and I get the bargains. Those pizzas. Well, the pizzas, there weren't any pizzas today. I checked, but there weren't. But it was a bit worrisome this morning, because I turned up at 10 to 8. The sun had not yet come up. And there was a guy out there waiting in front of me with a trolley. And I thought, you motherfucker, I know what you're going to do. You're going to barrel your trolley down and you're going to load up on the whoopsie bargains. On the, and, you, and I'm going to be left with nothing, nothing. But it turns out I recognized him. And he's a regular. He's usually there in the mornings, but he's not greedy like me. He's not greedy, though. He only puts a couple of things in, even though he has a trolley, and he, he trundles away and buys the rest of your gear. I load up my basket. And let me tell you, I'm going to, hang on, I'm going to take a step into my kitchen. Justin, this is just for you. Okay. Oh, okay. oh. The anticipation of, of, of real <laughs> British food. Jared, you can fill in for like two minutes while I... I absolutely can. Snag my booty... Oh, we we can fill in. We can we well, can fill in. Well, RJ, I think while we wait, let's take a look at worst British food into Google. <laughs> the the sixteen British foods that I, a Brit, can't believe people actually eat. Okay, yeah, uh, lay it on. Well, me. we should almost what save. We, the, we should almost uh, save these and see if uh, uh, Rob feels if, equally. if he can speak but, to it. Uh, here, I'm going to send this to you. Um, okay. As we as we wait, oh, he, I think he's already back. Look at that, lightning quick. Let's take care. Fast. Fast. Oh, did it double send? I don't know. Okay, I, know. I think it might have... Yeah, anyways, you can take a look and... I, 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 think, I think it's like two links, though. I think it's going to be borked. Uh, yeah, one went oops. Here we go. There's a good one. There we go. 
Okay. I got you. So uh, we, I thought I'd be able to manage to kill that time, but then I wound up, oh, no, we have to, we have to ask Rob what he thinks of these things. Um, mm-hmm. So this list, Rob, is 16 British foods that I, a Brit, can't believe people actually eat. <laughs> um, so number one is black pudding. Black I pudding agree. is lovely. See, I, uh, I had it once. I wasn't a fan. I'm a firm believer that the English fry up is the finest breakfast in the world, which is why I'm so flabbergasted as to why we'd screw it all up with a sausage made of blood fat and cereal. All sausages are made of horrible things. That's true. True. Very true. So what'd you find there, Rob? While you oh, were yes. oh yeah, I got a oh. Yeah. Well, I think Jared doesn't doesn't Jared want to mention a couple of other oh, horrible British. Well, well, oh, we, sure, we, we, sure. we can we can stop though. You can show us what you got. Maybe it'll pop up on the list. <laughs> okay, that's a good idea. Won't that be charming? <laughs> okay, here we go. Here's my yummy bargain. Um, now, deluxe chili sausages. And look, oh. they're reduced to seventy pence. 70p, RJ. 70p. 70p. That, and uh, wh- let me let me look up what that would be in. Well, it's, 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 it's 70 so cents, but in UK. $1.18. Ah. Reduced from like three pounds, which would be four and a half dollars. See, this is this is wild stuff because I don't think there's any food that you can find at all at our grocery stores that are that cheap. Mm, no, maybe like a can of like spaghettios. That's been like just slammed by Dented a trolley. Up. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, uh, number two, pork pies. Pork pies. Well, it's it's pork. People <laughs> eat pork all over the world. <laughs> that's true. That's very true. That said, it must be. I think the pastry is a problem with pork pies. It's like greasy and slimy pastry. History mm. and there's like a jelly with the pork. So pork pies, actually, even I, well, I was going to say I'd draw the line, but no, I wouldn't. Depends how cheap they are. Where... Even though I'm allergic, even though I'm allergic to pork, it depends how cheap they are. I see. <laughs> As they can tell you at the local infirmary. <laughs> Rob, have you been getting those cheap pork pies again? <laughs> oh, pump my stomach! Pump my stomach! Uh, but how how do you fall on jellied eels? Absolutely no way at all. That that is a that is a gold blimey Guy Ritchie London phenomenon. Okay. Nobody Ooh. nobody beyond Whitechapel, where the incident <laughs> the, the Ripper haunted. yeah getting killed by Jack the Ripper. How about haggis? Uh, Ooh, how about it? This is quite well, the disgusting a, photo. That's a Scottish thing. Don't don't mix us up with these ginger-haired rebels up there. That's a good point. Good point. Yeah, the pictures are are disgusting. Revolting. Mushy yeah. peas. Yeah, they're pretty yeah. bad, actually. Yeah. You have them with fish and chips. Uh, no, we don't like mushy peas. Marmite. <sighs> I've never had Marmite in my life. Really? I've had Marmite. And I... They have it usually in the international food aisle. Um, yes. On a bottom shelf. <laughs> that makes Over it sound so. That makes it sound so exotic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you get it, and then you go, "Oh, okay." I wasn't a fan. I wasn't a fan. How but... about Scotch eggs? Well, I think you guys have discussed this on the podcast before, haven't you? Mm. 
I think we brought up scotch eggs, yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. In England, it's a scotch. It's a boiled egg, a hard-boiled egg, you know, with the yolk mm. hard inside, and surrounded by a thin layer of sausage meat. And again, mm-hmm. nobody needs to know where the sausage meat comes from. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. dusted like an Easter egg with breadcrumbs. It's it's not a pleasant thing to experience, I have to tell you. Mm. Huh. Rice I, I don't pudding. Like scotch eggs. Yeah, rice pudding's fine. Why is that on there? Is, is, is that like a, I don't know. I, I feel like that's a, something from everywhere, but maybe I'm wrong. Mm. Well, it's something that you used to have at school dinners. Mm-hmm. It's like, um, imagine imagine thickly curdled milk in a bowl with mm. rice um, floating in it. Mm. And uh, yes, I know it sounds positively delightful. Mm-hmm. So Just a little bit. Oh. That's as much as I can say on that subject. What about mm. stargazy pie? What the hell? I've never even heard of that in my life. Uh, it's got like fish heads. It's, in it's it. like a pie with fish heads sticking out of it. I, get, yeah. I don't know. Well, I can tell you with confidence, no English person in their lives have ever encountered such a monstrosity. Yeah, it looks bizarre. Yeah. yeah. Uh, squash? It's a drink? Yeah, that's okay. what we call... What we call... Um, it's kind of yeah. Basically, it's a thick, um, concentrated version of like orange juice or lemon juice or pineapple juice, and it's concentrated. So you pour it into a glass, and then you add water, and then it makes a a, a, a more. <laughs> it sounds fucking bizarre even when I talk about it. Yeah, <laughs> it's like a it's like a do-it-yourself drink. I, basically, okay. it's like the IKEA version of a soft drink. You I don't. See. You buy the component parts. You put a little bit into a glass. You add water. Yeah, it's like IKEA of squash drinks, basically. Hmm. And and what do you think of it? I've, I don't think. Well, we used to have it when I was a kid, but I used to get slapped by my parents because I used to put like half of a glass of squash and then top it up with a little bit of water and drink it and then mm-hmm. be running around the house like a mad person, like a banshee. Mm-hmm. Because of course the the tartrazine. <laughs> then after I'd calmed down, they'd put me to bed with a cold towel over my head. Uh, how about uh, <clears throat> chocolate bourbons? It looks like a biscuit. It's bourbons. Bourbons. Yes, yeah, <laughs> of, of course. Bourbons. Is drink. <laughs> it's bourbons. Bo- it's from it, Borkshire. It's bo- it's bo- it's poor bonds, you savage. <laughs> Don't you know? They're pretty horrible biscuits. <laughs> okay. Mm. Um, here's, mm. a fu- here's a fun one. Um, now, you have to excuse my pronunciation here. These are, mm-hmm. these are meatballs made from pig's hearts, liver, and fatty belly meat and are fagots. Fagots? Yes. Okay, uh, I'm not familiar with this uh, delicacy. We don't it, have these in Canada. No, we have quite a few in England, actually, mostly in Earl's Court. This this is the same country that was super shocked when IKEA put horse meat in meatballs. Well, that's what the com- that's what the uh, little pithy little caption says. Yeah, this mm. looks like whoa. it looks bizarre. Yeah, it looks a little bizarre. <laughs> yeah, I think the, the meatballs are common 
for every country and nobody in any country that they're made in or distributed in needs to know like in hot dogs what mm-hmm. the recipe is yeah. the name has of course become rather me too'd over the last few so, years so, so what, what do they call it now um i don't know um meatballs i suppose i get yeah Actually, I guess. but no 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 you, you still you still if you're if you look around long enough you can still find the occasional faggot absolutely mm. absolutely uh, and then this is like okay, interesting. Uh, just licorice all sorts, which I mean, is yep. all over the place here. Yeah, it's just licorice and candy. It's, just... it's terrible. It's the it's the sort of <laughs> it's the sort of sweet that your your aunt, who is like probably 112, gives you at Easter or Christmas. Probably not Christmas. Easter. Mm. Well, they look delicious, like, right? And then you no, eat they them. Don't. No, oh, they though they look good though. Like they're so colorful and like oh, they, but then you eat them and then you learn your lesson. Yeah, they are the they are the jump shock of the sweet world. <laughs> you know the what's the is it Blumhouse that does does all the jump shocks? Yes. Ah, uh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, they are licorice all sorts are the jump shock of the sweet world. You you think oh lovely hmm I'll have it. <laughs> then you get the taste. Oh. It's like Does listening to this podcast. Yeah. yeah. 100%. Uh, uh, Rob, what do you think of spotted dick? Well, if he buys me dinner beforehand, <laughs> it's, it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a pudding. But um, it's like a, a sweety, doughy pudding with currants in. Beef. So it's actually quite tasty. Beef fat and dried mm. fruits. I mean, you know what? Honestly, it doesn't it's kind of look. Kind like It. This is probably one of the like m- more appetizing looking photos, and that's saying something. Like, mm-hmm. I'd be like, oh, I'm not a, I'm not a raisins person. I don't like my dried fruits and my baked things. So, it's not. But hang on, spotted dick is a sweet. It's not a savory thing. No, but I mean, like, just uh, it, it's like a, it's like a baked anything of like raisins and baking. Just, uh, it's a texture thing for me. Oh, I got you. Yeah, yeah. I see. Yeah. I understand. But it does look good. Like, actually, I'm just seeing him. Like, actually, it looks, doesn't look that bad. It's, it's probably served warm, right? Uh, probably best, yes. Okay. So. Okay. Ah, mm. hey, how, but what about wine gums? <laughs> I, mm, they're like, I'm they're, fine with those. Imagine gummy bears shaped into more pleasing, architecturally satisfying shapes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are definitely uh, all over here, and I do. Like, yeah, right? we we got wine gums. Yeah, they're good. Those are pretty good. Mm. Uh, I don't, have, I don't as, have an issue. with They're them. hard as rock, by the way. You're gonna lose a couple of teeth if you chew into a I, couple ours of. Ours are ours are soft, actually. Yeah. Ooh. Maybe it's a the Canadian version. Mm-hmm. They, they heard the complaints. Yeah. Don't make these <laughs> things break your teeth. Um, mm-hmm. And this is okay. One more. One more. Uh, white pudding. I have no idea what that is. Finally, white pudding is the same as black pudding, but without the blood. Mm. Well, would... what's the point of that? Uh, it's I... like, ve- yeah. what's this? is this vegan white pudding? Is this vegan black pudding? They still got the fat in there. Um, oh, yeah. From around the loins and kidneys of cows and sheep and so oatmeal. Is this... So white pudding is for people who don't like meat but still want to get diabetes uh, apparently <laughs> apparently that's a huh. heck of an idea well there you go food 
Food questions. Food talk. Mm-hmm. Um, game to the game. Uh, in honor of this anniversary episode, it is once again time to dive into the common ratings game. RJ has been sent the answer key <laughs> via Twitter. I have, and I have not looked yet, so I'll, oh, I'll pull it up uh, this, here. This is probably why uh, Justin was wondering if uh, Rob was on Letterbox. So, uh, interesting. Okay, so uh, Ryan Alexander, who watched his movies, were the, the movie grouping is Sound of Metal, Angst, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. Uh, four stars? So wait, what movie are, are we? This talking is this about? is Ryan Alexander. Okay. And the three oh, movies. Oh, it's a group of movies. And the three movies he watched were *Sound of Metal*, *Angst*, *Mr. Smith Goes to Washington*. Okay, and you said four stars. I guess I guess four stars. Uh, I will guess four stars also. And let me have a look here. Do do do. Info says four and a half stars. Okay. So we're pretty close. Uh, Jared Berger, mm-hmm. Ma- *Matrix Revolutions*, *Freaks*. General Idi Amin Dada, my guess would be two and a half stars. Let me say three. Let's go. Let's go to the queue here. Two, 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 two. Two and a half. Look at that. Nailed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bob Leheru, uh, mm-hmm. co-host of the the hit podcast from from uh, Justin to Justin to King. Mm-hmm. Uh, Street Trash, the Snyder cut of Justice League. Failure to launch. Ooh, Probably four stars. I don't. I don't think so. Um, I'm gonna say four stars. I'm gonna go. Maybe perhaps one star. Ah, let's see. Doo-doo. Half a star. There you go. Yep. Half a star. This, I don't know. I don't know about this Bob guy. <laughs> Bob Hulura. Yeah, I don't know about them. Not, not not loving that street trash. Sad. Mm, sad. Uh, Mike Robertson, also from Justin the Kane. The Visit, The Babysitter, Friday the 13th, 2009. One. Yeah. Um, two. <laughs> See, do, do, do. One and a half. Oh, okay. Right in between there. Mm-hmm. Uh, RJ, mm. Brick, The Innocence, Twin Peaks Fire Walk With Me. Well, come on. Come on. You know. Come on. I know. We all know. We all know. We all know. Come on. Fire walk with me? Come on. Oh, I don't actually know if, you, if you're a five-star. It's a five. Or, okay, five, star, a five. Five, five stars, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then for me, <laughs> this is for me, RJ. You have to guess mine. Yeah, there's question marks on my end. Thelma, Tommy, the movie, and John Carpenter's They Live. Mm, three. Bang on. You know me so well. I, I and, know. And finally, RJ, Justin mm-hmm. Peterson. The Black Coat's Daughter, Spider-Man 2, and Rashomon. Four stars. I will go less than that. I Maybe three and a half? Yes. Yeah. Three and a half is what he said. Look at that. Yeah. Thank you for the time, you wonderful wankers, and happy new Ooh. year. I think he's talking to you, Rob. Is wanker an insult in England? It certainly is, and thank you, Justin. <laughs> Beautiful. Well, in the, in that time that's passed, we've received another email, so Ooh, we're we're that. rocking and rolling, boys. So well, you roll. Uh, next up, Sam Loveland. I hope this Ooh. email got there in time. It did, Sam. 
Mm-hmm. Hello, creeps in Mr. England. That's, see, that's good. Mm-hmm. It's like you're all of England. Merry yes. Christmas, everyone. I wasn't able to email that in time because I was busy, but I still have time to say Happy <laughs> New Year. Mm-hmm. I'm sure plenty of English jokes have been made already, so I'll spare you all those. Mm-hmm. Also, I uh, thought I should mention that I ended up canceling my trip to Canada on account <gasps> of the darn Omicron variant. Maybe oh, spring damn. break will be a better time. I mean, Montreal in spring is supposed to be quite beautiful. Well, uh, Quebec is in pretty bad shape right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, Quebec is, uh, yeah, they got uh, uh, Omicron pretty bad. I mean, who doesn't? <laughs> <laughs> you know? But see. What, what's that? I said, seriously, things are bad. Things are bad. Uh, everywhere. Um, you know Sam I mean? continues. I noticed mm-hmm. Jarrett gave Tony Scott's film Man on Fire oh. a negative review. Let me just say that movie is cool and sick. And I would be <laughs> curious to hear your thoughts on Tony Scott overall. What a coincidence. What our, a coincidence. The man Tony... not from Borkshire. No. North Shields. <laughs> Uh, I, I or something. I think he's a better or at least more consistent filmmaker than his brother. Hope my email makes it in time. Sam Slam Love Machine Loveland. What a what a merry coincidence that Tony Scott gets brought up twice in a single mm-hmm. episode. Just by chance. By Just pure by chance. chance. Um, any uh, thoughts on Tony Scott uh, in his films, Rob? Uh, yeah. What do you think, Rob? I think Sam's made a good point, and I've never thought about this before, but Tony Scott made entertaining movies that people liked, and I liked, and Ridley Scott made movies that people absolutely loved, and I loved, and then some movies that I didn't like so much at all. I think Sam's right. I think Sam is absolutely right when he says Tony Scott made more consistently appreciated movies than his brother. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just looking. I've got them head to head right now, and it's always one of those things you forget. Like Tony Scott directed Top Gun, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, which is, which is a, a really big movie. Um, and then after that, I mean, yeah, you, know, you have like you know Beverly Hills Cop two tossed in. Uh, this is just based on popularity. I'm, I'm gonna itemize this. Well, I- I mean, we got True Romance, Man on Fire, Deja Vu, Enemy of the State, mm-hmm. Crimson Tide, mm-hmm. uh, Taken to Pelham One Two Three, which has one of the one of the <laughs> biggest John Travolta lines ever. Said. So, I won't even mention it right here. I, I think. Oh, mention it, go- mention it, mention it, please! I'm begging you. <laughs> well, if uh, if people remember Vine, there was Vines at one point, and uh, I had a Vine account, and the. There was some John Travolta on there, but um, John Travolta, and I don't, I, I can't remember for sure. I know Jarrett just watched the original, but I don't remember. Does Walter Matthau also drop the uh, "lick my bunghole, motherfucker" in <laughs> the original Pelham? Uh, he does not. He does not. That's not a Walter Matthau no. original. Okay, so just the John Travolta one. Yeah, I don't even know if Walter Matthau knew what bungholes were. Uh, maybe not. He was just a grumpy old man, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I like Tony Scott. Tony Scott's cool. What about you, Jer? Well, uh, yeah, that movie, Man on Fire, it's the editing 
in his movies that just drives me crazy. Let me see what, what was my original review of this. Oh, here we go. Uh, I'll even read it. This is if I watched this movie over six years ago. Charles Bronson would have had this one wrapped up in an hour and a half, and it would have been less frustrating a watch. Yes, his Tony Scott's editing and video stuff, I just, I'm not a fan of. Uh, And I feel like there was something going on with Denzel Washington in this movie. I think he had a deal with this uh, shirt company that he was uh, shilling for, because this man's shirts are gigantic in Man on Fire. I don't know, I think, RJ, if you watch this movie, it would drive you crazy. As those are the sort of things that you notice and you become very distracting, because in this movie, oh, it it's wild. And you're like, did, did he like have a sponsorship? Was he did he have shares in this company? And he was like really hoping for its big success because they're massive. But other than that, yeah, Tony Scott, he just not not a, not crazy about him. Uh, like these are some good ones. Um, and but I think I do agree with the sentiment that Rob said that he he was very consistent, um, and people are pretty across the board. God, man, some of these posters suck though, <laughs> like unstoppable. Oh, terrible. The, the, the letterbox posters are bad. But yeah, like even like revenge because I did go kind of through a Tony Scott phase where I was watching his stuff, and I'm very much on the a lot of it is two and a half for me. Yeah, me too. What? What? <laughs> Hundred percent. Totally. Yeah, I'm right on board with you. Hundred percent. Of course you are. Hundred <laughs> percent. Absolutely. Uh, and then Ridley Scott. I mean, yeah, he's made his first three movies are uh, bangers. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that Duelists, which I think is uh, maybe maybe one of the, definitely one of his best movies. But then oh, it's after, very good. But after that, then you get Legend, which is a very nice looking doll movie. Mm-hmm. Um, someone to watch over me is not good at all. Black Rain, nah. Thelma and Louise, nah. 1492, never seen it. Never seen White 14. Squall. Never seen, not, mm. never saw G.I. Jane. His, his 90s mm. uh, were not great. Uh, Gladiator is Gladiator. Hannibal, mm-hmm. though, my goodness. Rob, do you, do, how, how do you feel about Hannibal? I, well, let me think. I enjoyed it. I thought it was a good movie. Um, I thought I, I was taken along with the with the story, and ooh, it's got a lot of shit. But I think it's a perfectly fine Hannibal Lecter movie. It's probably better than the other Hannibal Lecter movies after Signs of the Lambs. I think so. Mm-hmm. Um, that's all I can say on that. I suppose. Uh, what do you think of it Hannibal I saw it once and I was I still am a a very big fan of Silence of the Lambs and it was just so because there's a lot of things going into it one it's like the the sequel and it's David Mamet who actually I do like a lot Mm -hmm. but this movie doesn't feel like a success for either of those causes it's neither a good David Mamet movie or a good I don't know uh, Hannibal film and it's just kind of just doesn't work i I like the poster probably more than anything else uh and then like i'm trying to think of even what i would compare it to then there's the really hills chihuahua yeah gary goldman is the chihuahua Mm -hmm. there's nothing he can't do he's the chameleon Uh, jared with with the the brain eating which would seem to be like the geek show of the whole movie (laughs) it's just like Mm. it eats his brain (laughs) well i like the 
I thought the ending of Hannibal the movie was more realistic than the end of the ending of Hannibal the the novel. TV show. I don't know if you've oh, read it. I've never read the book. Mm. No. All right. Well, it's at the end of the novel. Something things happen that you think. Well, do they fall? Isn't it they like fall in love and run away together? together? Yeah. Yes, I think. they yeah. do. Yeah. And I don't think that works. I think no. it's much better than um, that. There's a line in Hannibal that um, at the end of the movie. He's got um, Clary Starling pinned against <clears throat> the fridge. And she tells him, and he realizes that they're handcuffed together. You remember that? No, I don't. Not, okay. not quite. Well, Hannibal is wanting to get away from the feds. They're barreling down the road with the lights flashing. And he realizes that Julianne Moore, Clary's, has him handcuffed to her. And he says, ah, that's my girl. Now, I'm going to come back to this later in the podcast, because I'm talking about hacky writers. I don't think this was a hacky writing thing. I think this worked for the movie, and it was good. But I'll come back to that. But yeah, I, I kind of liked Hannibal. Remind me about the Hannibal thing when I'm talking about something else. When I'm talking about Stephen fucking Moffat. But please remind me about that, because I'll forget. Because I've had quite a bit of wine by now, by the way. Ah, <laughs> in, case that's good. Have, in case you guys haven't noticed. Oh. I, I, I prefer it. I prefer it. Well, I encourage well, all of our guests to equal the amount of alcoholism that is presented to them. Uh, and since no one asked, I thought nope. Hannibal was fine. I watched it when I was like 12 or 13, so... Uh, I remember, I think when I was little, I went, ooh, that's spooky. And then uh, that was, that's the last I ever thought of that movie. <laughs> so that's my two cents. There you go. There you go. So uh, I would say, I guess I kind of, really Scott's heights are higher, but I'd say that they're both kind of like, their names, I, it's hard to pick and choose. Because I think uh, Sam kind of mentioned this about what I thought about William Freakin. Um, mm. the other week and I think I like William Friedkin's best movies more than Ridley Scott's mm. so, I see what you mean yeah you know, I don't know it's it's uh, preferences preferences uh, mm -hmm. but hey thanks Sam and the, the, mm -hmm. this this late coming in email but, but early uh, but just in time for us uh, mm -hmm. Actium Jackson Maximus holy shit Holy. Two weeks in a row? Two weeks in a row. Holy shit. Hey, creeps. Gonna keep it short. Thank you for the recommendations from last week regarding Shitima. Mm -hmm. Light Blast and Get Even were standouts, and I'm glad I got around to them sooner than later. My question mm -hmm. this week is about creep picks. Going through Jarrett's tag, it appears I've made eight recommendations. What are your favorite recommendations from the listeners? And to the listeners, what are your favorite films you've watched because of the creeps' recommendations? Mine would be Cruising, The Long Goodbye, and Thunderbolt and Lightfoot. And finally, what were your favorite discoveries of the year? Crash by Cronenberg, The Incident, Boulder Blues, and Pearls, and what time is it there? Would be mine. Keep up the great work and have a happy new year. From mm. Actium. Goddamn. Goddamn. Thank you, sir. Mm -hmm. It's good to hear from you. Well, 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 well. Let's pull up this tag. 
It might take me a while to try to find this uh, bad boy. Oh, no, wait, I found it. You got it. <laughs> yeah, well, Long Goodbye was his recommendation for me, wasn't it? Or was that Sam Sanchez? Uh, I think that was Sam. I think. So I'll include that in mine, too, because okay. that movie's pretty good. Yeah. yeah I think I, that was Sam Sanchez. I, but I think it was that. like us finally being like, you got to watch this. Come on, watch it. Yeah. Watch it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Creep Ticks. I'm pulling it up. I got Mm. 31 of them and i've just recently added at least one more this very week Ooh, yes Uh, i don't i don't don't catalog stuff good so this is all you jared okay you don't do good i don't catalog stuff good no okay all right let's see here through the best of the best Mm -hmm. uh honestly the lift i think is still one of my favorites and, the lift, yeah. And uh, uh, what else, you guys? Uh, actually, the I think the the history of the Seattle Mariners was good. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I guess you also like the lift in Amsterdam. Both uh, would fall into that. Same wheelhouse. Same wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then same house, 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 and Robert Alban's images. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean that's pretty cool. I'm on board with that for the for the tippy top. Uh, yeah, RJ, do you have anything organized on that front? Uh, I looked. It's like I, I honestly, there's not much to mention on my end. My my organization is bad at best. Okay. So uh, out of Creeper X, I don't know. I don't know. I know a lot of people would probably comment on things that we we recommended that they didn't like. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure there's lots of those, but uh, I can't speak to that. I guess that's uh, just for those boys to decide. You know what I mean? If only we had someone who could ask that. Of a... Well, one day, maybe. One day. One day. One day. Is that all? Uh, That's he it. He kept it short. He kept his promise. Well, I mean, he's a man of fortitude, um, dedication, motivation, and um, other occasions. Do you know what I mean? I do. I do know exactly what you mean. But that is it for the emails. Ooh. Uh, which which brings us to uh, another bit of business of, hey, yeah. what you been creeping on this week, RJ and uh, Rob? I customarily like to let the guests go, but I could talk about it briefly since I only watched a couple things, Jared. Sure. If you'd like, if you'd like me to talk. You, you go right ahead, RJ. Uh, I'll tell you about You want to hear about The Sound of Metal? Uh, yeah, sure I do. Uh, I don't have much to say. It's a good show. That's it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that is it. Like, I know you. You already you've talked about it before. Hey, there's Rob. Hey, Rob. He's, he's back. <clears throat> he's he's back in pog form. What's new with you? Oh, guys, I apologize. Why? For what? Just deserting you. Hey, it happens. <laughs> you've seen me leave. I know. I know. This is my. Yeah. By the way, this is my RJ impression. I know. Ah, you, I think you got to get a little Kerm, more Kermity. People say I sound like Kermit the Frog a lot. I know. There you go. There you go. Hey, man, it well, happens. It's it's way easier when there's three of us because at least two people can keep talking. While usually, if there's been times where it's just me and Jarrett, where I just bail and I'm like, <laughs> I don't even say anything. I just leave and I, I just let leave him on his own for a while. So it happens. What was the question? Because when I was out doing things that I needed to do, um, yeah. th- uh, reports, 
passports needed to be signed, uh, yeah. business yeah. needed to be transacted. You asked me, you asked a question that did not get answered. What do I? What was the previous uh, question? About the I think previous it was, email. I think it was best uh, recommendations that we've had that people have liked, and then worst ones maybe. Or what was it, Jared? Something uh, like that, right? Films. Yeah. The question, I guess, for everybody else was, uh, what are your favorite films you've watched because of the creeps recommendations? But he, and he also asked, what are your favorite discoveries of the year? Which I will say we'll get into next week because we've got three days left in this year, and we'll mm-hmm. we'll, we'll talk about it next week because. I've got three more days, and I might mm-hmm. wind up watching two of those in the next three days, Ooh. maybe. Mm-hmm. So we will get to okay. that. We will we will address it. But Rob, uh, is there any favorite films that you've watched because of our recommendations? Well, while you were talking about a couple of things, <laughs> I was trying desperately to think of some movies that you guys have recommended that I've really loved and I've discovered. And I thought about lying, <laughs> but unfortunately, I I don't th- I really can't remember any movie that you guys have watched that you've said was wonderful. Even what's the Joan of Arc thing that you Passion of Joan of Arc? Mm. Yes, I didn't even look at that, guys. I've got to tell you, <laughs> that's fine. I, I could come on live and do schmeal and say, my goodness, the cinematography, it, it mm-hmm. changed my life. <laughs> but I'm not going to lie. I can't lie. So there we are. Big goose so, egg. Mm-hmm. So this big question that I asked that has taken five minutes out of the podcast was a total fucking bust. <laughs> That's Hey, we wouldn't, we wouldn't have it any other way here on this right. podcast, let no. me tell you. Uh, no, that's fine. I mean, it's, it's we've mentioned before. Whenever we get asked questions, sometimes we're okay. Sometimes it's honestly is it's hard to answer these questions on the spot. But oh, oh. hang on, there is mm-hmm. one. Ten mm-hmm. to midnight. Ooh, <laughs> yeah, you weren't a fan, hey? Well, I remember watching this when decades ago, and. Even before I started to have some knowledge of films and some sense of film criticism in Asian, do you notice I said criticism Asian? That tells you mm-hmm. that tells you how much red wine I've had. I see. Anyway, I thought that was, and it's Jared's fault because it was yeah. he who said it was a. You <laughs> recommended it first. God, that is a fucking bad oh. <laughs> I, I could see someone saying that um, yes but... you can see anybody in the world saying that except you <laughs> well, RJ RJ is all aboard I, 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 I can I name I can I can I would uh, it's all about it has there's a certain audience for it and it's all about how, how one feels about Charles Bronson and Canon Films um... <laughs> yeah I was on board there, well, there are many is... people I would not recommend that movie to. Many, many people. Well, viewed, uh, I, well, in in fairness to yourself, viewed as a canon film, dum, 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 here's me, on, I'm, I'm doing on the cam, mm. I'm doing the, the, the canon logo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yes, 
yes, as as a canon film with Charles Bronson, it has actually a lot of to recommend. It's total shock and mm-hmm. it's total silliness, and mm-hmm. it doesn't really make a lot of sense. But yes, it is an enjoyable movie. It's better than the usual. Yeah, actually it is. Better than the usual serial killer movies that come in with Lance Henriksen style. Who oh, he does it because of this. Because at one time he was pricked on his finger by a, by a mockingbird. And that makes him yada, 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 fucking yada. We've got a serial killer. He's a bad guy. He's after people. And what the hell do you think you're going to expect coming to a kind of movie with Charles Bronson? Well, if Lance Henriksen, so, is this like a preview, RJ, of Millennium? It could be, but that's uh, maybe only for the Patreons out there, right, Sure. <laughs> that's right. Well, Potentially. very well spotted. I was leading up to this. Very, uh-huh. I thought rather suddenly. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, he. there are some hummingbirds in Millennium. Some uh, very really? serious. Well, once in a while. He... It does happen, mm-hmm. but uh, I don't know. We we still haven't worked out uh, the plan for the millennium, Jared yeah. and I. We, it, uh, well, it won't be today. It won't be today. That's yeah. for sure. But RJ, oh yeah, thank God for that. <laughs> okay, maybe, 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 maybe then. You Rob's guys threatened. You guys threatened online that the Patreon guy next week is going to have to sit through me, Mill, Mill, fucking Lenium. I thought, oh dear Lord, I'm bailing. Uh, We'll we'll spare you that one. Mm-hmm. We'll spare you that one. Uh, so RJ, did you, you were wanna, talking about Sound of Metal, and you were Sound of Metal is real good. You were a fan. Don't... I'm a fan. I'm not. I won't. I won't speak too much of it. It's got good sound design, Jarrett. I'd hope so. Sound design. I think uh, the the lead up of the sound is better than where what it goes to later. But um, like they really, I think they put a lot into the first twenty minutes of sound design, and then afterwards they're kind of like, eh. People will figure it out. Like, it's still good, but uh, they did more earlier, is yep. what I mean. Um, but, no, yeah, it's a, it's a good show. Like, um, I know you talked about it before. You're a big fan as well. Uh, Riz Ahmed, super good. Yep. Lady, I can't remember her name. She was very oh, good uh, as well. Olivia Cook. Yeah, she was really good. And then uh, I liked the um, the old guy at the uh, the kind of halfway house for the death people, like the okay. pony, ponytail guy. I don't know what his name is, but he I thought he was really good in this movie as well. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, Sound of Metal's, Sound of Metal's good. I mean, for all the things that people have probably talked about. Like, it's pretty new, so I know there's a lot of conversations about why, uh, why it works, why it's good. But, um, yeah, I liked it. It's good stuff, Jerry. I don't know if you want to hear any more than that. That's good. I think people should. You want to hear about Christmas in Connecticut? Sure, I do. Yeah. So uh, we watch this because this is uh, Andy's boss's favorite movie. I see. One of one of her boss's favorite movies. Um, So uh, Christmas in Connecticut. When was this made? This is one of the uh, the old timers out there, like what you two guys know all about. 1945. So right after the war, from uh, Peter Godfrey. You know him. Everyone mm-hmm. knows him. Who doesn't? Gilbert's stars... dad. Yes. Yes. And it stars uh, Criterion alum, Barbara Stanwyck. You know her, Jared? I know her. She, and who actually, uh, 
looks quite a bit like Andy's grandma when she was younger. It was uh, an observation that we made watching this, this go is that uh, very similar features. Um, so anyways, Barbara Stanwyck has a, a news column, news column. It's kind of like an ask, uh, ask Betty type of thing, or like, what are those usually called? Like ask Jane. I don't know. Some, some lady name where uh, people write in. It's like, what's the best pot roast recipe? And she's like, let me tell you. She's like, when I'm at the farm, I cook a mean pot roast and I do it like this. And my husband melts anytime he eats it. And then everyone goes, wow, terrific. Uh, and then we got uh, some old guy, not Rock Hudson, but uh, Dennis Morgan is maybe. Yeah, Dennis Morgan is the guy here. He is a uh, survivor of the war and he was shipwrecked for a long time. And uh, he goes to a hospital and uh, he, he can't eat because uh, he was he had starvation for weeks. So he's he's got to eat mushy stuff and he hates it. And uh, to try to get real food, he he convinces the nurse that he wants to marry her. And he says, hey, listen, you're a good dame. And uh, maybe I'll take you away from here one day. But I really need some food, some good food. <laughs> uh, so he's trying to trick her to get real food. And then she sets it up where she's like, well, I don't really know how to cook, but uh, there's this new news columnist that I love reading and she does, seems to know how to cook. So she writes in and says, hey, can you give this this war hero a, uh, a proper Christmas? Because he sure deserves it. And so the uh, news editor or the editor of the newspaper is just like, well, he's a goddamn war hero. Just got back from the war. We got to give him a right proper Christmas. Uh, so he he tells the, the the agent to the lady, it's like, you're going to have him at your farm and you're going to have a good Christmas. And guess what? I'm coming, too. And then you find out that uh, Barbara Stanwyck doesn't do any of these things. She doesn't live on a farm. She lives in an apartment. And she's like, I don't know how to cook. She's like, I'm a New York girl. Mm-hmm. She's like, I haven't done any of that stuff. So um, what she has to do is uh, she's got to set up. um she finds a guy as a rube. She she convinces him that she'll marry him if if she can use his farmhouse in Iowa or, or Connecticut, I guess, because that's the title of the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, she says, hey, listen, if you uh, let me use your farm, I'll marry you. And uh, you got to act like I'm your wife and we got to get a kid or something. And they're like, OK, so they, they rent a baby for a while. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then they rent another baby later. They they pay for these babies cash. Jared. <laughs> right as you would assume. Uh, and then they host the war hero and the uh, editor. And wouldn't you know, Jared, that Barbara Stanwyck and the war hero, they kind of have a, kind of have a lot in common. Maybe they're the true romance. You know what I mean, Jared? A true and romance. T- and let me tell you, Rob, hijinks ensue. Woohoo! <laughs> hijinks. Uh, this is a good show, actually. Like, um, there's some stuff in it that was like, uh, some stuff that is kind of silly. You're just like, uh, that's some 1940s logic there. But uh, then there were other things that were um, pretty, like, jokes that landed pretty well even now. Like, almost 80 years later, you're like, yeah, that, you're like, that. that's still that's still pretty funny. I get it. Good stuff. Um, yeah, it's a, it was a good show. I would recommend it as a nice change of, of uh, pace for a Christmas movie. It is Christmas-based. There's not a ton of Christmas in there, but it does have a bit. And uh, there's a lot of smoking, which I'm a big fan of in, in film. So uh, anytime you see a guy smoking right next to a baby, just like that. Yeah, anytime you see a guy smoking a cigarette and ashing right next to a baby's head, you go, oh, yeah, that is a genuine 
film film craft. So uh, <laughs> Christmas in Connecticut, good good little show, good little show. <coughs> and that and that's all I have. So I don't know if uh, if you have anything, Jared, you want to throw to Rob, whatever you guys want to do. Robert, are you familiar with this movie? Well, I'd heard that RG was going to watch this, mm-hmm. and I I got to tell you, I didn't think it was my favorite movie. Of the, it's of fine. the whole Christmas season. If, if you think it's um, shit, you can say it. That's fine. No, I didn't think it was shit. I didn't. I, I tended to flick through. What I watched it for mm-hmm. was the Warner Brothers contract players. You've got SZ Sakal. That's the portly guy, the guy that owned the restaurant. Yeah. And you oh, yeah, he was him, awesome. Yeah, yeah. You find him in Casablanca. Mm-hmm. And of course, the father who owns the newspaper, that's Sydney mm-hmm. Greenstreet, who is mm-hmm. also in, in Casablanca. Yep. And that these are wonderful character actors. Yep. These add spice and marvelousness to any movie they're in. Mm-hmm. And there's also Una Thurman, who you will remember as the housekeeper. She's kind oh, yeah. of the. Woo-hoo! My goodness, my goodness. The yeah. housekeeper with the... Um, and she's been in a dozen movies, probably a couple of dozen or three dozen movies. Mm-hmm. I'm saying... Una, actually, I'm saying Una Thurman, didn't I? Yeah. Like, Una o- O'Connor. Uh, let me be clear. Una <laughs> Thurman was not a 1940s character actress. She's actually not that old. Una <laughs> O'Connor. And she mm-hmm. was in everything. She was in The Bride of Frankenstein. She's in Witness for the Prosecution. Mm-hmm. She's the absolute spit and double of a friend of mine who I photoshopped mm. into, I photoshopped my friend's face, Michael, into Uma, the, in Uma what the hell is she called? Una O'Connor. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it was a great film. I enjoyed it. I didn't love it. But it was um, it was fun. It was fun holiday stuff. Fun holiday yep. stuff to enjoy. High drinks for sure. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Barbara Stanwyck uh, passed away a couple days after I was born. Coincidence? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's, like she, it's like she knew what was coming. She, she, she heard, said, she heard the news. Now. Yeah. No, I. Uh, yeah, it's like I said. It's um. It's not the best of uh, all these. Like this is, uh, I don't rate stuff anymore, but I think this is a a solid three out of fives where it's just like, there's enough here that uh, I could recommend it to someone, but I wouldn't like, I wouldn't go in with like high praise. I wouldn't be like, you got to see it. It's just, yeah, it's good. I mean, if you want, if you want an old timey Christmas movie. So your your pull quote would just be adequate. Adequate. Yeah. RJ Bela Criterion Creeps podcast. Adequate. Yeah. It's got uh, enough of the good stuff and some of the other stuff. So it's adequate. Yeah. Fantastic. That's it for me. That's it for you. Rob, what have you been creeping on this week other than Christmas Mm -hmm. in Connecticut? Okay. Well, the thing that's top of my brain is I've been watching Succession, which I I think, and I've told Archie this on Messenger, I think it's the best written show on television. I really do. It's very good. And I totally agree with the comment that Archie made 
or Andy made last mm. week. It's like Arrested Development with real people or bad people, awful yes. people. Yeah. And they are, I think that's aggressive. I thought it was, I thought I was clever when I said it's like Dallas for grown-ups. But no, the rest of development remark is is much better. Uh, it, fits. It, it Yes, it does. It fits it totally. They're all awful people, but it's fun mm-hmm. to spend time with them. Mm-hmm. And the thing is totally not plot-driven. And that's the thing that I like about it. We're not watching an episode and wondering what's going to happen by the end of the episode. Sometimes mm-hmm. we are, but sometimes it doesn't happen. Sometimes it trails on to the next, or the next, or even the next. The whole season, three, nothing mm-hmm. much happens. But we don't care, mm-hmm. because we love spending time with these awful people. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's it's wonderful writing. Um, nobody says, <clears throat> ah, I'm twirls their mustache and says, I'm going to do this. And then later on, we discover they either do this or they don't, which we get in every movie or every TV show. Sometimes nothing happens. Mm-hmm. We discover what's going on through osmosis. It's like watching, you know, you want, God, I'm, I wasn't going to say this, but I'm going to say it now. I want to be clever. It's like watching like an impressionist painting. You, you, you get what's happening through the picture. You don't quite know what's happening, but you get the feeling of it. <clears throat> and with succession, you get the feeling of what's happening in the episode, but you're not mm-hmm. told it. It's not spelled out. It's not nailed on a fucking board in front mm-hmm. of your eyes. And that's why I like it. You, you get the plot through osmosis, as I say. Mm-hmm. My favourite character. Well, I got two. I got three favourite characters. <laughs> the first two are Tom and Greg. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They've, got, they've got like a Lauren Hardy thing going on. Yes. Only much, only much darker. Mm-hmm. And it's a hoot to watch them because Tom mm-hmm. is. The smart guy, he thinks. Mm-hmm. He's, he's really Oliver Hardy. Greg is Stan Laurel. And it, they just do this shtick together. And well, look at these people. Tom isn't the smart guy. Greg isn't the dumb guy. These are a pair of fucking idiots. <laughs> and it's hilarious. Mm-hmm. And they get something. I think my big favorite character, though, is Ronan. Roman? Roman, yeah. Yeah. Yep. The sarcastic little sex monkey played by mm. Kieran Culkin. Mm-hmm. The, the brother of Macaulay Culkin, mm-hmm. apparently. Once you said uh, think... sex pest, I was like, was well, he played by Kieran McCulkin? Yeah, and he plays it well. He does. Like, uh, yeah, he, uh, he actually. It's kind of like what Rob was saying. They're all they're all bad people, and you're like, I don't like any of these people. But uh, him especially, you're just like, I think the first two episodes he comes off as a bit much, and then they I think they figure out how to kind of y- use that energy, where everything he says, you're just like, oh, you're like, oh, this guy is like, he's he's he says the worst greasiest stuff, but in a lot of ways he is he is also the most endearing. You're just like, oh, so, but yeah, you continue. I totally agree. He's yeah. a horrible, horrible person, but yeah. 
there's some tiny nugget within his calcified adamantine soul that keeps beeping out there. Mm-hmm. And he tries to be a better person than he is. Actually, no, he doesn't. He He's perfectly fine with the awful person that he is. But yep. there's something inside him that wants to be better, even though he doesn't know it. Mm-hmm. I think if Kieran Culkin had been in Home Alone instead of Mokalki Culkin, I think that they've sent him off to Colorado to spend Christmas with the Ramses. Like John Benet Ramsey? Yeah, that's where I was going, Archie. Thank you. <laughs> I got to spell it out for the for the non-Americans yeah. out there. Thank you for thank you for holding a big placard. <laughs> hey, oh, my, joke found oh, my, here. Yes, hey. I'm. If you need a joke explained, you come to me and I'll I'll, I'll do my best. Okay. He's the big joke okay. boy here. Big God, joke. You, you fuckers! I worked on that joke for days. <laughs> I got it. I understood. Okay. That's why I needed to explain it to everyone else. All right. Well, unlike unlike the 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 movie, no, mm-hmm. the TV show that I've been watching. And I've been watching this for a couple of weeks before you mentioned it a while ago. Yellowstone. Oh, interesting. Yeah, we uh, one episode. That's all we could do. That's all we really. Could. I mean, and I I will say like I know um, I know it's hugely popular. Not just here, like everywhere, it's hugely popular. Uh, and like I I see the appeal. And one one interesting thing is uh, the the real Yellowstone. Uh, the guy who owns that, who also owns lots of other land, he owns land up in Canada. And uh, his cattle actually go uh, through Baylog Auction, Jared. My goodness. So uh, There's a connection know. there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but this guy sounds like he, him, between him and his wife, they own about half of America. He owns like six sports teams. And uh, I think he married like the guy, uh, the lady who is like one of the heiresses of Walmart or something like that. So uh, they own a lot of, uh, a lot of stuff. I think so. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, uh, tell me, is is Yellowstone worth continuing with? Because I, I, I don't really like Taylor Sheridan. And uh, I think that's my my issue more than anything is that uh, I, I, I don't love that guy's writing. But maybe that's just me. Well, I watched it for a couple of weeks. And yeah. I thought there's something about this that knocks me. Mm-hmm. There's something about this that smells of the lamb. It seems to me contrived. And then I stopped watching it. And then who, who would guess a week later, you start talking about it on the pod mm-hmm. and you summed it up perfectly. Mm-hmm. You said there's a zinger at the end of every scene. And yeah. that's it. And yeah, it's it's totally it's the most hacky, hacky writing I've ever heard. He starts off with the zinger at the end of the scene. He starts off with a smart last line, and then we go off to the next scene. But before we go off to the next scene, before we get the smart last line, he takes ten steps back and then sneaks up on that line. Mm-hmm. And find some cunningly clever, as he thinks, way to get round to it. So it's yeah. it's reverse engineering writing. 
that's the best way I can express it. Yeah. Every single line you hear, every scene ends with a zinger. Mm -hmm. And every scene is, when you look back at it, or when you think about it, or when you realize what this hacky hat writer guy is doing, you think, ah, I know what you're doing. It's like being told a joke that you've heard before in a bar by some awful drunk. Mm-hmm. You know where this is going. You can know. You know what the punchline is, mm-hmm. and that's how I began to felt. So I go by. I went back and looked at Yellowstone, and looked at a few more episodes, and I rolled my eyes at every what you said. I rolled mm-hmm. my eyes at every single line. Mm-hmm. My God, this can't people see this? No, they can't. Yeah. People love Yellowstone. They love it. They love it. So what I you don't know how to describe. I, I, what I'm getting here from you two is I should watch Yellowstone and skip Succession, right? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. yeah, everyone yeah. assumed you'd be the Yellowstone guy. Yeah, big Yellowstone boy. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Well, I'm glad to know that it's not just me. Like, uh, um, it's it's good to hear that someone else also was kind of like, eh, I don't know about this. <laughs> This show. No, it wasn't the case of I don't know about this. It was a case of me screaming at the screen saying, You're a fucking hack. <laughs> Stars uh, Jarrett's uh, close personal friend, Kevin Costner, as well. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't like the reason I didn't watch Yellowstone for a long time was because I don't, I don't know why. I've got no reason not to. There's mm-hmm. nothing in the world to tell me he's. A horrible person, but I thought ah, I don't like this guy for some reason. I don't like Kevin Costner. That's why for years, a couple of years, I didn't watch Yellowstone. But then I did, mm-hmm. and I watched a couple, and I fell off. And then RJ, you made me see the light because you I was my eyes. talking down to it. It me uh, oh, because you you had to go. I see. I see what you mean. I, I thought you meant my negative comments made you like it more, but that not quite the case. No, not yeah. at all. Yeah, I see what you mean. I I follow. I mm-hmm. follow. Mm-hmm. So, Jared, when are you going to be watching Yellowstone? Oh, um, right now? Immediately. You got it on on a second monitor? Yeah, I right here. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. Sounds, like, sounds like my bread and butter. Yeah, I mean it's definite Duncan material. I can say that. Oh. Big time dunks. Big time dunks. <clears throat> Big time. Hmm. Mm-hmm. The other thing, one other thing I was watching was How To with John. Oh, beautiful. What'd you think? Well, I was telling Jared a day or two ago that mm-hmm. I wasn't so in love with it as you guys are. Yeah. But then I watched Yesterday, I watched a couple of episodes, and I kind of like it more than I did before. Mm-hmm. I'm still a little bit skeptical, I've got to say. Okay. Mm-hmm. The, which which the, episodes the, did you just watch that you liked well, a little bit more? I watched the scaffolding episode, and I watched the memory episode. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I don't hold this against him, because... He doesn't put this on as a news program. He doesn't put this on as a documentary. He puts this on as a a video diary. Mm -hmm. And it's up to him how he puts it. 
So that's perfectly fine. But the thing that I noticed about the, there was the, the memory episode. Mm-hmm. And RJ, you know a lot about this because I think you've said in the podcast you've studied memory. I did. I did. It's long forgotten, but uh, I did that for several years. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. And they had the episode which which starts off with him in his apartment, and that's the conceit of the show. The conceit mm-hmm. of the show is he thinks, oh, I'm going to think of something. And he wanders out, wanders around the streets of New York, and he finds himself in a place which leads him to something else, which leads him to something else, which is the end of the of the show, which is perfectly fine. It's not news. He's not pretending it's news. It's not a documentary. It's just his diary that he's putting on the air for people to watch and like or not like as they as they choose. And then we end up in the Mandela effect conference Mm -hmm. and I thought well I think maybe he started off with the Mandela effect conference and I think he reverse engineered that particular show to find the guy in the in the grocery store in the grocery store who happened to end up being a Mandela effect devotee. And then that leads him to the Mandela effect conference, which is again, perfectly fine. But that made me a little bit skeptical about it. But let me say, before we go on to talk about this, I liked the show a lot better the second time I saw it than I did the first time. I think it's a perfectly fine show. I think he's a perfectly charming guy, and I enjoy being in his company. So I watched, um, just kind of like, because we were talking about you watching How To, and at that very time, I was just in the process of watching um, his short films that Mm. he made in the, kind of starting in like the early 2010s, and they're all on Vimeo still. And it's he was kind of like, they're kind of um, practice runs, it seems. Because I was kind of curious, like, how his career trajectory kind of worked out. So he was directing, like, little short films uh, with titles such as... Let me just pull this up. Like, How to Walk to Manhattan. And How to Live with Bedbugs. How to Clean a Cast Iron Pan or A Day in the Life of Ahmed uh, Kawaja, who was his actual roommate. And it started off as kind of like a... He's obviously a man who just, like, records things, and then he started figuring out, oh, I could just, like, narrate these things really easily because it takes, like, no resources to do that with, like, very simple, like, kind of these hand-painted titles that he's kept all the way through to the TV show. And so it started off as, like, a, almost like a passive-aggressive way of dealing with a roommate who won't clean the cast iron pan and a roommate who doesn't return DVDs when he's told to do so. Just as, like, a, a courtesy to another roommate. And as soon as he gets back, he just takes off his shirt. And he's like, for some reason, you're just going to stand around in the room with no shirt on. Uh, the, the bed bugs episode is about literally how to live with bed bugs because there's no getting rid of it. And how it's like <laughs> a bunch of actors come and pretend like they're going to take care of them, but they don't. Uh, and it's like a song and dance that takes months and months and months. 
mm. and how to walk to Manhattan. It's all there. Like he's starting to work with the character. He's not calling himself John Wilson yet. He's, it's like Stan Waltzman. Like he just mumbles it mm. out. Um, and then he he got the attention of um, Sundance. And then Nathan Fielder also Nathan kind of Fielder. He, he got involved, and it took a couple couple of years to get it going. But that's what the TV show has kind of become. And I just watched um, How to Live with Regret, which was from 2018, and it's like he's. It's weird how like these are only 10 minutes long, but they feel really long compared to even the episodes, mm. which I feel go by effortlessly. But I do think that music makes a huge difference. Uh, and just like smoothing out the the passage of time, and these because he's just shooting these on Vimeo. Uh, there's no he's not he's not a musician. He's not even hiring like a friend to make music a musical track over top of it. It's just kind of mm-hmm. raw, and so you're watching for ten minutes, and it feels like a bit of a drag. And you're like, huh, what is the difference here? Because it seems so much more at home at a half hour, where I'm like, oh, yeah. the episode's over already. But anyway, I yeah, there is definitely a bit of watching uh them like second time through there is i think you kind of notice that there's like an artifice to some of the scenarios you can imagine like you were saying that like he works maybe backwards or you know he just so happens to fall into a scenario like oh i happen to be going to um the the mtv like beach party uh mm-hmm. but it's like oh i didn't know it was happening till then which i mean is just still like it's fine. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not watching these as documents of reality. I guess, um, but it's like it's a character that he's also playing, um, who's kind of for trapped. Who's trapped behind a camera for a TV? He's oh. he's he's doing it for an HBO series, which maybe, that's where we have to go next. RJ, I'm meaning to talk. We're trying. Yeah, we'll we'll call it We're Succession. Trying. Oh. <laughs> yeah, we'll get scooped up right away. Yeah, that will just right trick. We'll, people won't notice that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I, agree. I I agree with both of you. <laughs> no, please continue, RJ. Tell me what you think. No, I am serious. I agree with both of you. I uh, I think sometimes things are set up a little bit, but uh, um, and like I think there's certain times you can see that, but uh, if they're not set up, incredible, and if they are set up, I'm fine with it. It's like, ah, I still like where he goes. Like maybe he does that and then backtracks from there. So either way, I'm, I like it. So I agree with both of you folks is what I'm <laughs> yeah. saying. I like, I like the show. I like mm-hmm. the show more than, um, I thought I would. Mm-hmm. Okay. D- give d- me a moment, please. <laughs> <laughs> the reason I'm asking to give me a moment is I'm almost going to, obliterate you from my screen. Interesting. There we go. We're back. Nice. Yeah. Ah. Yeah, I agree with you, Audrey. It's okay. He's making a TV movie. He's taking, mm-hmm. he's making a TV show and he wants to make it interesting and he wants to have, have a narrative. And that's fine. He's not lying. Mm-hmm. These people aren't um, actors in a strange thing. So yeah. that's fine. But then I think maybe he went to the Mandela conference first of all, and then went back. Right. Mm-hmm. And I don't, let me say, I think the Mandela effect is totally bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> Probably. <clears throat> Probably. Obviously that's not a shock to you guys, is it? <laughs> no, nah, that checks out. 
thing. So the one thing I was going to say, like my only like Mandela Mandela effect kind of experience that I can think of when I think about that was when I was a kid going to uh, the elementary school Westminster. <laughs> when I was a kid, my memory was that like it was very much Westminster. And there was even like a yep. song of Westminster School, but that is not the case. The case. And I'm like, did my parents trick me this whole time? Did my teachers like just like say, oh, most people are just going to see minister anyway? But no, no, no. Like everything at this point is very clearly Westminster. Uh, uh, yeah. And I have no so, idea. No, yeah. if it's, if, is it my child brain playing tricks on me? No, I mean, I, I do kind of agree with you. I actually, I'm a Berenstain Bears guy, not a Berenstain Bears guy. So, yeah. like, I, I do think a lot of Mandela Effect is made up, but uh, I do have some, too, where I'm just like, I thought it was Berenstain. So when I heard other people say that, I was like, okay, but I'm also not going to attend a conference based on that. So. And, and discussing parallel timelines and being, like, the, yes. last, the last survivor. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. Well, so I'll, I'll try not to do that, but, you know. Somebody oh. told me about, you know, the movie, you know, the Bond movie, Moonraker? Yep. And I know you guys aren't Bond fans, but you've probably seen Moonraker. I have. And there's a scene where Jaws crashes into the cable car office and he gets smashed to fuck. Of course, Jaws isn't going to die. He's going to find him self out he's gonna thrash himself out and then he meets this young girl with pigtails she's blonde she's pretty she's nice looking she's homely and she's got pigtails did you mention I did you notice I mentioned the pigtails I yes. I wasn't sure I thought maybe bald okay well anyway <laughs> and then she takes off her glasses and she's smiles at him and he smiles down at her and of course the teeth glint in the in the light and she, then she smiles up at him and she's got braces on her teeth mm. but do you remember do you guys remember that from the movie uh I don't know. I don't think I've seen Moonraker. Like probably okay. when I was a little little kid, but not as yeah. A, so not as an adult. So I'm looking this up because I do remember the pigtails and like yeah. So basically, it's like oh, here's like a really attractive woman, but we'll put glasses on her. That'll make her really homely. Like if it's like it's absurd. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, there is like because the idea that they'd be smiling at one another is that he's Jaws and that she's got braces and it'd be really cute. However, mm. that's not the case. Yes. That's the thing. Somebody said to me, don't you remember that scene? What did she have on her teeth? And I said, braces, of course. Yeah. I sat in the movie theater and I saw that. Mm. And he said, no, that didn't happen. Hmm. I, I saw that happen, I thought, but obviously I didn't. I, so that's a Mandela effect that, yeah. that I had. And People uh, have this thing inside of ourselves which puts together memories that we don't haven't seen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we just, yeah, I think it's like a transposing of like, cause I think we've seen that joke in other formats where mm -hmm. someone's looking and then they smile and they have a big mouthful of teeth and it just makes so much sense as a gag, like yes. for that to be there. And it's just not, and you're just like, 
Come on. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's a good gag. And it's so good. It's so obvious. Yeah. And it would have been such a big laugh in the theater that we think to ourselves, we, we made it, it had to be there. Yeah. Who could miss this? Instead, it's just uh, Moonraker. Yeah. <laughs> but RJ, you know about memory more than both of us. Both of us. So. Well, I mean, well, did you know that in uh, that one movie that there's one actress and not two actresses? That's what I know about memory. <laughs> Is that what was that? The discreet charm of the bourgeoisie? Is that what it was, Jerp? Nope. <laughs> but sure. Secret charm of desire. Is that what yeah. it was? Yeah. Obscure object of my desire. There you go. There you go. What I know about memory is that the only people who actually watch that movie know that there's only one actress. And if you remember there being two. I don't know if you saw that. Um, there, there was at one point a review. I just deleted it because I don't like nasty comments. Or but they, oh, they said that they accused you of not having watched the movie at all. No, I watched it. <laughs> I'm just not very observant. There you go. There you go, folks. <laughs> That's I, I mean that's all it is. I just don't pay attention very well. But I, I definitely watch that movie start to finish. You can you can believe on that, mm-hmm. baby. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So, I've got. Yes. I'll, I'll talk about two things because okay. uh, so we can get to, well talk about this Hitchcock business. Sure. Um, I'll, May I interrupt? Oh, go ahead. Yes. what's that? <clears throat> I'm sorry. I looked up on the men, the Mandela effect. Hmm. And it turns out that it started out in 2010, this shared memory phenomenon. Mm. And it was named the Mandela Effect by some woman called Fiona Broom. Um, Fiona Broom. And she, according to Wikipedia, she, t- she bills herself as a Paranormal consultant. Ah, Ooh. there you go. I like that. Yeah. Well, how how affiliated how affiliated could that person be? She so, could be the top of the top, for all we know. Be. I think so too. Potentially. But, well, does does anybody remember what they were doing in 1971? Well, the reason I ask if anyone remembers what they were doing in 1971 is because that was the year that Richard Williams' A Christmas Carol was released. Oh, I thinking your I smell a segue. Well, indeed, you do. What happened in that one, Jared? Well, well let, let us tell you. <laughs> in, since you ask, mm-hmm. since you demand an explanation. I do, genuinely. I feel an edit coming on. No. Oh, trust me, there will be. Uh, we can edit later. Jared will do that in post. Mm-hmm. That's, right. Do, That's right. do whatever you need. Jared will fix it up in post. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. in 1971, mm-hmm. Richard Williams, yeah. an animator, um, worked on this uh, Christmas Carol, which, which was executively produced by Chuck Jones. Everybody loves Ooh. Chuck Jones. And this is a film that um, uh, Rob said that I should rewatch. Um, and I did. I, f- I followed his orders. And I watched mm-hmm. this again. Because I watched this about four years ago when I was kind of on a Christmas Carol kick. Trying to watch all yeah. these different iterations of it. And I remember this one specifically because I think it was the first one that actually 
addressed why Jacob Marley's mouth has always like that, like um, bandaging around it, around the jaw. Because I don't know if very many of the live action versions delved into it, let alone mm-hmm. did anything with it, where he... When, so obviously this is an adaptation of the Dickens mm-hmm. Christmas Carol with Ebenezer Scrooge, where he's going to be visited by three ghosts. And there was a prelude to that. There is his old partner, Jacob Marley, and he shows up with dragging those chains, those long chains mm-hmm. that he brings into the afterlife. And of course, when he's talking to Scrooge, he unloosens this bandage that's kind of holding up his jaw. And what happens is, is his jaw just drops down low and this horrific scream comes bellowing out. And when I was watching this, I was like, whoa, <laughs> that's amazing. Why, why don't they do, do more of that in these previous things? But, of course, mm-hmm. live action is uh, limited uh, with what you can kind of depict. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, so he's kind of told that he's going to be visited by the three spirits. And then he leaves out by the window, but then he disappears into that uh, dark, cold London night. And he's kind of joined by the other spirits that are kind of <laughs> toiling around and uh, screaming Um uh, and there's like this, you know, the from the original text of uh, why that is. Like, why did the ghosts cry out? And they're because they're kind of like they can't do anything about the real world anymore. And it's kind of this uh, persistent regret of all the things they could have done while they're alive. But now all they can do is sit idly back and watch and scream in agony at the the misery of the world. And it's kind of like, oh. That's mm. that's fun. <laughs> that's like that's real. That's real. light light stuff. And you know, mm. rewatching Christmas Carol, obviously, there's the 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 arc of uh, Ebenezer Scrooge's rehabilitation uh, in one night by three ghosts. Uh, it's so disheartening, you know, to like hop on, you know, Twitter or Facebook comment pages, mm. and you just see how horrible and nasty people are to this day. And it's just like, yeah, I don't know. I, I bet you every single one of these people have watched a Christmas Carol at some point in their life, and the the lessons there of how to treat other people uh, and how to converse, maybe treat people uh, that don't have it as well as you. Uh, and just telling them, go get a job, <laughs> figure life out, mm. uh, persists. And it's like, oh, I wish I wish they'd all be visited by ghosts or something, or I don't know, read or watch something or have a little bit of, uh, a little bit of humanity. <laughs> it's just kind of like, oh, here we are uh, 100, 100 years later, and uh, it's still... What it is. People, am I right? Jared, I think your story is boring, and I think you you should go fuck yourself. There you go. How's that sound? There you go. There's some ghosts coming, RJ. I know there's ghosts coming. Bring them on. That dude's going to be eating ham in the parking lot. He's going to be a ghost to Christmas future. That was your first ghost. That was my first ghost, and guess what? It didn't change anything. I still hate fucking everybody, especially you two. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) No, I I actually I do agree with you where it's um, people suck. That's why I don't read the comments anymore until it gets brought up to me. You know, it happens. People suck, right, Rob? Well. I mean, not us, obviously, but everyone else is bad. We're great. Everyone else is bad. Well, I took a different thing from the 1970s Christmas Carol animated by Richard Williams. Richard Williams is the guy who animated Jessica Rabbit in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Right. Mm-hmm. He made a sexy, the most sexy animation 
gal since Betty Boop. Don't forget Fred Flintstone. Well, he was a bear. Wow. Oh, no, you're Sex. thinking of Yogi the Bear. Oh, no, no, yes. Yogi. <laughs> Fred, is Fred is Fred bear like? He's that with just, he's just that stubble that mud. I mean, I think he's still a bear, probably. Look, don't shame me for my sexual preferences, <laughs> Garrett. <laughs> the Flintstone. Yes. Oh, oh my God! Look, don't don't let me start it. The thing I loved about that movie. Oh, the 25-minute movie is the animation, and it's astounding. In 1989, we had the ballroom scene in Beauty and the Beast, mm. and the camera, as it were, swooped around the characters in the ballroom, and wow, what a, an astounding thing it was. Because, yes, we've seen Saturday morning cartoons, and it's all flat, and they go from right to left and left to right. But in Beauty and the Beast, it was 3D. Right. And, there's, yeah. There's, yeah, there's that, like, um, how, they, how he creates the um, that illusion of depth with uh, Scrooge going up the stairs when he kind of enters his house, is that kind of what you're thinking of? And like, he's like the whole movement of him proceeding through space. It feels just like it's the expressionism of the animation of it is like so great, but that whole sequence of the darkness as he's moving through it. Uh, yeah. That is like really astounding animation. Yeah, I agree. And this is a scene. My favorite scene in the middle of the show is the ghost of Christmas present. And we see a, a guy on a, on the bow of a ship. Right. And the camera, swir- as it were, swirls around him. He could have done this any number of animation ways that have been done since the 1920s Disney times. Right. Disney times. But we didn't. We got the camera swirling around this these people and every scene the camera whirls around them we see them in 3d and that's the thing that i watched this when i was maybe 10 years old and i thought that was the most amazing thing i would ever seen i knew how animation worked I knew how they made cartoons, and I knew that you can't make people turn around and see the back of their heads. I knew that, because that's the way the, the business works. But in this coming, in this, in this show, you did. So are you guys saying that I should watch this thing? If you never, yeah, if you haven't seen this, RJ, it's it's uh, definitely should go on I your uh, n- next year's watch. It's right. I mean, it's right on YouTube. It's got like two million views. Last I looked, it's on the YouTube. It's on the YouTube. The YouTube's. The YouTube. Okay, I'll add it to the list. You guys are putting a convincing 
Well, you're putting out a an something. Yeah. You're putting out something. Well, I you know say. what's also on YouTube, RJ? Is that? Another Rob pick. Uh, the Scarlet ooh. Claw from 1944. Well, forgive me for interrupting you, <laughs> but the thing I also notice about this movie the, the christmas carol is it's directed like a movie is directed you get flash cuts of a flashback for like three seconds and it's directed the way well to go back to our main project of the evening it's directed the way Hitchcock would have directed a movie. It's the way Hitchcock would have directed a cartoon film. Each scene leads to the next. And it's yeah, it's it's a wonderful film. Mm. Anyway. I agree. Forgive me for interrupting. Please carry on. All right. So uh, Scarlet Claw from 1944 directed by Roy William Neal. Uh, with a tagline, RJ, Holmes versus monster. I like that. A woman like is that. found dead with her throat torn out. Villagers blame a supernatural source, but Holmes has other ideas. What other ideas did he have, though? Uh, that it's, it's, it was not a monster or a, a wolfman or other things. Was it a Scooby-Doo? Uh, yeah, ultimately. Potentially? <laughs> kind of. Kinda. Is it Scooby Doo? Uh, I feel like Scooby Doo uh, maybe was the original Sherlock Holmes. Some say. Ah, uh, some people say that Scooby Doo is the real Sherlock Holmes. That's right. Some do. Uh, so this was uh-huh. kind of a uh, fun to do because I, I guess, had never actually seen a Basil Rathbone Sherlock Holmes, which is weird that it just has never come up. Mm. Um, so that's it's probably the iconic film Sherlock Holmes and I mean honestly you're watching these this now because I actually like this so much that I also watched the first of the uh, Rathbone films uh, Hound of the Baskervilles mm-hmm. but he he just I don't know if you had to draw a picture and maybe it's because of pop culture I think Basil Rathbone kind of becomes the uh, caricature of what Sherlock Holmes should look like and I don't even, I, follow. I can't yeah. even quite put it there. It's the, the nose, the chin, the profile just like typifies it. The way he wears that, that hat, that the, the, the Holmes hat, um, it, it works, it works so great. Uh, which is of course, no slight against, uh, Nigel Bruce, who plays Dr. Watson, who I had to message, uh, Rob about because I was watching the Scarlet Claw and I was kind of like, is Nigel Bruce like always this thick? In as Doctor Watson in all of these movies, because boy oh boy, this guy is slow on the uptake in ways where you're kind of like I get that you you want to kind of have a foil to uh, Holmes's brilliance, but you also set him up with like essentially it's comic relief. Uh, but this this guy is like even like, he's a doctor apparently. I'm not sure if he's just slow witted, but still. You know, as intelligent as anybody, but it seems like he is a few steps below uh, who Holmes keeps around. So you kind of start wondering, like, why is this guy keeping this uh, Watson around? Does he make himself feel good? So this guy is, is like doesn't know that he's being made fun of. 
He's, he's not. He's like being teased, uh, and he just goes along with it because he just likes. Oh yeah, well, I mean, he likes me enough. I'll just keep hanging out with him, even though he's just insulting me to my face. Uh, this particularly comes in Hound of the Baskervilles, where uh, Holmes is in some very obvious, like, uh, like hermit uh, merchant c- c- cosplay, and he's pretending to not be Holmes, but it's very obvious just based on how these movies are written that oh there's Holmes he's been hiding out this whole time and uh, yeah. old, old Dr. Watson yeah. just just can't realize that that this is his friend but anyway taking it back a little bit so Scarlet Claw mm-hmm. is I think like the seventh film in this 14 part series uh, this one's I'm not exactly sure if it is supposed to be a period piece um, in itself because after the original two 20th century Fox films with Holmes um Universal picked it up and they actually transported Holmes to fighting Nazis. Mm. Uh, so he just made, took some artistic license uh, with some justification that he's a man of our times and there's threats that he needs to solve now. Uh, this takes place after that cycle, I guess, of mm. him fighting, smashing the Nazi threat. And this is now uh, with Holmes being transported to to Canada. <laughs> To, to, to Le Mont Rouge, uh, and there's a lot of talk about Quebec, and you know that you're in, uh, I guess, rural Canada because everybody wears toques. Um, and, sure, we do, and in winter wear uh, in these uh, in these taverns. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so a a, a, a well-to-do a debutant of a man, he's uh, he's holding the Royal Canadian Occult Society, talking about how he's going to, he's got the real evidence about proving occultism. And of course, Holmes mm-hmm. is sitting there going, sure, sure, bud. Everything can be just explained through reason and rationale. Uh, mm-hmm. And of course, as he's delivering this uh, talk, uh, news comes that interrupts him uh, that his wife has been killed, murdered back home. And he takes this pretty, pretty coolly, like it's no big deal, which is very mm-hmm. suspicious. And of course, so he's kind of our red herring to kick things off. Mm. Uh, so of course, this this kind of piques the interest of one Holmes uh, because while they're uh, at this hotel in Canada, uh, he receives a letter from the recently deceased woman saying that she felt like her threat was under threat, her life was under threat. And so he's like, "Well, mm. Watson, we must take we must take this on. We've never had one of these types of cases where where the the person has already been killed. So, mm-hmm. so this is their motivation. They uh, they they book it to uh, to the little village um and investigation ensues um there's some fun little bits where there's like almost like a will of the wisp in the uh the swampland of quebec <laughs> where there's like a man that's been like lit with phosphorus and he's kind of running around in the swamp after uh after old sherlock who's firing away at him but this guy is avoiding these bullets and you're like is this some sort of supernatural entity is this a ghost but but, but it's not it's not sherlock holmes find, finds the way no. but yeah like i don't know uh, this movie is just a, a whole lot of fun and compared to a lot of sort of these i don't know call them genre movies but like for a lot of the movies like from the period time period i would love 
all these Rathbone Sherlock Holmes movies to be in the Criterion Collection. Uh, like if, Who if wouldn't? You, if you can justify some of the stuff that winds up in there, like all 25 mm-hmm. parts of Zatoichi, the first 16 parts of Godzilla, uh, surely, mm-hmm. surely there's space for the, the iconic depiction of Sherlock Holmes with Basil Rathbone. And I'm sure they could acquire all 14 of these. I think all the restoration work was already done because I guess these were in a sorry state uh, until the uh, UCLA uh, restoration happened back in the early 2000s. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of them are in the public domain. Uh, half over half of these you can watch on YouTube uh, in very good quality. They sound great. They look great. And uh, so yeah, I was so impressed with Scarlet Claw, which has one of my favorite. Um, this is kind of a spoiler, I guess, but one of my favorite gimmicks in a movie is an actor who's doing the killing, but he's in disguises and he can disguise himself as anybody and sneak around. I, Eddie Murphy style. Eddie Murphy style. Uh, I, I, I love that conceit. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it, it's it's a good trick because it gets around. It, it gets mm-hmm. um, the writers to be a little inventive, I guess. It's lazy maybe, but I think it's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. So this one gets to go that down that road. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I was really impressed and happy to watch this and uh, excited to maybe watch some more Basil Rathbone. Though I was sad to see that The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes, which is the second film, of, mm-hmm. the Rath- of the Rathbone 14 parts uh, is not available readily. So I didn't get to watch that, but uh, Rob, um, thanks for the recommendation. Maybe you could tell mm-hmm. me a little bit about the Scarlet Claw and why you recommended this one in particular. I mean, I feel like it might be the, the British Canadian connection more than anything, but, and that you have a, a nice little uh, reproduction framed uh, in your room. <laughs> Well, thank you for the wonderful introduction to my favorite Rathbone Holmes movie. In the early 40s, the... Universal took up the the banner of the Holmes pictures. Uh oh. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so dear listeners, uh, it seems that uh, the transatlantic line has gone down with connecting a uh, Creepsville mansion and uh, uh, the, the house of Eagle. And uh, we are no longer able to continue on with Rob Eagle and where he was going to tell us about uh, the, the Scarlet Claw. The Scarlet his, Claw? His, his favorite Rathbone film. Yes. And, yes. I'm, and, and I guess by that measure, I, I don't know if we'll be hearing back from him for our actual review of North by Northwest. Yeah. Well, I mean, if we don't get him and he's... Just listening to this fresh like everyone else. <laughs> That's right. Uh, we, we left the line open for you to connect mm-hmm. back if you can. But, uh, yeah, the connection was uh, – the Skyping was getting a little bit uh, – a little poor near there. And uh, we don't really know what to do because the internet exists. <sighs> well, you know, that is the X factor. This is like the ultimate Bagul strike. And, I mean <laughs> – it's fun. Uh, not not to make fun of it, but it, like if it had to happen at any time, it's it's funniest that it happened with a guest. 
that Bagul just outright kicked a guest out of the Skype call. Because mm-hmm. if it happened to me, we would just be like, we would probably quit the podcast. We'd be like, all right, well, I guess that's it forever. Or but, uh, uh, we now know the real feelings that Bagul has toward the English. Yes. He said, gray, unsensual. He said, mm-hmm. no place here. Uh, enough. 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 Um, yeah, well, uh, oh, like yeah. Said, if, uh, if, if he does come back on, cool. Yeah. Uh, uh, we're, we're waiting. And if we don't see a Rob, uh, and you're listening to this tomorrow, um, it was, it was nice to have you while we yeah. did. Yeah. And, uh, I, I don't know. The internet's a cruel mistress, right, Jarrett? That's right. I've got, the, I've got the line open. I've got the, the, I'll have the email open. Chan- see, the see, channels are open. See what happened. Yeah. The channels are open. God, God bless him and the queen. God bless him, everyone. He, uh, he was there for us when we needed him, and yeah. now, and now he's gone, it's just gone. like Batman and Bane. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Now this darkness rises, oh, or man. the fire rises, Jared. Oh man! Remember Bane? Um, well, yeah. So, hey RJ, you're gonna watch some of these Basil Rathbone Sherlock Holmes films? Do you own these? No, they're just on YouTube. Oh no! Like, I, I was, I was looking at acquiring them it's like a hundred bucks for the blu-ray set which is uh i mean it's 14 movies which is mm. whatever but you can check out uh scarlet claw and uh hound of the baskervilles on there i i think they're uh better than a lot of this uh this hoity-toity shit that criterion uh pushes on us i've seen uh the hound of the baskervilles with um what's his nuts Keep uh cushion. Grand, grand moff tarkin yep yeah, uh, and that was fine. Yeah, so it's, you're saying that, that this is better than that? I, I think so. It's got some pretty cool sets. I, I don't know. It has a real... Uh, it's in like 1939. It's, it, I think it nails that pulpy fun better, weirdly mm-hmm. enough, than Hammer does 20 years later, even though that's kind of like Hammer's whole thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it, yeah, very satisfying. Very, I, I, I very satisfying. Very satisfying. So, are you going to uh, do a deep dive or just space them out? Well, I mean, I would have watched the uh, uh, the next one, but it's not on YouTube. What's a man supposed to do? You just said they were on YouTube. Well, some of them, like oh, a good okay. chunk of them, but a couple are missing. But I the, gotcha. the ones I mentioned, which are both good, they're they're just on YouTube's. Not even not even an hour and a half. Hmm. Okay, so like an eighty minute flicks. Yep. Because you know that's uh, that's a lot more our speed. I know. Oh, oh how a lot I know. More speed. Yes. Uh, I mean, I would uh, I would maybe throw one in for Creeptober. Okay. Is I'll, what I would do. I'll mention one more thing mm-hmm. that I watched this week. Is why not? Uh, you, you hear about this Beanie Mania documentary? I I saw it pop up on um like you know on Fire Fire Stick when you have like. Uh, the ads on there i saw a pop up there and i was like i don't know what this is i'm not i don't care you what you don't know what beanie babies are i mean i know about beanie babies i just uh i saw what it was and i was like eh, i'm not i was like i'm not interested well so my dad he was bit by the beanie bug oh so you got a little beanie 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 baby collection over there do you um there was i think a lot of it was given away to like little kids Mm-hmm. Kind of like, you know, when there's, uh, you know, baby showers and stuff like that and the like. It's like, hey, Beanie Babies. There's uh, there's mm-hmm. r- Rubbermaids filled with them. I, uh, I I do know what you mean. I uh, I was a fan of the Alien Babies. Do you know those? 
they were like beanie babies but they were all aliens and there was like a cowboy alien and like a like a hippie alien alien babies is what i was into alien babies alien babies so all this beanie mania documentary is this this is this is uh hbo crave or max hbo max it's on crave for us uh, it's just a documentary about the the rise and fall of the the beanie mania. Uh, mm. So it kind of chronicles the, the the small beginnings of Ty Warner, the, the kind of shut in, elusive billionaire uh, who invented these half filled sacks of cloth that were kind of mm-hmm. cute. Uh, put little name tags on the ears, and uh, started selling them in kind of like small businesses like kind of like little gift shops and stuff like that not the majors not toys r us and uh this like group of like suburban moms in chicago they kind of started driving this business like they started talking it up buying them all up mm-hmm. um you know magazines television appearances started to stem from this and soon enough uh, people were all like what's all this beanie baby business about and i hear i can get rich Buying mm. old, buying 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 low and selling high, and everybody seemed to think that was a good idea. <laughs> so it just yeah, it's an overview of that. Um, it, I don't I don't I don't get it. But at the end of the day, because like it, it had its peak, it, you can watch it. You'll understand what I'm talking about. And it kind of hits a wall. They don't. There's no follow up of like what Ty does now. Like obviously their sales are minuscule, probably compared to what they did do. They're probably sustainable, though, right? Right. So, yeah, because the guy's a billionaire. Because, I mean, what he was doing was uh, hiding money in offshore (laughs) tax shelters. Uh, Oh, shit. In which he was taken to court and pled guilty, but he only, like, got two two years probation. Despite, like, hiding, like, $117 million. But don't worry, RJ. There was, like, Minnesotan counterfeiters from, like, the back in the day. They got jail time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the counterfeiters got jail time, mm. but the the tax evader, you know, different rules for everyone, uh, but except for them. Different rules for them, different for us. I see. It's kind of like in North by Northwest when drunk driving, it's like a two dollar fine. Yeah, it's it's more fun that way. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Well, I mean, it is what it is. I was trying to find the name of that. Uh, um. Of those alien baby toys, but uh, I can't find it. Now I'm in a real loop here because I'm I'm confused. They were like Beanie Babies, but they were aliens. Right. All of them. And now I can't find it. Beanie Baby, but aliens. So are you saying that this is interesting or it's just okay? This this movie in general. Uh, I, wish, I wish the documentary template would change. Uh, yeah. And because, uh, yeah, there's always this, this cliche now of... And what happened next, no one could have seen coming. With dramatic music building up and then hard cuts. And mm-hmm. then it's like, but then like 20 minutes later, there's another. And what happened next? No one expected. <laughs> I see what you mean. And I'm like, I guess that's how stories happen. You want to create fiction, drama, arcs within mm-hmm. this stuff, but. I see what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. No, oh. so you're saying that you're a Beanie Babies man. Do you still have one, Jarrett? I do not. You don't have any? What was I the one? None. Did you have one, though, when you were younger? Like, a main one that was your favorite or I something? I don't believe so. No? No. You I, didn't have, like, a, I, I a Fitzcarraldo my... Beanie Baby that was I, your favorite? Oh, I wish. 
I, I wish I wish I did. No, uh, I know my. Uh, pretty sure my dad had one of those princess beanie babies. Like princess die. Yeah. Oh, okay. I mean, that's kind of cool. What about um? Are beanie babies just Funko Pops now? Uh, are beanie babies just Funko Pops? Maybe. Like in like, do you know what I mean? Like same but different, or different but same. Like I, I feel like that's what it is. Is there? I don't think they ever like. They're not the same hype though. Like it seemed like those things were. I don't know. Do people care about? I I don't, I don't feel it. I didn't get that sense. It, they could have been out selling them, but the whole time. But uh, yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't think so. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. All right. I was just curious. Oh, I was just curious. Um. But anyway, so I watched that. Uh, any news, RJ? Uh, not really. I don't have a whole lot of okay. news. Well, I know you see that uh, Spider-Man. You see this? You hear about this? Made a billion dollars. Is that good? I think so. I think it's doing pretty good. The box office is back. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, for a month or two until it's not again. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, I saw Spider-Man's was doing good, but. I had people ask me, are you going to go? I was like, nah, just watch it when it comes on yeah. home video. Yeah. Say, so what about spoilers? I, I went, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. There's, it's so, like, I what, care. I, yeah, I've uh, I've read the synopsis on Wikipedia. I'm good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I know what's going on. Yeah, so. exactly. Yeah, no big deal. Well, uh, we got a movie to talk about. Sure we do. After the break, uh, we're uh, stuff. We're, we're mistaken for good podcasters. No, and, and then we get we get a big deal. We get big. We get signed to a big deal on Spotify. We get to hang out with Joe Rogan. I mean that. I was gonna say no one would mistake us as a good podcast, but people might think we are and then realize we're not. We'd have an audience, I suppose. Yes, potentially. Teenage Mary said, Uncle Dave, I saw my soul, must be saved. Gonna take a walk down Union Square. You never know where you're gonna find there. You gotta run, 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 run. Take the dragon too. Run, 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 run. Jim's a death for you. Hey, what to do? Margarita Passion. I had to get her fixed. She wasn't well. She's getting sick. Went to sell a soul. She wasn't high. I'm an advertising man, not a red herring. I've got a job, a secretary, a mother, two ex-wives, and several bartenders dependent upon me. And I don't intend to disappoint them all by getting myself slightly killed. Cary Grant becomes a secret agent against his will. 
propelled at gunpoint onto the highest level of international intrigue and framed for murder. Cary Grant, running for his life, searching for a man who doesn't exist, and a secret nobody knows, and finding a blonde who has all the answers. Hello there. Tell me, why are you so good to me? Shall I climb up and tell you why? At breakneck speed, they race together toward the excitement that lies dead ahead, north by northwest. How do I know you aren't a murderer? You don't. Harry Grant, Eva Marie Saint, and James Mason as the man of sinister surprises. Apparently, the only performance that will satisfy you is when I play dead. In your very next role, you'll be quite convincing, I assure you. The perfect setup for suspense. With the perfect woman and the perfect crime, as Alfred Hitchcock takes you north by northwest. And we're back. This is the Criterion Creeps podcast. And tonight we're talking about North by Northwest from 1959, directed mm. by Alfred Hitchcock, as we delve into those Criterion Laserdisc collections. Ooh. Ooh, yeah. Ooh. Uh, the tagline for this film, RJ. Mm-hmm. You ready for this? I'm not. It's a deadly game of tag, and Cary Grant is it. I mean, not really. Or is it? I don't know. I guess. I guess if you get got, you you're dead. It's like the it's like the deadliest game of tag. I mean, I yeah. Makes sense. I, I guess. All right. And a synopsis for the film, uh, surprisingly short. Hmm. Advertising man Roger Thornhill is mistaken for a spy, triggering a deadly cross-country chase. Who? Uh, that'd be Cary Grant, RJ. Cart? Cart. Well, Are we talking oh, about oh. Cart Grant? See, I was. Uh, I want to know Archie. Uh, Archie. Uh, yes. You know, Ar- you know Archie Leach. Yeah, a lady I work with calls me Archie, but uh, I think but, it's because she thinks that's my real name. <laughs> but do you know who Archie Leach is? I'm not aware. Is he on the North by Northwest page? That is the birth name of one Cary Grant. Archie? Archibald. Leech. Archibald Leach. Archie Leach. Wow. Then to the I... world, he became Cart. I did not know Archibald Alec Leach was the name. And hey, he was, uh, his birthday was almost pretty close to mine, Jarrett. Not in terms of years. Hmm. But in terms of days, first, first uh, Barbara Stanwyck, now uh, old Leech here, Cart Leech, eh? Wow, wow, <laughs> yeah, he's weird, anyways. But anyway, you you keep going. <laughs> okay, so I think everybody knows North by Northwest, right? Uh, I I think so. If if anything, just because of things like this, The Simpsons, and you know, other TV showing it yeah that's how i knew it right and i mean it's it's funny because i think was it the first or second episode that we ever recorded when you watched north by northwest 
Well, so I, because when I logged this, it was like seen before, and I honestly I was kind of like, have I? Uh, I, <laughs> I was like. <laughs> Well, because I was like, I know I've seen it in other shows, but I was like, have I actually watched this? And then I looked, and it's right in between Grand Illusion and Seven Samurai. So I, I don't know which episode I, re- I talked about it on, but it was either first or second. So. And I think I remember uh, when we decided we were going to start doing laser discs, and it's like, oh, we have to watch North by Northwest again. And you were like, oh, god damn it. <laughs> yeah. And well, you, you get it too, though. You don't want to watch things before you have to, right? I mean, so, I don't know. This is, uh, I would well, say, sometimes. I'd say a North by Northwest is maybe a, an exception to it because it's kind of a, at the end of the day, it is just like a action comedy. Sure. But sure. like, but 1959 by way of Hitch. Who? Like the guy I knew, Hitch? Mm-hmm. Same guy. Same guy? Did, did, <sighs> did Hitch have this on his uh, VHS shelf? No, he had the Fast and the Furious, the original one. I think three copies. Because it was uh, very important to him, but not this one, but unfortunately. Not, but not this uh, Big Al film. Unfortunately, no. It was not a, a hitch pick, uh, and that's why I didn't take it as such. So, not a hitch <sighs> pick. Unfortunate. Anyways. Unfortunate. Well, yeah, I have seen this movie at least a couple times before, but it has been a really, really, really long time since I've mm-hmm. seen it last. So I was. A okay watching it again because I would know at the end of the day it's like well I know it's it's going to be like entertaining it's probably going to be a very easy watch and of course mm-hmm. it is one of those things where I didn't even bother checking what the runtime of this film was before starting and I was a Quite bit I was I was a bit startled by like how long uh-huh. how long this actually was because this is like what two hours and fifteen minutes thereabout. Yeah, it is, and uh, I, I remember when uh, I watched and, this with and Andy, it, and it goes to the end, like it goes the, to the very end. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, what was I going to say? I watched it with Andy, and uh, she was. Uh, I think we we're at an hour and thirty-five, and she's like, "What?" The? Uh, she's like, "How much is left?" Because we always like halfway through a movie, we get snacky again. It's like we got to re up our snacks. She's kind of just like, "How much is left?" Because maybe I'll get snacks now, or maybe I'll wait. And I was like, "Baby, there's still like an hour left," and she's like, "Holy shit!" <laughs> So not not that it drags or anything. I just it was longer yeah. than we expected it right. to be. Yeah, you know. Yeah, you're thinking that's like ah, this is like a like less little shy of two, <laughs> and then you're well, like, that's what you think. Yeah. Right. Yeah, but but yeah, you, it's a long show. You'd think wrong. Yes, you would. Yes, yes you would, my friend. So uh, let's let's go through this. Mm-hmm. So um, North by Northwest, not to be confused with South by Southwest. Which, Which one's that? Some assholes will say, "Well, you know, the South by Southwest festival uh, takes its name and is a reference to North by Northwest." To which you go, you know, I give a nice slow clap to go. Say, wow, bravo! <laughs> you're, you're wow, blowing, you're blowing my mind here. So you really did it, didn't you? Yeah, you really did it. And you say, "Wow, festivals in general." Wow, <laughs> there wouldn't be one without Alfred Hitchcock. Any festival. For anything, yeah, say, furry festivals say, wouldn't be there. No furry festivals without Hitch? Nope. Shit. Come on. Damn. Come on, Jarrett. Some say. Some Come say. On. So anyway, uh, so North by Northwest, it mm-hmm. opens up with one of the best like opening credits slash scores you're ever going to get. I think that that bombastic Bernard Herman score, mm-hmm. as the kids say, it slaps. Oh, and would Jared Duncan also say that it slaps? 
Oh, it's it's amazing. Uh, mm-hmm. I, now, I was thinking about this while watching because the whole movie's got like it's that Bernard Herrmann score because Bernard Herrmann becomes just so um, intrinsic to Alfred Hitchcock's movies at this point in time, um, like with Psycho, for instance, mm-hmm. uh, Vertigo, probably the most. But mm-hmm. it's not like a score that I would like want to own so I could pop on and listen. It's not it's not that kind of film score, but. It is like definitely one where you're watching the movie, and you could probably enjoy the movie just for that, for, for that music, because it um it really fits well with this movie, because this is a movie about movement. It's about it's, it's about motion, as the, and the the Saul Bass opening credits, those beautiful mm-hmm. that big beautiful uh, graphic design bastard Saul Bass, mm-hmm. uh, with those lines cutting across, cutting down. You're like, whoa, what's going on? What's this all about? And then it turns into this like mundane shot of the side of a skyscraper. Mm-hmm. And then there's all these like hustling, bustling shots of New York people moving around and it all comes to a, a sudden end as directed by Alfred Hitchcock comes across the screen and we see some, some fat guy running to miss the bus. This is my old bud Hitch, the guy who lives what? a block no. from me. No, I, I think you can wrong. tell from the patented I... velvet suit i think I, I think you're wrong with that that's just some it was just some guy that's just like your opinion man <laughs> yes you know what i mean yeah. no um so then yes. we cut to Cary grant in a mm-hmm. madison avenue building getting off of a Ooh. elevator and he's talking very snappily and very fast and, and so fast and in that transatlantic accent uh we've talked about before we we're like mm. What's he saying? <laughs> you go, huh? He's talking hypersonic. You say, is that a Newfoundland accent? What is that? What is who's, what's this guy? What is what is that? And he seems to be very amused with himself. Uh, well, he 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 thinks he finds himself quite quippy. I believe is what it is. Right. Quip quippy. Yeah, I don't know quippy. if um, you watched any of the making of features on this. Uh, I did not. Okay. I saw you did the whole gamut. So yeah, I, I watched figured... a, I watched a whole slew of them. But yeah, so there's like the one. Uh, what's it called? One for the ages. One for the ages. And, and it's just uh, talking heads with a bunch of different directors like Curtis mm. Hansen, Guillermo. Guillermo. Yeah, and they talk about how uh, this this image of Cary Grant here in North by Northwest sort of typifies the. The 1950s American man who has everything. But nothing? Well, as, as the story uh, unfolds, you realize that he was living a superficial life. Mm. Not one with action and adventure. Some would say that he's boring. Talking about how several bartenders rely on me. Is that a good thing? Well, I mean, I mean, it helps the economy, so it must be good. Well, the economy, Jared. <laughs> the economy. The economy, let me tell you. Yeah, you gotta watch it. Uh, so he's kind of uh, being followed by his assistant as mm-hmm. he's going to catch a cab to go to a lunch dinner, a luncheon, a, sure. l- a luncheon uh, yep. t- t- with some colleagues. Um, at this point, I ask RJ, what is mm-hmm. the color of Cary Grant's hair in this? <clears throat> it it kind of it mixes between that salt and pepper, where it's a little black, a little white, and then it. At some points in the start, it's full gray, but then later it's not quite anymore <laughs> full gray. I think what it is is they ran out of that spray that you spray the hair 
gray with. I think they ran out of that later on is my guess. Right. So, cause I was like wondering, like it's kind of black and gray, but also blue because of the yes. weird lighting, which really reminded me of comic books from like this kind of era, the, that because of the CM, hair, the CMYK coloring, how they would treat like light differentiation. So if a black wouldn't just be flat. So they kind of mm-hmm. put like this line of blue to indicate like reflection. Mm. And so, mm-hmm. but I, I've never seen like sort of this hint of grayish blue uh, in a man's hair before. But that's not true. It seems very unique to when you want to like age hair, yeah. whatever. Uh, you would do that the in the fifties. You kind of give this little hint of blue, and it's one of those things I always wanted to mention. And this movie had it. Yeah. Okay. Well, have you ever seen the Jetsons? I have. I think there's blue hair there. Um. Actually, no, there isn't. I don't think so. Shit. What am I thinking of? Uh, neutrinos. Sure, yeah, the neutrinos <laughs> from TMNT. Yeah, uh, decades later. Decades later, but no, actually, you um, for real, yeah. There, I, I didn't really think of it before, but he does have a bluish kind of tint. Yeah, so it's there. It's there. Yeah. I'll co-sign that. Um, I guess I should also mention because I already mentioned the opening credits. Uh, did you? How how did you feel about those? And what do you think about Saul Bass's film title sequences, which he's famous for i mean i did like the title sequence and i do like the music but i'm not gonna lie to you jared i turned my volume down a couple a couple pegs because it was uh it was a little oppressive uh but i i liked the intro i just had to turn it down a little bit because i went wow that's loud (laughs) i said it like that too that's loud and i had to turn it down a little (laughs) so other than that good okay good good Mm -hmm. i'm glad I was so watching this movie. Uh, I need to overplay my hand here. So yeah, oh. I'm, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of North by Northwest. But this sure. watching the, this time, I was really aware of like often you watch these movies and you're not thinking too much about. I don't know. I don't find sometimes I'm just trying to get the story down. But if, if I've seen a movie a few times, I can start appreciating other elements of the production. So yeah. with this, I was really aware of the camera work because one of the things that i'm not sure exactly how true this is but supposedly alfred hitchcock had a lens that he was very fond of uh 50 millimeter lens that he would shoot like everything with but he it's also his style of how he composites things and you could really tell watching this whole movie that this is a guy who was shooting this for a big screen the only way these his movies that he imagined ever being watched properly was in theaters and so the idea that these movies might show up on TV wasn't something he was thinking about. That was more like a Stanley Kubrick thing. Uh, mm-hmm. Or even like, you know, when Spielberg started demanding that his films get letterbox releases so you could watch them in proper aspect ratio. Mm-hmm. Hitch, he Hitchcock, demanded that but, but, you, but, they did? Yeah, yeah Spielberg, uh, that was one of his things. Like he wanted his movies in letterboxed. Like, so oh. there, there'd be copies. Like you could get both. But he he wanted he was he thought it was very important that Letterbox existed back when we had CRT screens. That's my understanding. Uh, maybe that's wrong. I haven't looked into it for a long time. But Probably. I recall this. And then, but I know Kubrick. He was he started changing his aspect ratios to accommodate the fact that his movies would only ever really be seen on TV screens for the most part, which is a. Mm interesting move um mm-hmm. but hitchcock is like i'm like well fuck i'm just making movies which is um kind of what i thought of when i saw lawrence of arabia for the first time in theater and you're like holy shit <laughs> like i can't imagine like, it's absurd the difference of watching it like this you know or watching it at home obviously mm-hmm. we don't have a choice uh a lot of the time yes. we're, we're just stuck with what we got we, we live in creepsville uh mm-hmm. we, we barely have a theater screen between us uh to watch 
So watching this though, it, it's really evident like how greatly shot this is and how much it feels like a movie. It doesn't feel like you're watching a uh, gla- you know, glorified Netflix show on a movie screen. You're kind of like, well, this is fine, I guess, but it doesn't feel like it's taking full advantage of what you can do mm-hmm. with like you know depth of field and color and like putting pe- people in the frame when they're walking across the screen, they feel giant. They, 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 they feel like there's power to them. And I mean, I was really aware of that watching North by Northwest this week. So, um, Scary Grant, uh, he's wearing a giant suit. Oh, it's big. He's, he's kind of a gangly guy though, too. Like the way his body looks like he looks like his arms are big or his body is big. Well, I think, I think it was different diets back then. RJ. Uh, a lot of corn. Yeah. Uh, or not enough corn. We're not enough corn. Yeah, not enough corn in their oils and such. I don't know. But he's a he's a fit man. Um, but very like, but the suit, I think maybe that was the style at the time for it to be a little like float. Style at the time. A, a, eh? a little free flowing. I see, I see. Yeah. But we'll get there, especially when we get to that undershirt of his, like when he has his white shirt, just like the 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 flaps. They, they just run down to his knees almost. You're like, I've, you can't find a shirt like that anywhere when you're when you're clothes shopping can't but what about those yellow underpants yeah i didn't notice uh yellow underpants. you didn't notice his yellow underpants i don't think so what are you fucking nuts dude do you have a screenshot of this i could i i can get one surely i can get one but yeah whenever like when he's showering stuff he's got yellow boxers on right you see him twice when he when he pretends to shower and then you see it again when uh he goes to the hospital and they're like, ah, we got you stumped, bud. And he goes, yeah, no. When he's putting his clothes on, you see his yellow mm. boxers there too. I didn't know. I didn't notice the yellowness of them. They're yellow. A hundred percent yellow. I, I was but, more, I was more looking at the, the length of his shirt. Well, I mean, length is one thing, but yellow is another. Okay. You know what I mean? I gotcha. Uh, then we, we start getting these, um, references to, uh, Roger Thornhill's mother. Uh, yes. Yeah. Wait. Oh, okay. Oh, wait. I'll let you. I'll let you finish. But okay. uh, I, I would like to comment on this relationship a little <laughs> Man, bit. It's pretty. It's um. Well, it's kind of like the Alfred Hitchcock thing. Like, if you start like thinking about this uh, psychoanalytically, his obsession with women and a particular type of woman, blonde women, uh, correcting them, putting them in uh, weird situations, but then also the role that mothers play in like belittling their sons or like, like having, we're having this control. Cause like, mm-hmm. you know, his next movie after this is psycho. He, do you think he had a, a, a mother thing, like a problem? I'm, I'm sure that there is something there, but this one's okay. kind of, this one's kind of played for laughs and there's some good stuff there, but we'll get there. So anyway, uh, this is all about a misunderstanding as he's having his dinner with his colleagues. Um, He's he's trying to get the attention of a waiter who is calling mm-hmm. out for um what oh what's the name he gets mistaken as George uh Cahill? What's the name of the uh people the person he's mistaken for? I never actually wrote that down. Kaplan. Kaplan. George Kaplan? Kaplan. Yeah. Kaplan. So he puts his hand up just as the waiter is calling out for this because he has nothing he doesn't care about this Kaplan phone call. But mm-hmm. then we get the smash cut into the goons. Who are like, who are like, uh, who are like, Hyatt goons. Yeah, the Hyatt goons. And they're like, mm-hmm. <laughs> there he is. There's, Ka- there he is, Kaplan. Mm-hmm. Kaplan. It's a George Kaplan. Yeah. So, um, uh, so Thornhill gets up, um, mm-hmm. and is he, is he going to make a call to his mother? 
Well, yeah, so he, he, he sits down and he's just like, he's like, by gumption, I just feel awful. And the businessmen that he's there to meet, they're like, why? And he's like, well, I told my assistant to call my mother. She ain't going to be home. Now she ain't going to know that I called her. I got to send her a telegram. This is my card grant, by the way. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's like, I might, I got, might need to go, got to call her or send her a telegram. And so the guy out there, the uh, the valet guy is like, Mr. Cap or George Kaplan. But then he sticks up his hand. He's like, hey, valet. He's like, hey, bellboy, I need you to send a telegram to my mother. But then the hired goons are like, oh, he responded to the Kaplan thing. He's it's Kaplan. It's taxes. The thing with the fingers means the taxes mm-hmm. is, what, is what they say. So, yeah, it's uh, he wanted to send a telegram to his mother. He just picked unfortunate timing. Right. I believe is the moral so, of this story. And well, and at this point, he gets wrong manned. Yes. Which is one of the, the, the tropes of a Hitchcock film. Mm-hmm. Uh, where yeah, these guys think he's uh, Kaplan. He's like, I'm not a Kaplan, but that doesn't matter to and them. So they go he, classic so, Kaplan. So they, they they kidnap him uh, at gunpoint. So I but I thought that and it's, I guess the comedy here is that uh, Thornhill is like, well, I gotta just go sit down. <laughs> like you, you, you're like what, whatever you guys are doing, I'm I'm busy. And they're like, no, you're coming with us. I'm like, well, that's good, but I'm I'm gonna go sit down. I got friends. I, like they're gonna be worried about me. And they're like, oh, he's got a gun. Do you think if Carrie Grant's character had told these guys to fuck themselves, they actually would have shot him dead in this restaurant? I mean, he he did everything other than saying that because he he was basically just well. I mean, and he downplays a lot. He's like, "You're coming up." He's like, "All right." And then they got him in the car, and he's like, "He's like, not every day you get kidnapped." And he's like, "He's like, I appreciate it, boys, but see you later." And his tiger was flying. And then he does try to escape, and then they don't mo- they don't even move, and then he goes, "Damn, the door's <laughs> locked." He said, "You thought of everything." Yeah. Uh, so I, I think oh. if he did tell him to fuck off, then it could have been something different. Okay. So yeah. So we jump to the car, and he's in the middle. And at this point, I make a note mention here. I'm like, "Is Cary Grant's tan real? Because this, this guy we, is he is brassy." <laughs> we had this exact discussion in my house. Uh, Andy looked at me and said, is this, she said, is that California tan or is that uh, a machine? And I went, my thought, I was like, I think it's just California tan. Like, I think he's just a leathery old bastard who lived in California. But I, I was like, I don't know, though. It's it's hard to say. What What's your what's your thought? I think it's California tan. But Andrea wasn't convinced. Um, hmm. I should say not breast bronzy. It's a little bronzy. It's a little bronzy. I think there's some enhancement. Yeah, it could be. Could be. Maybe it's a uh, some sort of moisturizer. But I mean, I mean, a, a man of that era maybe is like, well, you don't look good if you're not tanned. Well, I mean, Cart Grant is doing everything he can to uh, uphold. Well, he's a cart. You, you, you don't bring cart. You don't put carts inside. You leave them outside. Well, uh, you, and you can't get... put can't put the cart before the horse. You know what I mean, Jarrett? No, it's true. So here I'm making a comment. I'm a note. Daylight horror. So in, oh. in daylight, mm. in broad daylight, we have a kidnapping. Yes. Because I remember, RJ, when Midsommar came out, everyone started talking about daylight horror. And everyone was talking about I, I Hitchcock. Well, this is of uh, the real deal. Because, yeah, you used to have a man who's just literally kidnapped in broad daylight. And there's nothing that can be done. And then he's brought to this mansion. Yeah. And it's just broad daylight. This whole movie is daylight horror because everything, oh. like half of it's night, half of it's day. But it's my take of daylight horror is when horror happens when it's not supposed to. 
I guess. But uh, I don't think it has to be the daylight. I hate that. I hate that expression. You love it. I know you love it. I hate it. Uh, And then we're introduced to one of my like favorite movie actor villains since I was a kid, even though it's like, I was trying to figure out like, where did I first ever encounter him as a villain as a kid? And like, I don't know what it would have been, but James Mason, I, I, I love his, like, he's just perpetually exhausted in how like banal his evil is. Yeah. Like it's almost, he's he's a nice guy, but like, he's just like, well, you know, we don't have to do something about this. Do we? Can't you just give us what we need? So it would make it a lot easier on everyone if you would just, just, what does he say, Jared? Mm-hmm. He says something quite like this. He says, it would be good for everyone to be part of the, the grayness of how I talk. It's like we have a real Englishman here. It's the... like you got a real Englishman for this movie, Jared. Mm-hmm. I will fill that hole for you. Oh, I bet you will. Don't Don't say it like that, though. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Fair. Yeah. So, um, so James Mason is, was he Van Damme? Uh, yeah, Jean Claude. Jean Claude Van Damme. Yep. Yeah, uh, we get him, and then we have our friend, uh, Mister Bea Lugosi. Yes, well. Martin Landau. Because mm-hmm. so when he, Martin Landau first comes in, I'm kind of like, well, that's an odd, like kind of odd looking guy, and then I'm like. Wait a minute. And then I, I looked it up and I went, oh, shit. That is Martin Landau. You didn't realize it was Mark? Not not immediately. I, I didn't. He was fairly young compared to my mental image of Martin Landau, watching him in, like, 70s, even 80s stuff. When you see him, mm-hmm. like, where he starts looking more like what I imagine him to look like, not young Landau. But it is, like, something of a stroke of brilliance of whoever decided, hey, this guy would make a great Bela Lugosi. Yes, because it's I like, agree. You, how do you get that from this? Even like, oh, that that I, that that type of uh, big his eyes, big brain thinking. It's his eyes, man. Like, and I know, like, I don't think Bea had blue eyes like uh, Mart does. I'm calling Mart too, by the way. You know, he's a close personal friend of mine. But um, it's funny you say that because Andrea had the same thing. She's like, she's like, who is this guy? She's like, I know him. I was like, that's Martin Lando. She's like, who? Yeah. And so I showed him, showed her a picture of old Martin Lando, and she's like, oh, that of guy. Yeah, she's like, I knew, I knew him, and I was like, those eyes, man, those those piercing piercing blues, baby. Yeah. Even if you don't know it, it's there. So he's like the lieutenant. Yeah, he he's like the capo. Yeah, yeah. he's like the Silvio. Yeah, mm. he's a sub boss. Capo ghoul. Um, compared to like the the the, the other goons. The so other goons. so they think that he's this he's a spy named Kaplan. Uh yeah. And uh, of course, this is an issue because. Uh, Roger Thornhill is not Kaplan, and nothing he can say can convince them otherwise. They're like, "Well, that's exactly what a spy who would not want us to know that he's a spy would tell us." <laughs> it's very well. They say only a sp- only a spy would say they're not a spy. Come on, yeah. So it's it's it's, it's an impossible scenario. Yes, uh, that might be solved very easily with the internet now, because you could just go, "Okay, let's take a look at this guy." Oh, hey, there he is. That's that's who his name yeah. is. How, how how long does that go back? Well, it's like, no, oh, he's been doing this for twenty years. I was like, hmm. They, yeah, I was, I was saying they thought of that because they say he's like, well, you want to see my ID? He's like, you want to see that well, uh, my that... my license? And they say, oh, we know how well that they forged that stuff. Right. Well, yeah. See, that's not good enough. But I think now it is. I mean, like, there could be a fake website, but I think it'd yeah. be like, you could probably uh, 
go on the way back machine and look at uh, the early days of uh, Roger Thornhill's uh, earlier camp ad campaigns. You can't fake that. Well, I mean, we, I, I, I Photoshop myself into like a lot of things like, you know, uh, precarious situations. Of, well, anything that Bernie was in, you know, like the Selma walks. And then I was at, uh, the creation of Mount Rushmore. I Photoshopped myself in there. Yeah. Um, I didn't realize you were Abraham Lincoln, by the way. Well, I never told a lie, Jarrett. No. We all know this. And I'm Tom Jefferson, slave owner. <laughs> I mean, you kind of look like him. You have a similar feature. Apparently. Kind of, apparently. Similar haircut, at least. <laughs> similar. Similar. No, no I don't want to say the same. I don't want to say the same. I just want to say similar. 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 Uh, so libations are had, RJ. Yes. Yes, they are. As uh, they're like, I believe it's like Martin's like, hey, uh, can I pour you a drink? And, uh, and he's not going to take no for an answer. And of course, he tries to get away, and they're like, oh, no, no, you're going to have a drink. It's okay. And then they hold him down, and we have this shot of uh, Gary Grant looking over as this like gigantic glass of bourbons being poured for him. <laughs> We're kind of like, why even waste the glass? Just like, give use the bottle. That's ex- <laughs> I thought the same thing, but then I, and then in my mind, I went, it's to show that he has to drink it all. I get it. Yeah. And it, it's uh, cinematically makes much more sense. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because because that's the line where that that's where they cut off. That's where they end that scene, and then we transition to them loading up a very intoxicated uh, Mister Thornhill into a car where they're going to set it up, where they're going to take this guy they think is this agent trying to infiltrate them, uh, because they're the baddies, um, and they're going to send him to his death uh, off an ocean cliffside. Yeah, it's just a slow drive over the the hill. Yeah. And so they kind of, yeah, and so they they get him pushed, and he's kind of moving along. And mm-hmm. uh, as he's going, he kind of comes to his uh, to his uh, senses, and we get some pro drunk driving uh, action. Which oh, uh, <laughs> we get some professional drunk driving on this. Um, I think it, it's funny too. The ease at which he pushes that guy out of the car is something to something to behold as well, because that guy just falls right out of that car, and you go, oh shit. He fell right out of there. Mm-hmm. And then we we do get uh, our buddy Cart here. Just uh, he's kind of moving his head back and forth, wide eyed. Just we Ooh. see we see acting acting. Uh, I, I liked his drunk driving, though. Mm-hmm. I thought it was funny. You yeah. Know? Yeah. We get some hijinks. We get like a, yep. a chase where a man's not even aware that he's being chased. He's just kind of like staying on the road as best he can. Yeah. Uh, and then he winds up uh, with his antics. He gets the attention of a police officer. And with the appearance of the police, this, of course, uh, has it so that the um, James Mason's men, Van Damme's men, can no longer follow uh, and make it a nice, clean kill. So he gets taken into custody for drunk driving. Uh, mm-hmm. we, we get we get his defense of two men poured a ball of bourbon into me. And they're like, yeah, yeah, we've heard that one before. They say, we all been there, chief. It's not a good yeah. enough excuse. That's right. Cary uh, Grant's lawyer here is played by Maxwell Smart's chief from the hit 60s television show Get Smart. I don't know if you uh, knew that. Uh, I, I know Steve Carell. Is that okay. who you're talking about? Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. And then we yeah. uh, are introduced to Mrs. Thornhill, um, his mother. Yes. And, and she's she's a real ball buster. Well, I find their relationship strange. 
Uh, I like that she kind of ri- like rips him because it's funny. She's just like, ah, you little, you little, you little wiener. And she, you know, like, he'll be like, these men are trying to kill me. And she's like, is that so? Yeah. <laughs> and you're just like, oh, that's fun. You but, and your flights of fancy, Roger. Mm-hmm. The only thing that's strange to me, though, is um, they're kind of overall like, uh, like 100%. He's older than she is. They're all their overall relationship together is strange because I think he's older than she is. And then they're very casual where he's just like, he's like, mom, go, go ask the guy for the key. And it's like, I don't want to do that. And he's like, here's $10. And it's like, I don't want to do it. silly. And he's like, here's $50. Go ask for the key. And she's like, okay. And she's like, it almost should have just been his secretary. Like they introduced her and then she never came back. You know what I mean? Well, okay. Just so you're aware, uh, there is a, she is eight years older than Cary Grant. Ah, but does he not look old? Like, does he not look older than her? It looks like it doesn't look like she could nah, be his mother. Well, maybe not. Is my mother, thing, but yeah, I don't know. They didn't like make her super old or anything like that, which is fine. Yeah, she takes care of herself, and maybe uh, Roger Thornhill. I mean, he's, he's drinking one too many bourbons. Well, too many bourbons hey, there in those, the afternoon. I've, I've, hey, I've seen Mad Men. I know how they carried on. You ever uh, eat a ton of oysters? And then climb up all the hundreds, hundred stairs. No, no, that happened in Mad Men once. It did. It's an episode I saw. Yeah, yeah. It's an episode I saw one time. One time. So um, one little clue leads to the next, and mm-hmm. soon enough, so Thornhill just like he pays his fine for drunk driving, and it's like enough of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's a, a, a thread they pick up where there is a, um, the, the guy he's being mistaken for, uh, is at a hotel. Mm-hmm. And so he goes to well, check it out. Let's, let's get to the bottom of this and see why, who this guy is. And of course, mm-hmm. uh, it, this just keeps adding more and more to like why bad people would think that, uh, that he is who he is. Cause he's like, so you're in your hotel room under this name of Kaplan and you think that you're we're, we're supposed to believe that you're not him. I mean, to be honest, <laughs> like it, it's though, fun. It's funny though. Right. Yeah. Like it's just like, it looks everything, everything he does digs himself deeper into the hole. He makes, he makes every wrong decision, right? Everything he does is the wrong thing. And he's bringing his, and he's bringing his mom along for the ride. Yeah. He's uh, getting her. Involved. I think there's the, the one bit that is funny is uh, where he's bribing his own mother to go like, um, sweet talk their way to get the key to the room. And he's mm. like, go over there and tell him. He's like, well, I'm not going to do that. $10. And she's like, oh, what do you think? You think you pay me $50? And then she's like, looks at it. There's that little moment of, burr, burr. and then she takes the money and goes and does it. Cause Would you do it for $50? Every, every man's got a price, RJ. What's your price? Money, 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 money. Yeah, but how much money? To, go, to what? To commit a capital crime like lying to a hotel desk clerk? Is that a capital crime? Yeah, you get you'll get the chair for that in New York. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Don't don't don't. It's a very serious business. Really? Yeah. No. Really? So, so, so the bad guys, yes, the, the baddies, they make a phone call up to the room, and he answers it. He's like, "No, this is Thornhill." It's like, right? You answer the phone of a guy named Kaplan, and you're telling me I'm you're not Kaplan. Oh, right, mm-hmm. dude. And they're like, eh, "They're coming to get us." And so they mm-hmm. they, they slowly kind of like get to the elevator, which is exactly how they'd be coming up. 
and they yes. get off, they see them, they follow them right into the next elevator, and so you get the moment of them standing in the elevator, and then the mom turns over, you're not really trying to kill my son, are you? And then everybody has a big laugh. <laughs> <laughs> she, she said what we were all thinking. She, she, she said what we were all thinking, Jared. Yeah. Do, do you know what I mean? Yeah. The absurdity of the situation. And it we is. were all thinking it, and she said it. So, uh, what's their next stop? Why? Well, I sorry, I just skipped one. They actually do also before they went to the hotel. They went back to the mansion that they were uh, that he said this is where Townsend lives. Mm. And of course, everyone's acting like, "Oh, you got so drunk last night. Oh, we were so worried about you." Did you, you. make it home okay? And he's like, "No, I." He's like, "What are you talking about?" Of course, I'm not. I'm not. I'm, of course, everyone's talking, calling him Thornhill, and it's like, you, you said to this me, oh, no, no, that didn't happen. Everyone's like, yeah, sure, pal, sure, this is what happened. This woman's so nice and so kind. And, of course, we see one of the goons is the gardener, just so the audience doesn't get confused. Yeah, yeah, and it's just like, well, they don't want an unreliable narrator. That's here. right. That, they, about that? they don't want to play that game. They don't want to play that game. So, back to the United Nations, which... I don't know. It's it's kind of a novel to be like, oh, people. This is probably back when people really were into the United Nations a bit more than they are now. Yeah. But, uh, but I think that their stock has definitely fallen since uh, this time. Or in uh, its other like serial numbers filed off version that we see in Batman the movie. Which one? Uh, the Adam West one, where we have uh, dignitaries that were turned into colored powder with a ray gun and then vacuumed up. Okay. Yeah, I I mean, who hasn't been there, though? Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. We've all been there. So, Come on. Thornhill's at the United Nations, and he finds Mr. Townsend. But this Townsend's not the same guy that was saying he was Townsend the day before. Because we, as we learn later, it's Van Damme, but I've already mentioned that part. Uh, mm. So they're having a, a discussion kind of argument back and forth. Uh, and just before he can find out the truth, uh, one of the goons, he throws a knife <laughs> from across the room, stabbing Mr. Townsend in the back. He falls over. And, of course, what do you do when you're holding up a man and you've been, like, being kind of falsely accused of things and whatnot? Well, you're like, well, there's a knife in this guy's back. I better grab it. And then this guy never took first aid or anything because you're not supposed to take things out because they can actually cause the bleeding to get worse. And there he is holding the knife. And I was like, he did. He's like, no, I didn't. It's like, That's what I mean. He He makes every wrong decision. If he had just, like took a step back and went, whoa, this guy got a knife in his back. Everyone got to help him. He would have been completely absolved. Absolved. Um, it is like, but I think it's a really cool scene though. Like it really, oh, it, is. it, it yeah, creates like it the is. tension really well. Cause he's totally surrounded by people. And then he has to like start using the knife. To like, stay back. Stay back. <laughs> I, I love that picture that I oh. sent you of where it, it comes up later in the train station. But that pic, the picture that they take of him, he's like, Oh, he's got the knife like oh, right well, up there. And then there's diplomat slain at UN, the, <laughs> the newspaper. Yeah. yeah. Just <laughs> the same picture. It's like, it's good. That, that's just uh, Cary Grant. I thought. Mm. They got that. That was that was off panel. Right. He was uh, infamous. When not when not dude. when not killing people. When not killing people, he spent his spare time killing oh. people. Right. If that makes sense. And then we get some patented Alfred Hitchcock exposition. Where we, we, uh, we get a little 
So we cut to this room of characters we've never met before, never seen them, and they're all like reading the newspaper, and they're like, oh, wow, what a dilly of a pickle uh, that guy (laughs) finds himself in that we've created, because we are the architects of creating this fictional uh, spy named Kaplan that because we need to, we're trying to infiltrate this group and we needed to create a double or a, an extra layer of protection of an agent because we actually have a real agent that's in and we don't we want to throw off the scent on that agent so we created mm. this fictional one we created this whole background that this guy just happened to fall ass backwards into and they're like well what are we going to do about it and it's like well that's his problem mm-hmm. and they're like it sounds like a personal problem mm-hmm. you ask them uh, and you could then they're like, what can we do to help him? It's like, and I think it's like, well, that sounds very, very callous. He's like, no, we're not being callous. You didn't think they were? Well, that's what they said. Oh. I, 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 I thought it was uh, funny, though. Because eventually they, yeah. have, they have to explain these things. And I guess here's the scene where you're like, oh, hey, just so you're, you, the audience, are in the know, here's what's happening. So just because we know you're not the brightest out there. In, mm-hmm. in the audience, so we're just going to lay it out for you, so you know what's going to come about later. Because some of these characters are going to show up, and you'll be like, "Oh, that's the professor. That's the, he's the guy. He's he's the one. The, the thing with the fingers and his taxes with the glasses. With the glasses. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, I follow. Yeah. So our our man, our boy, uh, Cary Grant Cart, he's on the run again. Again. Um. And so there's a scene where he's like getting onto a train car without paying. Yep. And it's yep. like, he's, it's like he's stealing movies on the internet, RJ. Hey, you wouldn't steal a car, would you? Mm-hmm. You can't steal a, mo- uh, a train seat. You, you wouldn't board a train. You wouldn't board a train without paying, would you? That's right. You know, I actually got ticketed for something like that once. Oh. I was taking the train in Calgary, and I'm not even lying. I, and this is going to sound dumb, but I didn't realize that you had to buy the ticket first. I went down to the platform. I was like, where are the tickets at? And then a, a guy came. He's like, where's your ticket? I was like, I don't got one. I was was looking. He's like, nah, it's not a good enough excuse. He, he wrote me a $100 ticket. And I went, holy fuck. Did you take it and throw it in the garbage? I wrote a uh, a letter to uh, the uh, Calgary, uh, whatever it was, the Metro or whatever. And I was just like, I was like, I didn't know. And I'm sorry. Do I really have to pay this ticket? And then they never replied. So I did have to pay the ticket. Oh, yeah. So it uh, it happens. But I, I genuinely didn't know. I was just like, there was no barrier to stop me. Like, it wasn't like you had to scan a ticket to get in. Or there was a guy that was just like, hey, you can't come past here. It was just like, come on in, everyone. And I was like, all right, great. And then they're like, hey, you can't be here. And I went, what? So I feel it. But he, he there was a guy trying to take tickets. He just chose not to listen. What a, look at this scoff law I'm doing this podcast with. Hey, I paid the ticket. I paid my yeah. due. So, yeah, uh, yeah. Only after you got caught, I didn't realize I was doing anything wrong. Mm-hmm. That was the big. That was the biggest issue. Mm-hmm. I didn't know. So, to say. back to the movie. Yeah. So he's trying to like hide out on the train, trying to mm-hmm. uh, squirrel away. Um, mm-hmm. But then there's there's this there's this suddenly uh, striking blonde woman who, for some reason, decides to assist this man. Mm. This this stranger because she maybe likes what she sees. She's a little overly friendly. Oh yeah, as as will be discussed at their uh, dinner. 
Yeah. A uh, bit overly friendly. Yeah. So so he's on the train. Uh, there's this one shot that they kind of go back to a few times, but it's kind of like an outdoor shot from outside of the train. And it's just the, it's just the train kind of going through this, like, alongside this lake or river. And it's yeah. like kind of looking out at the mountains. It is, like, a really nice-looking shot that it seems so uncharacteristic for an Alfred Hitchcock movie. It doesn't look like anything in the rest of the movie because it's very naturalistic. But you don't like... Uh... You don't like um, nature shots? No, I like it. No, I said he don't like nature shots? I, just, I don't know. It just doesn't seem like it fits his uh, big movie st- uh, staging. I see what you mean. Oh, and there is like some actually really awesome shots that I should have mentioned too when he's escaping the UN. Like that overhead shot. Because they couldn't mm. act. It was, I think, illegal to shoot things, like to shoot the UN or to shoot around it or in it. So they had to like create it all from scratch, which is which they had to do with Rushmore as well. But you get, you get these like really great overhead shots of like, you know, the world caving in on a man who's on the run and he's just a small figure in a big picture of things. Symbolic, RJ. Symbolic. What's it symbolic of? I, I don't know of what I just said. But what is it really? What's the metaphor? Uh, that Cart Grant is a bronze god. Well, but you said it was, he seemed like it was juked, like it wasn't really him. Wow, that's that's the lie. Maybe it's a, at the end at the end of the day, it's all a lie. That's the lie? No. But hey, how about uh, that shot of Cary Grant coming out of the toilet? Because he's hiding, because he's, he's, he's trying to be like you. What but do you mean he's trying to be? I've never not, hid in the toilet. He doesn't want to get caught uh, for not paying the ticket price. Well, I didn't hide though. I just didn't know I did anything wrong. Uh, Wait, huge, huge difference, yeah. huge difference. So, so he's t- he ducks the train conductor, and I have to wonder, like, do do you think like on trains that exist, do they still do this? Where they go ticket, please? And do you think it's for purely like um, aesthetics of like, well, you know, I'm on a train. It would be very nice, just like in the movies, if the train conductor person or whoever would like go around. I guess the train conductor is driving the train, but one of the train people <laughs> would like ask me for my ticket. And do you think if they said, if I said, I can't find my ticket, they go, oh, well, you're going to give you the bum's rush up the caboose and off these three with the back of a train? I think so, yeah. That'd be cool. I think uh, I think it'd be within their right to do it as well. So <laughs> we get uh, Cary Grant ends up going on a, a, a an impromptu dinner date with um, this blonde woman. She encouraged it, right? Oh, because she was like, well, I told him to actually seat you when you came by. Yeah, and he goes, he, he goes, he says, hey, how how forward are you for a dame? Mm-hmm. You, you can't be doing these kinds of things. I'm I'm Jimmy Stewart. Eve. And this is the character's name is Eve Kendall, played by Eva Marie Saint. Mm-hmm. And, of course, uh, what is it that Cary Grant says? Women frighten me. I fear I might have to start making love to them. No, well, yeah, he says something about like he's like I'm afraid to. I, I have a couple pictures of um, screenshots here. with with uh, subtitles. There's a couple. Well, actually, no, I didn't have the subtitles, but I have pictures of the dialogue. I know that sounds weird, but I'll explain later. Um, uh, but there was um, there was one thing where she said something like. Um, no, he goes, I, I'm afraid to talk to women because if I start talking, then I, I can't help but, like, sleep with these women. And, mm-hmm. and then she says something basically like, that's why we're talking. Where 
he basically yeah he's basically like i can't help myself i'm going to put myself onto these women and she's like i'm here for a baby into these women yeah which is like which is how the movie ends by the way it is it is and here's another one i i can't remember where this happened but uh eve says i'm a big girl and he says yeah and in all the right places too Mm -hmm. joe biden style about those tits he says, "Yeah, you sure have developed." And then you so, go, what? I had a note here about Carrie Blunt blurting out, "Whoops!" <laughs> like, what was that though? I I remember that too. He, Whoops! Yeah. And you go, you're like, "What?" <laughs> I can't remember where it is either, but it is a strange one. Whoops! You go, huh? Weird. Very weird. Uh, so when did so? I mean, obviously we've seen this movie before, but yeah. I mean, at what point do you think you would have realized watching it the first time? You're like, oh, she's the undercover spy. I mean, pretty much as soon as she starts, she's just like, I don't know you, but get naked. And I'm like, ah. said so that seems a little suspicious. Yeah. That's what it was for me. A little bit. A little bit. Where where uh, he's up in the thing and she's like, well, I'm here to join you. And I was oh, like. Yeah. I was like, no one would do that. That's I, I believe so uh, w- William Friedkin described the dialogue of that whole exchange in the dining car. The sexiest dialogue I've ever seen in a film. No. Okay. Just no. This is one man's opinion, RJ. It's one <laughs> man's opinion. Just no. That's what I want to say. Yeah. Um, and then, so they have to get off the train. Uh, I guess they like beat up a one of the employees and take his outfit but they also give him money so it's not totally it's only half a crime i guess would you get paid to be beat up i mean what are we, what are we talking about here i don't, you like, don't know no i wouldn't i wouldn't want to because it hurt i don't yeah. want I, I don't like pain rj well exactly so would, would it be worth it for this guy like he he got money but, but, he, then, got, but then, he, he got beat I, up i mean though. you think that the other part of it would be that like you don't tell them what happened I know, but it, say like, say one day you just woke up and you're like, oh my God, and you're like, I just got beat up real mm. bad. And you're like, but here's 20 bucks. Do you think it would be worth it? No. Yeah. 20 bucks. Well, how much do you think they gave him? Probably 20 bucks. That's, he's, that's he's 1959 dish- money. Yeah. But he's he's dishing out money left and right. He's he's tipping bell bellman when he's not even like the, the guest in the hotel room. He's de- he's fucking tossing money all over the place. He's because he's a madman. I guess. Uh, yes. Then we get uh, part of his disguise after he dumps his outfit. Uh, we get to see him hiding behind some shaving cream, and we get the hilarity of a man shaving with a woman's razor. And <laughs> <laughs> my notes here was. <laughs> I was more. I didn't realize it was a woman's razor. I just well, thought it was. I think. I guess like back then you're supposed to be using. Razor. I guess, but I guess it's like. Uh, but I, I think that maybe that like every men just had straight razors back then, and then the idea that you have like a smaller one. But it's like a lot of men's razors look exactly like that. That's kind of part of the scam nowadays, of like uh, the markup depending on. Uh, I guess however you identify, uh, your pure your. Uh, Bathroom supplies cost less or more than another person's, even though they're the same. They're just different color. Really? No. Are you kidding me? No. I do. I'm I'm kidding. Well, actually, I I do know that women's stuff is very expensive yeah. compared to men's, and probably not, not not 
Not rightfully so. Not rightfully so. So uh, my notes here get a little sloppy. I guess I'm missing that there's a transition point for when they get. So now they're in Chicago. After they leave the, after yeah. they leave the train? Yeah, they leave the train, and I believe they're in Chicago. Uh, I think they go to a hotel, and they get a new lead. And this is also, a, I think, a point where I think Cary Grant's getting a little suspicious. But I think that might happen after the the cornfield scene. So mm. he, there's a phone call that she gets where she's told, telling uh, Thornhill where to go to mm-hmm. find uh, Kaplan or find out what's happening with Kaplan. But it turns out it's Martin Landau on the other end of the phone. And he goes off. He catches a bus to the middle of nowhere. I think what happens too is like at some point it's either this one or the second time they actually part ways, but then he finds her again at the hotel. Is that the second time? I th- yeah, maybe can't remember but exactly, yeah. but so we get to the, the scene in the middle of nowhere, which it's kind of like one of those incredibly iconic scenes in like all of like American filmmaking, I guess like, it's I, the shower scene with the knife, right? Yeah. It's right up there. Like it's yeah. another one of those like, big scenes that you've probably seen because of references to animation over and over and over again. Yeah. But it is like a really fascinating scene because I like the slow build. Yeah. Well, it's completely silent. There's no, there's no Bernard Turman music and it's just uh Cary Grant standing in the middle of nowhere. And it's like, it's, it's daylight RJ. And uh, mm-hmm. we have, we have all these cars ripping by. So it's all like using sound design of just cars driving and him getting blasted by uh you know, you know, empty of no middle of nowhere dust and he's just like scrunching up as the, these vehicles blast by him he's just waiting 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 and then a car comes around the corner and drops the guy off and it drives away and then we have this like really amazing shot of just like two men standing like full body across the road from one another and you're like thinking was well, this the guy he's been waiting for is this his meetup and he goes and talks to him he's just this plain guy waiting to catch the bus mm-hmm. and then then we get this observation huh well, i don't know why that that uh Crop dusters dusting over there. There ain't no corn. Well, there ain't see, no, ain't see no you, crop over there. See you later. That's and a, then of course it goes back. To, yeah, goes back to Cary Grant just standing waiting. And then you see the the, the, the crop duster kind of take this turn and mm-hmm. it starts going toward him. And then we have this buildup of like Cary Grant's face, I'm like, huh? And then he's like, oh shit! <laughs> and then we have the entire the, the entire sequence of him fleeing from an aerial assault where apparently he's also being shot at with like, mm-hmm. like, like I don't know what, what caliber of bullets, but I don't know which crop duster has a, a, a machine tour it, uh, on the other end of it, but I like it. Well, this one did. This one did hundred yeah. percent. So this, this yeah. So this scene is amazing. Uh, yep. and then it builds up. So he's trying to duck out. You think, Oh, he's going to get into the cornfield. The guy can't see him. Well, I can start dusting him and, and smoke him out. And he mm-hmm. does, and he makes one big last run. He sees this like big like uh, oil tanker driving by, and he yep. stands in front of it, waves it down, and he's not going to move because he's got to make it stop. And then just as it's about to drive him over, it comes to just a stop as he has to go flat down. And then the, then the crop duster just smashes into the side of the oil tanker. And it's like, whoa. And these guys are like, you got to get out of here and run. It's going <laughs> to blow. And then we get Cary Grant. With the like most slow stumbling walk away from this burning oil tanker that's going to go. He's tired. He's very tired. In real life. And then we see, then we have the other cross guy. He's like, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, you see he's holding back. 
after blasting off earlier. Just mm. getting wherever he needs to. Great stuff. Great, great stuff. Uh, and then uh, he steals one of the um, the locals' trucks, gets back to Chicago, and, of course, he's like, he's thinking about this whole thing. It's like, wait a minute. How did mm-hmm. she – she was on the phone, and she got these directions to go here. But why would she send me to the middle of nowhere? And, of course, like, he's surprised to see her. Of course, he's like – he's, he's kind of a little pissed off. But then she like like immediately runs to him and throws herself into him, and he's like, "What's going on here? What was going on there?" Well, dude? because she's a double agent. Uh, that's, that's the big reveal. It's like just on the tip of her tongues, and mm-hmm. uh, and soon enough, so Cary Grant pretends to go have a shower while whistling uh, "Singing in the Rain," mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then we get we get that long shirt. Uh, and and yellow, the yellow, yellow, yellow boxers. boxers. Yeah. If you, I'm surprised you didn't notice that. I, I, I mean, I, it was I, all I both the long shirt. wear underwear, so right. That that could, maybe you just had, yeah blinders to it. Always, I guess. Nude, always nude, always nude. Yeah. So uh, Cary Grant kind of uh, heads down and finds Eve dining and hanging out with Mr. James Mason, Jean Claude, Jean Claude. And he's yeah. like, well, isn't this a scene fit for the char- for, or something out of Charles Adams, referencing the Adams family? I thought he meant Ansel Adams. Ansel Adams. Maybe her, too. Are they the same? Or him. Is he the same? I don't know. Um, something. So anyway, so, man, Carrie is pissed. Mm-hmm. So, he is so mad. And like, there's nothing, and it's one of those again. Uh, there were scenes where every, there's like, like everybody's around, so you can't do anything particularly at the auction at house. At the auction house, yeah, you can't, yep. you can't do anything. But everyone's just like playing their cards out and just seething. He really lays into her too. He's oh, like, "Look yeah. at this little whore," <laughs> and he's like, "I bet she beds everyone." Yeah, well, well, some like, real uh, Walter Sobchak. Yeah, and she's just crying, and he's like, "He's like, she cried for you too. She cried for me." And then he's just like, "Oh my god, he's a uh, he's pretty vicious in that scene, Jared." He's he's like, "Who wouldn't she yeah. go? He's get naked for." Yeah, he's a little bitter. He's like, "Yeah, he's he's something, all right." No. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So of course the uh, the strategy here is just like, well, we're gonna leave, and uh, my goons are gonna wait mm-hmm. uh, and, and grab you, and we're gonna finish the job. Uh, Cary Grant does some uh, some quick improvising, and he mm-hmm. starts uh, doing a little bit of, co- of a comedy shtick to get the attention of the auction house without saying that he's in danger, but just acting like he's a, a an asshole. And starts doing mm-hmm. fake bids, starts calling things fake, uh, rousing the stiffs, which I'm sure um, Hitchcock was very amused by because I'm sure he's gone to a number of auction bidding things and he thought they were very stupid. Um, yeah. So, and wanted to t- act out at yes, and so he's like, "Well, I can get Cary Grant to do it. He's my, he's my avatar. So Cart is going to be my guy. That's right. This is how Hitch talks precisely. So uh, then we get a little bit of Cary Grant beating a guy up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he just starts hammering him, doing some gut gut shots, and he even yeah he pauses for a second. And he goes, "I'm so sorry," and then uh, he, he punches him again. And you're like, "Is Cary Grant that tough?" I don't think so. So also at this, so two things happen at this scene. Uh, the professor 
the guy we saw in yeah. the exposition scene, he's there. And also this is when um, Van Damme acquires the, the little statue that's got microfiche in it that he's going to be shipping off to the enemy, of which we just know it's like it's like the Russians, I guess, without saying it. They talk about this Cold War. Hmm. Was it the Russians, you think? Probably. East Germans. Hmm. It's, the com- it's, like, it's the commies. The out. communists. Mm-hmm. They believe in nothing. Yeah. Like those kinds. Uh, there's a comment here about importer-exporters, which just made me think of Seinfeld. Mm-hmm. Matches. Really long yeah. matches. And so, yeah, the professor... So, Cary Grant gets arrested by the cops, but then they make a phone call, and then they... Obviously, the professor was making a phone call, and... Cary Grant is redirected to the airport where he meets up with the professor and being like, Hey buddy, you got to go to Mount Rushmore. Yeah. It's a strange, like, uh, you, you gotta like, go to, you gotta go to, uh, was it rapid city, South Dakota, rapid city. And then it's like, and then after that, you got to go to the grand Canyon and then the Eiffel tower and then the pyramids. I said, <laughs> we're going to see them all chief. Yeah. And they just abandoned the whole plot. Yeah, they do. And then it's uh, it's Cart Grant uh, just touring the world. And he says, wow, the coral reef is it's pretty coral. Yeah. And you go, okay. So uh, we get the scene at the uh, at the foot of Mount Rushmore. Uh, it, it actually it, it feels a lot like a, something out of Banff or something like that, or these uh, kind yeah, of sure. mountainous resort places, really high ceilings, lots of glass. Everyone's eating. Yeah. Uh, Cary Grant shows up ball still acting real bitter to Eve, uh, mm-hmm. antagonizing her, saying, oh, I'll give you what you want, but I want the girl. And he's I, like, what do you want the girl for? I want to make a pay. Yeah. And, you go, and, and James Mason's a little like, oh, uh, what? And it's like, but he's like, he, he uh, she means a little bit something to him still, even though she's uh, been uh, schlepping this guy, this Cary Grant guy. And James Mason doesn't know how he feels about that, but he still likes her. Yeah. So uh, there's a confrontation, and it appears that Eve shoots and kills Cary Grant and runs off. And they're like, we can't we got so this creates a diversion, I suppose. Where now they assume that Thornhill's dead, and the, and the Eve has done it, and so she's on the run. She has motivation to continue on with the, the baddies, but she was using a gun that shoots blanks, blanks, and Cary Grant's not dead at all. What? Yeah. So there's a, a bit of a plot, another exchange in the woods, uh, kind of in the wooded area. A park ranger punches out uh, Cary Grant because he won't let her go and do this. And then uh, we get the kind of like the final whole sequence of this movie, which is this mansion that doesn't exist that's kind of just behind Mount Rushmore. And where we have Martin Lando's character, who's who's figured out that Eve is in fact not all she claims. She has a gun that shoots blanks, and that uh, Thornhill's not really dead. And James Mason's uh, there's that awesome shot where the camera starts going up and above, saying, "You know, we'll resolve this over the ocean." <laughs> uh, in terms of uh, fi- figuring things out with her going how out, would the, you, how, going how out, would you uh, resolve that going, situation? Going here? out the plane. <laughs> It's so good. It's it's so well done because the camera mm-hmm. just goes up, <laughs> suggesting someone's going to get dropped down. Uh, Said, so, yeah, we're going to throw her out the plane, and yeah. they go with the what? They're they're very charming and callous, horrible villains, but charming. Yes. And then we get much. we get the hard charging Herman Bernard uh, Bernard Herman score coming in here of uh, Grant on the rescue mission, and because now he's like, I think there's like also the scene of the hospital that he runs through the window. 
Uh, yeah, that's where you see his um, yellow underpants again. I see. Right, right. Yeah. So uh, one of the fun bits here is uh, he, he's now in like no tie time. He has no he has no uh, jacket on and no tie. He's just like shirtless and rugged man, so he can like climb better. And it's like because he's a changed man. Because he learned back um, from the professor that she was a double agent. He's like, oh, my God, I've exposed her. I feel so bad. I, I, I got the, It hits me in the feels. I got to assist her. But now he's like, oh, I'm going to go mm. save her because I think it's really dangerous for her to go on with this. And I love her, God damn it. Is that what he said, too? I think so. Uh, but there's like a point where this music reminds me so much of a Philip Glass score. Um, there's kind of like minimalist building that goes on. Then it gets a little bit more operatic again, but there's like a Philip Glassness to it that I thought was like really nice. Are you talking about the one that's like, boom, but don't, but don't, boom. That one that kind of exactly. builds to it. An importer, yeah. exporter. Yeah. Yes, I see. I see. Yeah. And so we get the whole thing where he throws a matchbook down into the living room to say that the, don't go with them. I'm upstairs and her finding it. It's it's really well acted, actually. Like, her reaction mm. and, like, her startledness of, like, oh, i got to hide this. I think it's really well done. She goes up, but she's like, well, I have to keep going with this. Um, and then the when Thornhill goes to save the day, the housekeeper's there holding him there with a gun until he realizes, wait a minute, that's the fake gun. <laughs> I, can just, I can just get up and leave, and who cares? Because mm-hmm. uh, there's all this tension because she knows she's going to get killed. And you know James Mason and Martin Lando. They're going to make sure that she gets on that goddamn plane. And they're mm-hmm. walking along. Super great. And then Thornhill grabs. I was going to say, I think the big thing there is that um, that housemaid was a real ride or die because she actually tries to shoot yeah. him. And, like, I know, like, threatening is one thing. But, like, she tries to shoot that gun a couple times. So that lady was a she was a ride or die. Mm-hmm. She went for it, man. She tried mm-hmm. to kill a guy. She did. Well, yeah. uh, he gets away. He gets the car. Mm-hmm. Um, he rides up, saves her, and then they start following after him. Uh, they have to stop the car at the gates as the, the goons start showing up. And then this is when we get to the big set piece of them kind of scampering over the the Mount Rushmore of, of all fame. Because uh, apparently the whole movie started with the idea that Alfred Hitchcock wanted to make a movie about a, a man going into uh, Abraham Lincoln's nose or something like that. Something like that. Something like that. And so you, that never happens in the film. So that's a big failure. That's a one out of one out of five, Al. I think it happens in Richie Rich, the movie. Yeah. I think that has a scene in Mount Rushmore, too. And I think someone might go in the, in the nose on that one. That's a little wink to the master. The guy who made Richie Rich? Yep. Well, I think Richie Rich came out before North by Northwest. Okay. You might be right. So I think, yeah. So um, antics, people falling to their deaths. Uh, some some very cool looking uh, people falling to their death scenes. Yes. Yeah. There's uh, there's some good ones. Almost RoboCop-esque. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, uh... almost, almost as good as Claymation guy. Almost. Almost. Uh, there is like the, probably like the scene that is like really well done is uh, Cary Grant as he's like holding up um, uh, Eva uh, up, up off the cliff. And he like looks over at Martin Landau and he goes like, help me. And then he starts walking over and you're like, oh, maybe he's going to help. No, he's going to step on his hand. <laughs> But it's, uh, I thought it was pretty good. Mm. It, it, it really sells the uh, um, the direness of the situation. It does, but I also, like, when he was saying help me, I was also kind of like, he's been trying to kill you for, like, 
But maybe three just, weeks. But he's so desperate that he's even classing yeah. for the guy who's trying to kill them for help. Maybe speaking to his humanity in that moment. But no, because he almost because and I think Landau's body language sells that he mm. might come over there to help. But then you realize with the camera work, uh oh. <laughs> no, it's no, he's not. So why are they only showing his fingers? Yeah. Why are they showing that shoe? And that guy's shoe, and then yeah, and it's all it's so well done. And then of course um, the the cavalry shows up. They've got James Mason in hand. They shoot Landau dead, who like keels ter- over weirdly with his shoe. Uh, and then mm-hmm. James Mason's like, not very sporting using a gun. <laughs> I yeah, what, what is that supposed to mean? I don't know. Like he wanted him to like. Kill them first, and then like you should go. You should have gone down there and taken care of it. Shoot, yeah. Shooting from up here—that's not very. It's not very brave. He's—he's mm. he's an asshole. And that's why James Mason's great. I see. And then of course you're like, oh no, are they? Are they going to be able to save her? She's like, I can't hold on. Grab onto my hand, and then it cuts to them in the back of back in the train as she jumps up into the um, the bunk bed, and then a train goes into a tunnel because. That's symbolic, RJ, of Cary Grant's penis. <laughs> Which penis? Uh, his middle penis. What? His 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 middle penis, not his top or bottom, but his middle penis. His middle penis? Yeah, going into Eva Marie Saint, and uh, that's that's how it goes out. <sighs> I feel like that can't be how that ends. That is literally how it ends with the end. <laughs> It's pretty abrupt too, hey. Yeah, it's just like, oh yeah, hey, we've run, we've overstayed our welcome. This movie's two hours and fifteen minutes, and it just ends, done. And it's a hard cut porn happened. Yeah, Boop. I do believe that is like that's the, I think Howard Hitchcock said. I think that's the most explicit thing I've ever shot. <laughs> he said it. The train is symbolic as he, as he tr- for a penis. As he penis. <laughs> yeah, he is an old pervert, but who isn't, right? Who isn't? Know what I mean? Yeah, Burn. so this yeah this movie's sweet. It's a, uh, it's, a, it's a lot of fun. Um, I don't know if there's any great meaning to this movie. I see uh, sure. on Wikipedia uh, there there probably is themes and motifs, which just seem like they're more in line with like his own like filmmaking mm. uh, techniques. Which I I mean I don't know. It's just yeah I call them motifs I suppose. But it's like man on the run. There's a MacGuffin. Um, What's a who's a MacGuffin? The the, the microfiche, because it doesn't matter. All that stuff doesn't Red matter. Red herrings. Red herrings. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's um, much in the way of moral relativism here in the movie. It seems uh, pretty one sided. I think the thing is, do whatever you feel and hope for the best, because that's pretty much what he does well, in this movie. So, no? so here's what Hitchcock had to say about that final scene. Uh, Hitchcock called it a phallic symbol, probably one of the most impudent shots I ever made. What? Okay, whatever. That's that's his that's his style, man. Uh, and of course, this some people some say that this is the first James Bond film in a lot of ways. No, I disagree. <laughs> I disagree. He's completely like inept at everything he does. He's not good at anything. Right. James Bond is good at everything. That's like his yeah, whole shtick. Yeah, but he kind of like, he's afraid to talk to women because he'll just make love to them. Oh, uh, and they've developed in all the right places. Is that uh, mm-hmm. is that another thing that he says? But I'd say that there's like a lot of similarities, though. The, the, the I mean, 
kind of different, scheme, di- yes. different locales. Go- yeah, it's just goons, he is James Bondish. People what getting I mean. dr- getting drugged, drinking, and yep. big set pieces. No, I I think like the story is Bondish. Yeah. yeah. I just think that Cart Grant isn't a Bond type. Not to me. Not in this, at least. And and not a single ha- scene happens that is north by northwest. <laughs> there is, in the airport, there's a sign that says northwest. That is it. Yeah, yeah. it is. Uh, we go to North or South Dakota. South Dakota, that one. Yeah. But it's a good yeah. title. Uh, yeah. I mean. Memorable. A lot of people are into that. Uh, yeah, so yeah, I, I think this movie is like, I don't know, it's a, it's an action comedy movie, uh, and I think people have been doing this sort of thing for a long, long time. Hell, even our friend Tony Scott probably was uh, thinking about that movie here when making Enemy of the State. Was that in Borkshinton? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Bork, Borkshire? Borkshire. Borkshire. Uh... What were you talking about? RJ, what do you think of North by Northwest? Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty good show. It's a pretty good show, Jared. Uh, I like North by Northwest. It's got some good hitch stuff in there. It's got some classic hitch stuff in there. I don't much care for Cary Grant. And I think that's been well established on the show. He he talks weird. <laughs> Not as bad in this one as in other movies. Um, this one's a, a little bit more tolerable, but... Um, I don't like how he talks a little bit. And his biggest problem is he doesn't know what to do with his hands, Jarrett. Did you notice his hands in this film? I didn't really notice them until you uh, brought sent it up. me the screenshots of his clutchy hands. Partic- his... So one thing um, we haven't mentioned, because I was going to mention it this time out with uh, Cary Grant. So there's been a lot of like discussion over the years of the uh, what preferences Cary Grant had uh, sexually, because so he was he was married to a number of women over time, and then like as he got older and older, he kept marrying younger and younger. But back mm-hmm. in his salad days, back in the 30s, him mm-hmm. and actor Randolph Scott lived together in what they called the Bachelor Hall, as the, as the studio called it. Okay. You, you see these photos of these two fit and fine specimens just hanging out, palling around, and the way these two like look at each other in these photos, you go, huh. So they were boning? Uh, probably. I mean, that doesn't mean a whole heck of a lot beyond like, you know, people can bone whoever they want to bone, RJ. Sure, sure. And um, I, I think it, maybe at times uh, he, he boned whoever he wanted. Um, but there was always a, uh, an image to be held up uh, in this era of who you were I going follow. In. Like Rock, Rock Hudson would be one of these. Like Rock uh, Hudson? Yes, he was also seen as a ladies' man. Well, he was a bone machine. Is a, what, uh, a... And that knows no genders, Jarrett. Like, like the Tom Waits album? No genders? To, uh, bone machine. Bone machine. Is that kind of like Claw Hammer? Claw Hammer. Claw Hammer. Um, so I uh, I, so but at one point like I think it was like in the seventies, Chevy Chase made some some crack about Cary Grant being a homosexual and uh, uh Car- Cary Grant sued him. Oh shit. No. Did he win? I believe it was maybe settled out of court. Uh, yeah. So th- there's some yeah, there's some here and there about mean. it. But I was like thinking about this a little oh, bit because yeah. the way that he like I don't really buy the chemistry 
of Cary yeah, Grant and Eva Marie Saint. Well, because like yeah, when they do these scenes where they go in for a kiss. Now, in the documentary that I was watching, they said, "Well, we were both married." So there wasn't a lot. There wasn't like snogging actually going on, but there was like these, so they so they always had to like. Sh- well, this is a different time, RJ. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were like shooting around stuff, so the camera would be moving around just to position it, so you never actually really see them like full on playing some tonsil hockey. Ah. Um, but there's those scenes where you see where his hands go on her head, and you're like, yeah. that isn't how a, a man would hold a woman's head. It's not how anyone would do anything. Is what I th- is yeah. what I think. Right. So I, uh, but I do want. I'm like, is he just not into this? But I mean, but I think but, but there, but yeah. but but or I don't know. But there is like these interviews with these like uh, these women that were married to him, and they're like, well, I don't know. <laughs> it seems like the implication was, yeah, we we sure like fucked a lot. <laughs> so like, I don't know. It's like, yeah, okay. I just want to say that when Jarrett was describing leaning in, he was leaning into the camera for a kiss, and uh, if Rob was here, I think he would have reciprocated with a little. He would have hit you with one of those uh, little pecks. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you you could be right. I think it was just uh, the attraction wasn't there for whatever reason. But he does hold his hands in a strange manner every time he's near him. They're either like the hover hands over her, which like I know in that scene he's he's put off by her, so he doesn't want to be intimate. I get it, but he's still like weird. But the way he holds her head when he's actually kissing her, he's got like these weird like just like this clench on her head as a whole and it's just like it's like no one's i've never seen anyone do that ever in anything almost ever never jared never never so that was weird uh but yeah you could be right what are we talking about oh yeah north by northwest uh it's a good show uh so yeah what i was saying is i think carrie grant's a little bit wacky and then watching it again it's been um I've only seen it once before and it was over five years ago. So like I was a little bit vague on like the fine details. So like when she got brought up, I was like, why is this lady into him so quickly, so fast? And it's like, man, she's super horny for him. And it's like, why? He's like a homeless dude that she knows killed people or has has been suspected to kill people. It's like, what's what's up with this? Why is she so upfront about it? And then you you realize I was like, oh, yes. Yeah, because she's in on it, too. But then also you're kind of like, but still. Like these, uh, these people are playing it pretty hot and loose with each other pretty quickly, and it's like I wonder if that's, I wonder if that that's what they were going for. You mm. know what I mean, Jer? So she's uh, she's all over it. He works through the no a lot, or he works through the yes, quite a bit. Where he's like, like she agrees to everything, so I think it comes off not creepy. But the way he does talk is pretty weird. Um, as we've mentioned before, he's like, I can't talk to women because then I'm gonna get them. And you go, what? <laughs> you go, what do you mean you're going to get them, Carrie? Uh, so that's kind of strange. But uh, the story itself, like you, like as you kind of talked about, it's good stuff. It's Hitchcock stuff. Uh, I like how it plays out. It hits a lot of beats where even though some of it you're like, I'm pretty sure I know where this is going, but I'm still on board. And it kind of follows those trends. And I think especially now watching it, and you're like, well, the reason it's probably so familiar is because people have probably tried to emulate it and copy it a lot. So I think, I think that's got that going for it at least, but, um, story's good. Characters are good. Martin Landau is awesome. I think he's my favorite part in this. I just like how, I just like his presence as a, as a solid, as a tough, you know, a heavy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As a good heavy, a solid, a, so- <laughs> a solid, uh, yeah, good heavy. Uh, the higher goons is also good. Um, mm-hmm. 
And yeah, you know, a classic tale of uh, mistaken identity, Jerry. You know, it could happen to anyone. <laughs> it could happen to me? It could happen to anyone. And I, I think that's a big Hitchcock thing, right? Like Strangers on a Train is kind of like that too, where it's just kind of like, it's like, man, I wish my wife was gone. And then someone goes, oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. We could do, we could do something about that, yes. Yeah, well, well, a little squid pro quob. It's been so long since I've seen kind of the um, this the the late mid period, the peak period of Hitchcock that I kind of Hitch. I maybe want to rewatch like Shadow of a Doubt and do it. Uh, Strangers on the Train and Rear Window and Vertigo. I haven't seen Vertigo forever. I so I have in the last five years I've watched this. Vertigo, Rear Window, Strangers on a Train. And for for what it's worth, I think Rear Window is the best, in my opinion, or my favorite, at least. And then yep. I think Strangers on a Train is pretty close afterwards. Okay. Uh, North by Northwest and Vertigo, I, I hold kind of similar planes just underneath. But I remember, um, I remember really liking Rear Window because I'm a Jimmy Stewart kind of guy. And because uh, he talks really funny. And, and, but... he, and, he, and he knows where to put his hands. He, he knows he knows how to hold them hands. You know what I mean, Jer? Mm-hmm. Uh But Vertigo, also very good. And, uh, yeah, Strangers on a Train, I, I remember liking it, uh, like, a lot. I remember Ben Affleck was going to remake it for a while, but I, it never happened. Oh, well, yeah. It never it just Some uh, Patricia Highsmith. Yeah, it never happened, which is too bad because, um, I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, Strangers is a good show. I you sh- if you're in the vibe for it, you should definitely rewatch these movies. Yeah, no, I I get the probably. vibe. Well, I think um I think the Hitchcock stuff's still on Criterion Channel for another couple of days. Maybe we'll just uh, check it out. Maybe pop on uh, some of that window action. Ooh, I I got it on blue. Ooh. It's not 4K. But, yeah, I've got them. Know, I've got I've got them all somewhere. I just it's just uh, when you can just. Click over on the stream button. Oh, it's so, so so easy. So smooth. So smooth. Yeah. I think the point is, we like Hitch. Rob Eagle likes Hitch. Like, right, Rob? Yes. Yes. So uh, what's not to like? Yeah, it's a good show. Pretty good show. Uh, you want to hear who hates North by Northwest? I mean, I, I imagine there's a whole camp of people who just hate Hitchcock, or no just, matter what it is. They just don't like old movies. And that they, too. they watch them and they go, this is so fucking boring, because that's kind of what it is. But let's yeah. pick let's pick a few. Uh, I jumped around a little bit. Sikala. Um, okay. Half a star. Not only have I watched the movie once, but I have also rewatched some scenes twice, because I couldn't understand what was happening, and yet I haven't figured out what the plot was. This kind of movies remind me of just how fucking stupid I am. Didn't like it. There's nothing confusing about this movie. No, it, I think as we explained, they make sure that you know what's going on. Yeah, there's nothing confusing about this. One, it, this person only, only has two five-star films, and one of them is Arrival. And it's like, that movie's probably more confusing than this one is. Yeah, probably. Um, favorite films include Uncut Gems, Inglorious Bastards, Ad Astra, and The Irishman. Ooh, that's got hands. That's got hands. Big hands. Any half stars? Big hands. Uh, no. This. No, no half uh, stars. They just, they just hate this movie. They just hate, well, they've only logged 200 movies total. Okay. This is the so. worst they've ever seen. Good. Apparently, yeah. Apparently. Well, what about Baby Bam? Half a star. Let's see. Um, 
For my film final, I had to write an essay, and I took that opportunity to compare Alfred Hitchcock to Michael Bay, and I think that's when I truly peaked in life. I got a B plus. My teacher wasn't too happy. This person seems a little bit too into themselves. Like uh, baby Bam. They uh, Their bio says, I hate movies but love attention. So There you go. They got that going for them. Uh, five stars to... A24 films and ooh, Ad Astra again popping up. Uh, strangely, uh, the new Suspiria film, um, you know, some Marvel movies, also five stars. Let's go to some half star films. Uh, mm, this all looks like shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, House that Jack built, uh, Velvet Buzzsaw, one of your faves, Apostle, North by Northwest, Bright, um, Doctor Strange? Hmm. Oh. Sure. A lot, a, lot of, a lot of films. A lot of films. A lot of films. Uh, one more, maybe. This person also watched The Matrix Resurrections twice. Oh. In what looks like the span of a single day. No, two days apart. So they watched it two days apart. Okay. And three I... stars both both times. Okay, these some of these are just so silly. This one's yeah. got Shinji as their avatar. Ian, one star. Okay, man, I fucking hate this movie. F you, Hitchcock, you overrated piece of shit. This movie has not aged well. Cary Grant does okay though. <laughs> what? I mean, that's not what I would take out of this. Uh, Ian says my passion is watching movies halfway and end them years later. Uh, big anime boy loves Princess Mononoke, Howl's Moving Castle, Stolen Kisses, an Antoine Danel film, and A Summer's Tale from 1996, or Conte de Dua is the French pronunciation of that film, Jared. We got one more for you on the next page, RJ. Yep. From Nick9000. Sure. I never knew why North by Northwest is so admired. There's absolutely nothing about this movie that makes it noteworthy. Not the flat camera work, not the phoned-in actors, not the circus music, not the shallow story. Nothing. It's a silly popcorn adventure, and you can find much more entertaining popcorn adventures from Hitchcock's contemporaries. I mean, I guess. That's the way you want to look at it. Uh, Nick9000, I'm just some other jerk on the internet who writes capsule reviews. Mm-hmm. Okay. Favorite films include Eyes Wide Shut, M, Excalibur, and Seven Samurai. You know those ones, Jared? I do. Half star films include Hubie Halloween, the Adam Sandler mm-hmm. classic, yep. uh, Kong Skull Island, Pan, the Peter Pan film, and Transformers Revenge of the Fallen. Five-star films include Nosferatu, The Vampire, and Spaceballs. You know Spaceballs, Jared? Oh, and Joker, the incel flick. Oh. Interesting, interesting. Interesting. Very interesting. Well, that's it for the heat. Um, Yeah. Any final words on North by Northwest? Yeah, it's a good show. Good show. Uh, there, I was watching the. There's like a feature length documentary. I think it was like on PBS originally on Cary Grant uh, that I decided to watch. Just had it on, seeing if there was any anecdotes that popped up. There was one 
tail that came along that I'm totally blinking out on. Oh, there it is. So it's like kind of like I've actually seen his last movie when we watched Tokyo Olympiad. Uh, it's a movie that's kind of set during the uh, uh, Tokyo Olympics back in 1964. Uh, it got released in 66. And then he just like mm-hmm. retires. He's done acting. He never acts again. He just becomes like a, he, he winds up on the boards of a lot of big companies Mm, so he mm-hmm. just becomes like a, like, a, like a businessman, I guess. I mean, he looks basically the same. He's just like white haired and he wears big glasses, uh, kind of Marty Sc- Martin Scorsese style glasses. Scorsese-esque? Scorsese-esque hands. And mm, um, mm-hmm. I guess there's a one point, like, so he's, he's getting older and older. Uh, he goes to some awards thing and he just goes over to it to like get in and it's like, it's like, oh, I, I need my pass. And it's like, a name, Cary Grant. And she like looks <laughs> up. You don't look like Cary Grant. And he responds, well, that nobody does. Because well, Cary Grant in the collective mind, RJ, is so handsome that no one can look like Cary Grant, even uh, himself now. That's wit, RJ. That's wit. <sighs> Have you ever dropped one of those on someone? I have not. I haven't had the opportunity. I'm not a I'm not an old classy guy yet. You don't look like Fudge Duncan, <laughs> and then you go, nobody does. That's the problem. Nobody does. Yeah, you do look like a Fudge though. Like you look like your middle mm. name is Fudge. That's just right. that's right. Fudge Duncan. Fudge Duncan. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's that. Mattress, man. Let's, man. let's, let's uh, throw these la- throw this laser disc in the trash. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, don't, I haven't even got a player. Laser? You don't got a laser disc? I don't. Uh, Jeez, I know. Do you think, how many left do you think are in the world? Like five? Oh, at least at least five, maybe ten at the most. Ooh. Okay, interesting. After the break, the podcast just goes deep, deep into that. Right in there, RJ. Sounds like Rob Eagle's back. Oh, your, your cat just ran away. Yeah, she's put off by what you said. She's going deep in there with that podcast. So, Jesus, I got to get away from this thing. That's uh, unfortunate. It's Bob Eagle, where wherever he is in the internet, wherever he, whatever he eventually skyped into, I, I, I wish him the best. I hope that uh, life brought him great, great things, and that he uh, enjoyed his time uh, as a creep patron. 
Um, yeah. And then to the internet see. Do you think well, Bagul actually got him? Because this could be the this could be the actual first Bagul getting, the, where it's like the first we lost one. We lost. He's gone. He's well, gone. Well, hopefully we hear back from him at some point. Some if if he's never heard from again, Bagul's real and Bagul mm. got him. I mm. think is the only so. the only thing we can take from that. Um, you can send your thoughts and prayers to criterioncruise <laughs> at gmail.com for the soul of Rob Eagle. Yep. We've got a Facebook page. We're on Instagram. We're on Letterboxd. I'm Jared Duncan. He's Barnloaf. We're on SoundCloud, Stitcher, mm-hmm. iTunes, Google Play. We've got a Patreon. We've got YouTube. <sighs> Next week, RJ. Yes. It's the one you've been waiting for, I think. Oh, yeah? What a way to kick off a new year. With? Horson Wells is the complete Mr. Arkadin from 1955. Ooh. How long is that? I have no idea. I think there's just like three different versions of the movie to watch. And I don't know. We're going to have to unpack it. We're going to have to figure it all out. But it is all available, ladies and germs, on the Criterion channel. I'll watch one if you watch three. Okay. Seems like a fair deal. Fair? Fair. Well, Happy New Year, RJ. Um, happy New Year, Rob Eagle. It may be our last. Could be. Yeah, we'll we'll see how the numbers do. If we don't have a, a huge increase by thousands, we might be done this podcast. Heard we'll see. First, folks. Yeah, that's just the truth. Cold hard truth. The death. The Deadpool is on. Yeah. How long do you think we'll last? March, June. Lousy March. I would guess. I would go. I would go the low on that one. 